welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 275. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people. It used to be so easy before he was revealed to be an asshole. I can't do a Hogan impersonation. We went back to 1995, <laughs> brother, for WCW Bash of the Beach. Um, yeah. This is a show that has it all. It has a great setting. It has a hot crowd. Mm-hmm. It has perfect weather. And it has some of the worst pay-per-view wrestling I think I've ever come across <laughs> watching this show. Man, it is, it's rough. Like you said, the setting is great visually. I also, mm-hmm. though, the entire time was just sitting there thinking, these people are in direct sunlight for yeah. how many hours before that they had to sit before they even, the show started. <laughs> like, is it right. just... At least, like, the first part, maybe there's some seating going on. But after that, it's just like a crowd of people on a beach. Like, if you just leave, your spot's gone. You don't get to come back to your ticketed seat. So it's just like, I was, at first I was like, oh, you know, it'd be kind of cool to be on a beach. You could go get wet and then come back up and watch. It's like, no, you couldn't. You'd be in the back of the fucking group after that. You wouldn't be able to see anything. Right. I just, I, but compared to, it's funny when I said hot, it's funny because it's both literal and kind of true. Now that you mentioned <laughs> that. Um but I was leaps and bounds better than the Sturgis fans. Those yes. people are literally just there to rev their motorcycles up and have <laughs> no reaction or care for the wrestling. But the reason we're talking about putting people on a beach in direct sunlight for three hours is because we're reviewing WCW's Bash at the Beach from 1995. And the reason we're doing that is because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together and discuss a wrestling event that we agreed to watch the week before. It's kind of like a book club. But for wrestling nerds, if you need any information about the show, links to any of our social media outlets, you can check us out online, goldenagepodcast.com. That's right. Yes, please feel free to look us up on Facebook and Twitter as well. That will be your best bet for Mm. uh, the quickest reactions when it comes to uh, questions or perhaps even a request. Yes, because we do accept requests if you're a listener and you know, think, oh, there's this one show that I always wanted to hear someone talk about because I've watched it and something wild happens on it. Or maybe it's just you expect something wild and it's just super boring. Whatever it is, you know, the reason you feel that you would like to hear us talk about it, let us know and we'll discern if we're going to do that review or not. Absolutely. Yes, likely please, we don't be shy. Yes, don't be shy. <laughs> So that brings us now to the, the actual show. We've we got to start talking about the wrestling world, Tony. So instead of jumping back in time right away, if people are new, this is the part that we talk about the current world and a little bit of a taste of our current wrestling. If you'd like a more extended meal, you can check out the post-show. But for the little bit that we're going to talk about now, it's an appetizer called the Sid Vicious Dishes. with this look on my face it was something that was given to me because of people like you see he's going to stereotype me it's the big dumb guy and I have half the brain that you do my disposition is not something I was born with it's something I was acquired because people like you (laughs) because you are feared of me well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit. Of- Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony. What do we got this week? Well, DP, um, we if you would like to hear our uh, full review of Takeover in Your House, you can find that in the current wrestling after the show. Because now we're going to talk about. 
what happened after takeover in your house. Um, we of course ended the show spoiler ahead. If you didn't watch it, you care. Um, William Regal is approached in the parking lot at the, in the closing minutes of the show saying after seven years, he's never seen so much bedlam and it might be time for a change. And so, like, what? he looked very sad while he was saying, no, he's, well, it, he's, was, <laughs> it wasn't he's just, a, he, it wasn't just I, that there was, there was too much chaos and he's got to get out of here because it's stressing mm-hmm. him out. He looks defeated as he is leaving this show. Right. Well, no, it's perfect. No, he was great in the moment. Um, he's done a good job of kind of getting closer and closer to that feeling over mm-hmm. the past few weeks, you know, with his reactions on TV as well. Um, so we start the episode of NXT this week with GM William Regal making his way to the ring. He talks about being with NXT since the start, you know, being at the commentary desk for TakeOver. Um, he's been able to watch it grow into a global success. Um, you know, talks about the places they've been. He chokes up mentioning uh, watching the show in Blackpool with his nieces. Uh, he's very emotional here and feels inevitable as to what we are approaching. Um, he mentions all the hard work and then thanks the fans. And um, he's finally decided with the chaos, he's done all he can and he can't give us what we deserve anymore. But then he's interrupted by NXT champion Karrion Cross, along with Scarlett Bordeaux. She may just be Scarlett now. People lose their last names around here. Um, <laughs> Cross says he and Scarlett knew this would happen um, and that he wanted to come out and feel this moment because he's, he's kind of weird like that. He's like Eric Cartman out here. I wanted to lick up your tears. I wanted to come out here. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a Scott Tinnerman situation. <laughs> he insults Regal for crying, calling him pathetic. Uh, you know, the fans are obviously all over his ass about this. Uh, Cross then demands William Regal tell the people he's leaving. Uh, and then he wants him to say Cross conquers all. Which <laughs> is so like over the top heel. It's kind of fun. Um, and yeah, and wants his ass out of here. So Cross is being very disrespectful. Regal, um, you know, looks like maybe he may even say it. I don't know. And then... The music of one Samoa Joe rings out in the Capitol Wrestling Center. Yeah, I was, I can't, because we had just recently watched that early Samoa Joe appearance in NXT and saw that original theme song. I was kind of hoping they'd go back to the OG theme song for this one, but no, <laughs> no, he comes out to the, you know, the fan go, yeah. fans go nuts as soon as the fucking yeah. music hits. You see the yeah. fucking logo in between the two men in the, in the shot anyways, because of the mm, way that yeah. it was set up. It was perfect. <laughs> I thought it was great. So yeah, awesome moment there, but of course goes wild. Out comes Samoa Joe, dressed in a suit. Not necessarily here to compete. Um, he gets in the ring. Everyone's really happy to see him. Maybe not carry across. Uh, Regal tells him, well, you know, like, yes, Joe, we had something to talk about, but I, you know, I thought we would do it later. Backstage, that's obviously not going to happen. <laughs> um, he tells him that NXT deserves a GM who could hold the position with the dignity it deserves know alluding to Samoa Joe here maybe getting the big question Joe flat out tells Regal absolutely not <laughs> so <laughs> if I just left the ring at that moment and that was it and no left the company that's not what I'm here for goodbye we, we signed him for a one night only thing he's still gone <laughs> um, but that's not what happened uh, Joe talks about all the good William Regal did for this company and this brand in his seven years making NXT what it is today Triple H is probably twitching his eye backstage to that comment. Um, 
Joe makes Regal a counteroffer and says he would be more than happy to make sure he gets the respect he deserves from everybody. William likes the sound of that and says there will be two conditions. One, he can't be a competitor. That kind of sucks. And two, he can't attack unless provoked. Now, I didn't necessarily notice him splitting those into two. It felt more like you can't be a competitor or attack people unless provoked. Kind of leaving that open option of potentially if you're provoked, we might end up giving you a match. But I don't know. I think it was like you're not going to be in matches and it, you can't go around hitting people unless you're provoked. It did feel also like as soon as it like, you know, when you, you know, I've got a counter offer. I was like, I want to be stone cold from 2003. Like, give <laughs> yeah. me the sheriff's position, please. <laughs> Pretty much what he's going to be. Yeah. Uh, a great moment, too, there was carrying cross with a, you know, shit eating grin on his face as Regal was explaining that he wouldn't be a competitor and he wouldn't be or that he couldn't be a competitor. And then as soon as he mentioned, you know, and he can't attack anyone. And then as soon as he said, unless provoked, and then the smile just dropped immediately <laughs> off across his face. Uh, so, yeah, they have a face off. Joe accepts the terms. He asks Karrion Cross, what the hell are you still doing in the ring? Which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just such a Joe moment. Um, gets in his face and says, TikTok young champion. And that would be the end of things there as Karrion Cross and Scarlet would leave the ring. Like, this... Uh, we I think was it last week that I really I can't remember if it was last week or even just even it might have been just in the current wrestling here that I'm mm-hmm. using these times but just talking about carrying cross and like things like that like th- this is a storyline that I'm super excited about like right. those other four guys that he wrestled in the last match I understood why they were all there they're all at the top of the card but as yeah. far as like interactions with cross I didn't really care about much of anyone's interactions with him and is in a character storyline so far. Because I know a lot of people don't like Cross and they have their reasons, but it's because he's bigger than this. You know? Yeah. Like him going nose to nose to Joe, that mm-hmm. feels appropriate. That's true. Yeah, it does. You know, him looking down at Adam Cole, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a foot down, <laughs> is. It's tough. You know, man. I'm, I'm not trying I, to say that's the end all be all, but yeah, no, you're not wrong. Like this Joe moment, because it felt. Right. You know, I don't know. Yes. It felt like an equal. It felt like a match, you know? Absolutely. And just, yeah, the, the TikTok young champion thing. I was like, mm-hmm. this, is, this is so cool. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If this match doesn't happen, like, damn, that'll be really too bad because, yeah, Joe nailed it. Not, the ending of that was awesome. <laughs> so Joe wasn't done. We go backstage. Cole and O'Reilly, those two can't have him in the same building. Um, they're trying to fight one another. Yeah. Uh, Regal. Puts them in a match. I just love this too. Like Regal literally was just in the ring. Like, I'm sick of this. I can't control any of this. I'm done with the chaos. <laughs> Next segment. Boom. He's breaking up a fight between like two of the top guys in, in the company and having to get security guards involved. Um, yeah, they get to make their own matches for next week. Yeah, yeah. None of that really matters. What really matters is that. <laughs> well, yeah. He tells them they get to make their own matches and then they start fighting again because they don't even want to answer him. And that's like the whole yeah. the whole stipulation here is like, you like, better answer me, damn it. I thought Adam Cole at one point just literally like screamed out like, that's stupid, Regal. Like I could have <laughs> swore like that was like one of his lines. Uh, but yeah, that would and Cole would pay dearly for shoving Samoa Joe aside in the melee. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say Joe overreacted a little bit too. Joe proceeded to choke him to unconsciousness. No, that's why I said the Stone Cold thing, because, like, Joe played this exactly <laughs> like Stone Cold used to. Like, he got right. tapped, and he went, 
Yeah. And then shook his hands and just grabbed him and just started choking him out. It was just like, it was perfect. How dare you? How dare you do that to me? I apologize. Um, it's, a, it's an audio medium, and I'm doing the visually looking around. Like, he, he got tapped, and then it was just like, you saw yeah. the wide-eyed expression, like, I just got provoked. Now I can do right. what I want. Right. It's okay. All the guys that do podcasts now do that because they're all also doing video streaming and talk <laughs> about what they're watching. Everybody does that. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, anyways, last thing here from Joe for the night. Well, kind of. There's a little bit of something I guess I'll get to, but just this cracks me up because I just love this. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory bust into Regal's office, you know, kind of the Johnny way. <laughs> Joe's like, Johnny's just, you know, Regal, what are you doing busting into my office? And Johnny's like, I, you know, like, don't worry about it, Regal. Like, I just love how, like, dismissive <laughs> he is of, like, when Regal tries to, like, <laughs> you know, benefit him. And Johnny is thrilled for to see Samoa Joe. Theory and Gargano bust into the office chanting, Joe, Joe, Joe. Joe, Joe, like they're, you know, they, Johnny talks about how, how happy did, he is. How did WWE uh, not post this segment on, on their YouTube oh, page? Like, I didn't even see this. Yeah. Um, Johnny, you know, is so glad to see him mentions, you know, you know, Regal needed something because I broke a pencil a couple weeks ago when I came into his office and he almost snapped on me, <laughs> you know, so he's, so he's happy to see Joe and thanks him for choking Cole out. And literally Joe says nothing. And when Johnny's done, he just says, get out. And, they nice. turn around and get out. And they also, Johnny had to scold Theory for still being in his diesel gear too, because that was a <laughs> strictly for takeover in your house, and they're done doing that. So, Ugh. but yeah, Joe, and then they leave. It was just funny, you know, perfect. In the in the you know the internet world of of us versus them, is that a, is that a shot at Pentagon and AEW for continuing to wear his Joker outfit? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Um, yeah, but anyway, Johnny and Austin don't think twice. After Joe says, get out, they get out. And then in walks Pete Dune. And kid, if you, you didn't see this, just give me your guess. What? How do you think this goes? What happens when Pete Dune walks in and has a confrontation with Samoa Joe? I mean, I just imagine them standing and staring at each other, kind of like the cross versus Joe staring, standing I, and staring. I can't, I can't believe you're right. Uh, it's absolutely what happens. Pete Dunn walks in, stares at Smojo. Smojo stares at Pete Dunn, and we go. We cut away. That's, <laughs> that's, that was that was the state because that's what Pete Dunn's capable well, of. Because he doesn't have. It's like even if I was writing for that character, because of what I've seen said before and stuff. It's like I don't really what what would you have him say? I guess. <laughs> not, you're, no, you're not wrong. I mean, like, it's, <laughs> this is the corner they put themselves in. Oh. Um, he's the most uninteresting man on earth. Anyways, um. So yeah, great first night for Samoa Joe, looking strong, taking people out, you know, having fun. It's uh, it's one of those things though. I'm just curious how much of his medical issue is is there a medical issue at all? Like, is he not cleared, and that's why they went ahead and let him go? Was it just in, because of the you know the money they were paying? It was too much for what he could still do. For what he was doing, yeah. Like, it I'm just, just curious what yeah. the reason is to then bring him back immediately, and then also. Like pretty explicitly tease three potential matches for him to have. Yeah. I mean, I think it was our friend Tom Green that had tweeted something about along the lines of just like it's going to be really disappointing if he doesn't end up being a competitor and we just have weeks yes. of him having these face-offs. You know, like <laughs> just tease, yeah, you know, like because it's like yeah, I'd like to see him fight all these people. Mm-hmm. You know, like so I don't know um, the circumstances of his release. You know, it's never real, made real clear by anybody. And Obviously, he stayed quiet for obvious reasons. Do you think you know? Braun Strowman shows up next week? Good God, no. No. <laughs> no. If Strowman comes back, Strowman will come back 
Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. You know, which don't be surprised. Um, yeah, no, I loved this for Joe. Lastly, there was a little like they're leaving because apparently we have to get a regal parting interview every week now um, in the parking lot. <laughs> but the show doesn't end until Regal gets into his car. That's what we're pretty learning. much. I love it. I, let's do it and have like tag out music, you know, like for the end. <laughs> yeah, the I want as soon as you hear, you see him like the lights come on and his car starts up and like that's right. like the, the build up to the music starting like every week. Yeah. Anyways, she's just like, hey, guys, like I was the first night. Regal's like, very good. Like literally, like it was I was like kept thinking like, oh, man, they're out here like someone's gonna hit their car yeah someone's gonna like attack some hideo itami nah. attacks no it was literally like it was great and then they got in their car <laughs> and we did literally watch them like drive away and that was oh, the end gosh of the show. goodness <laughs> so, no yeah, i don't know like i said this is it's fun if he is only here to be the muscle for regal mm-hmm. but boy it just feels like that can't be the case it, i right? feel like they would have had to have not been so obvious with how much they like were like lining up nose to nose shots of this right. you know like testing the waters with this the, the shit yeah no yeah exactly so we'll see i mean it could just be you'll get to watch him choke people out every now and then if they get too physical mm-hmm. you know because that's what I'm, maybe that's why again the stone cold thinking was i'm like is it a medical thing that's limiting you to letting him do this or is it mm-hmm. you know you're just doing this as a way to set up the storyline to then allow him to have these matches if you want exactly because i mean if he has matches like it's gonna be physical you know what i mean like joe mm-hmm. isn't somebody that i don't know if you know what i mean like yeah he's obviously much different now than he was 10 years ago mm-hmm. you know when he's fighting kurt angle and shit on in tna <laughs> and killing himself but I mean, if he has a match with Kyle O'Reilly or Cross or Pete, Dun- like they're gonna beat the crap out of each other, and it's gonna be really physical. So, probably, what is his body kind of up for at this point, or is he gonna be full time again? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's that's kind of the excitement of the moment, I guess, for NXT right now. So, sure, sure. All right, so that that's is that. Yeah, the current Great to see Joe back. World of twenty twenty one. Joe's back. Braun Strowman's coming back next week, and uh, <laughs> that's literally you shoehorned that in. And there's no reports of that happening. <laughs> so that, that brings us now to the time travel portion of the show. Let's climb into the box, hang out for a little while, and then we'll hop back out in July of 1995 with the four things. Four. The four things time capsule. The four things are. Number one, Tony, on July 4th, the Birmingham Barracudas, based out of Alabama, played their first CFL game, the Canadian Football League game, beating Winnipeg 38-10. to Where was this team from? Birmingham, Alabama. Did you know about the 1994-1995 to expansion into America experiment by the CFL? No, but I have to imagine like the thirty for thirty is on the way. Oh, I gotta think so because man, reading the Wikipedia is really interesting. But uh, then on July eighth, the first CFL game between two United States teams, the Las Vegas Posse and the Sacramento Gold, took place. Uh, the expansion would only last for about a year later. Basically, everything's gone by nineteen ninety six. But there's like there's all this stuff in the Wikipedia about like the American coaches would like secretly talk shit about the Canadian rules and about like and the Canadian League made an exception that like the American teams could play on smaller fields because there aren't Canadian Football League fields in America. 
That, yeah, that, I didn't even know that this had happened. It doesn't make much sense, and it's like if you were going to do any expansion, do it in Canada. Yeah, because yeah, I mean it, that the Canadian Football League, like it. <laughs> well, you know, since to have a team they, from Alabama, we've, we've got you know the American League that had you know a, a team from Montreal or whatever or well, National League. So, but it is the National true. Basketball Association. That is true. <laughs> Number two on July seventeenth, Forbes magazine announced for the first time Bill Gates was the richest man in the world with a net worth of twelve point nine billion dollars. And now his ex-wife. It's probably on her way to being. She's probably pretty up there. Than but it's uh, like twelve point nine billion. Isn't like Bezos at like a hundred and something at this point billion? Like that just oh, yeah. seems so I, quaint yeah, of I, a number. When I read that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah. No, I think you're you're in the ballpark there. Yeah, it's obviously <laughs> gotten much bigger, much, uh, probably a lot faster than it should. Yes, yeah, so there you go. That's where Bill Gates was at in nineteen ninety five. Uh, now, looking at the world of American movie theaters in lead up to tonight's event, we go to June 30th when Apollo 13 was released and made $335 million. Definitely a movie that I watched many times because it was one of a handful of VHS tapes my parents inexplicably owned. So, Oh, yeah. That was and, one but that, it is also a great movie. So. A lot of like aunts and uncles and, and grandparents, like people that only had like five movies would have Apollo 13 <laughs> in the stack. Right. Um, so, hey, but listen considering what the other options probably were, you were happy that Apollo 13 was there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, me and my brother watched angels in the outfield probably 1500 times at my grandma's house because everything else was not <laughs> that much fun. Uh, judge dread would also release making $113 million, not the really good dread, yeah. but judge dread with, with oh. fucking Stallone. Yeah. And right wing Rob Schneider. Um, it's, yeah, I'll say like Judge Dredd, like whatever you can have fun yeah. with it. Like it's mid '90s Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, mm-hmm. bad kind of fun. Um, but I feel like the stain of that movie has really kind of roadblocked the love that Dredd probably yes. deserves. Yep. Because I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, that Stallone movie," and it's like, no, 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 no. Like it's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's <laughs> badass. It's way Carl Urban is great in the role. Lena Haiti is mm-hmm. an amazing bad guy. Oh, like, she's the best as the, the main villain in that, man. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I loved her in that. Um, yeah, so if you've not seen Dread, go out of your way to check that out. Uh, <laughs> don't Mighty watch Judge Dread, though. Don't watch Judge <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, also released that weekend, making $37 million. I mean, listen, I am an un... Like, it's an, I can't be biased. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. can't give it... Like, my opinion on this is that it's one of the greatest films mankind ever created. I mean, it's 1995. But, How old are you at this point? Like, yeah, nine? I'm nine. <laughs> I'm nine, and I have, like, all the toys, and I'm playing Power Rangers in the front yard with it, my buddy Zach, you know? It also just amazed me, that, like, because that was a movie that probably, like, if we looked at the VHS rental and sales would be oh, where the, yeah. the money was made. Because $37 million doesn't sound like that much when you're looking at 113 for Judge Dredd, 335 for Apollo 13, and then Mighty I, Morphin Power Rangers felt such... Like, that was a cultural phenomenon through my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, that was... Everyone knew about the Power Rangers movie coming out. I don't know if I'm crazy or what, but kids' movies, I don't feel like, used to be the blockbuster gold yes. that they are. Like, for some reason, I think of Shrek when I think of, like, yeah. kids' movies becoming, like... Big big box office winners. I don't know. If, I mean, Shrek I'm probably and off like on the that, Toy but... Stories probably were right. like the Pixar yeah. movies. Yeah. yeah. Also, in a weird way, like June 30th was those three films. On July 1st, Clueless came out, making 57 million dollars. 
Dude, I don't that, know why it came out on a Saturday, but <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about Angels in the Outfield? I also watched that many times. Clueless is a movie that I have probably <laughs> seen more times than many of people would predict. That's one that I think I've only seen once at this point. It, it is. Like, I don't know why referenced. I was so interested in that movie. I the, I could probably quote a lot of that movie, and uh. I don't. I just I always <laughs> loved Clueless. On July seventh, we had the film First Night. Uh, spelled like you know, like a, a medieval knight, uh, make 127 million dollars. <laughs> down, down vote from Tony. Uh, also releasing Species, making 113 million dollars. Which I don't know if you've heard of the. I can't remember. The, I don't, that's the problem now of trying to make this suggestion. There's a YouTube video about exploring Species as a, a an entire like film franchise, and it's really good and it's really interesting yeah. with like H.R. Giger and the mm-hmm. designs and everything. Uh, but yeah, Species came out, made 113 million dollars. Those first two movies are pretty solid. The first one, especially the second mm-hmm. one, they lean a little bit more into like you know banging. But yeah. um, also, I will tell you all, of children out there, a time before it was so easy to just look up nudity on yes. your telephones and whatever else. You had films like Species <laughs> and <laughs> Natasha Henstridge. So yeah. That, Definitely. Uh, July 12th was the release of Nine Months. It made $138 million. Oh, Hugh Grant. You're so cute. Uh, another kid's film that, again, I remember being a huge part of my childhood. It probably isn't as well-liked anymore because of some of the, the themes in it. But The Indian in the Cupboard made $35 million. <laughs> Listen, we'll skip the like necessary conversation <laughs> yeah. about some of the social stereotypes. No, I, I mean, I loved that shit when I was a kid. Oh, like yeah. It was... I also kind of think it's always funny. I think like Night at the Museum kind of mm-hmm. like mass remat, you know, like almost oh, mastered with the that little guys little and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So. Also, I didn't know this even got a sequel. Under Siege 2 Dark Territory released and made one hundred and four million dollars. Listen, there's a couple of reasons, two specific reasons why you don't remember Under Siege 2, because they were in Under Siege 1. And then also Tommy Lee Jones was a, a pretty memorable bad guy that I don't uh, believe yeah. returns for the sequel. That makes sense. Number four, we go to the world of popular music. At the top of the charts in the Billboard Hot 100 was a song by a trio of ladies known as TLC. Mm, I've heard of them. Waterfalls. So yeah, that song was fucking everywhere for like the next ten years. At that point, <laughs> ten years, like, st- like till. I mean, that's it. it's also a great song because you know what's funny is like I think there was a time in the TLC timeline where they would maybe be best remembered for No Scrubs mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. that song was also everywhere for a while. But that song is not necessarily like you go back and listen to that one and yeah, it, it kind of is more of the time. Like, yeah, waterfall is child songs that I'm also, it's like, I remember being huge at the time. And when you go back right. and listen, it's like, well, right. yeah, the survivor yeah. ones. All right. <laughs> Waterfalls on the other hand is a song that they'll play 50 years from now. 
and it'll still, you know, capture an audience regardless of what's going on in the world. It is well also though one of those movies the or songs. I, I don't know if you heard the edit that I made in there because the music maybe it is like this in the radio version, but the music video like they sing the first verse. There's thirty uh-huh. seconds of just like a backing like beat behind like a dramatic scene playing out, and then finally okay. the chorus hits. And so I was like. I'm going to cut that out of there and make it so I can listen to No, that was like a, that was definitely another staple of the 90s there. They're like music video, like extended breakdown in the song with like (laughs) insert, you know, action, like movie style kind of thing. No, yeah, that's definitely not in the radio song. That brings us to July 16th of 1995 when acclaimed 9,500 people walked up on the beach and watched a wrestling show that was put on during peak heat hours of the afternoon because the East Coast people got to watch it before they go to bed. I, people have probably mentioned this. Did they have the ring covered? Like a, uh, a like, an awning or a shade or was anything? Was there any? No, because you can just... see it from the, the, like the shots from the, the helicopter. Right. Dude, that ring was probably 500 degrees. Oh, it would be awful. Like, there's that's probably that explains why some of these matches are probably so bad. Because who the <laughs> hell wants to bump on that? Well, I was also looking here. So, talking about our stuff that we get into before we actually talk about the show, the buy rates here had taken a dip at this time. Looking at this year, Uncensored and Super Brawl each did 180 thousand buys. Then Slamboree dropped to 110 after 180. Great American Bash did just a hundred thousand. Bash mm. at the beach. Apparently, they did a good job promoting it, probably with the Baywatch tie-ins and stuff. They mm-hmm. jumped it back to one hundred sixty thousand buys for this show. However, because this show sucks, it's going to drop down to ninety-five thousand for the next show for Fall Brawl, and not even like one hundred twenty, I think, for for Halloween Havoc. So it's not right. a great year for WCW. It's not a great year for WWE either. Ninety-five. It's just a no, bad year for but- the, comp- the business. So I guess as I've been watching Saturday night, WCW Saturday night in 95, I saw the return of Flair because those early shows you mentioned was also when Flair was suspended. Like I just watched the Saturday night last night where the International Board of Directors voted on whether to reinstate him or not. And France abstained. And otherwise it was a two to two tie. So nothing changed. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm a little behind, obviously, because at this point he's back. Um, But no, like Vader, he's managing Vader. Fighting Hogan, yeah, the three faces of fear things going on, and like they don't like. Oh man, this isn't going great. What's what do you guys think we should do? Dungeon of Doom. That is what's gonna. <laughs> that's gonna turn this ship around. Oh, dude, the the some of the Dungeon of Doom stuff we get here is even extended. Like, what are we doing? Um, oh yeah, but yeah. So an interesting time of of the company, I guess. Uh, but this show is gonna be brought to us by Slim Jams. Yeah, and I, I, they're. The fucking logo is everywhere. I'm not positive. This might be the first time this happens. I'm not sure. I was curious if this was the first one, and then they did Halloween Havoc, and they're like, let's just always do Halloween Havoc from now on. Because, yeah, or um, (laughs) it may have been Halloween Havoc 94, but for some reason I'm thinking it might not have been. Yeah, because this is now something that is very common and would be every month in the the WWF. Oh, well, yeah. They'd have... They'd have their pay-per-view sponsored, and you'd have the logo in the ring kind of a thing. And But it always feels a little bit different for me with Slim Jims in the early days because they also, then they have their branded wrestler that, like, true does the line during the intro thing. Yeah. Waves are curling. Sharks will be swirling as Slim Jim presents WCW's Bash at the Beach. 
Snap into a Slim Jim. Snap into the biggest thing ever to hit the face. WCW's fastest the beat you hear. Brought to you by Slim Jim. Snap into it. I'll be snapping into some payback from the Nature Boy. Oh, yeah. The big steel cage will be rumbling like a tidal wave. Man, if only his promos were scripted that well, maybe he wouldn't be so incoherent when he talked about things. Yeah, like, he, he just rambles when we finally get to yeah, listen to like, him. You know what? I think Macho Man could use a scripted promo, actually. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, fun stuff there. Macho Man and Slim Jim are like peanut butter and jelly. You know, they just. Oh, yeah. Even though they don't watch wrestling, we'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Macho Man and the Slim Jim guy. You know, like, it's it's weird how it's. Almost what some people recognize him for. Oh, well, that snap into a Slim Jim thing, like, that just, that is one of those, it's like, just do it or whatever. It's just one of those marketing Mm -hmm. terms that just stays with everyone that experienced it when it was, like, the big thing. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there that maybe even remember snap into it more, even realizing that that was Macho Man. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. Because they eventually kept just using that, and he wasn't necessarily a part of it. So, Uh, But, yeah, we get a great open video there, hearing all about Slim Jim's. We hear about Savage and Flair and Hogan and Vader in a cage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Which initially, I, because we're coming up on Hell in a Cell, I was thinking cage that has to sit on the ground around the ring. And I was like, how do you support that on sand? And then I was, <laughs> as soon as it like they popped up, like I saw even a, an image of it. I was like, oh, it does. Like, it's just a chain link fence. And it's like a seven foot chain link fence. Right. It would have been fun if like the cage was sinking into the sand the whole time. Oh, and like. Yeah. 10 minutes into the match they could just step over it like you know it was nothing oh so yeah it's it's very corny in the video but when they open up to a, a flyby shot of this giant crowd on this beach i thought this was fucking really impressive like it was, oh yeah my first note is holy shit like that's that's real they got a lot of people out there it looks awesome no the helicopter shot I don't know if I would have paid him for three hours or two and a half hours. Don't do any of the close-ups, but uh, right. when they do the no. wide shots, it's great. But, I mean, like, after this shot, I would have been like, all right, boys. Yeah. Thanks. I okay. thought that that was all we were going to get, and then we just... That's, that's good. To it. Oh, no, they're like, we're going to waste as much money as possible on that thing. So, yeah, anyway, the shot looks fly great. back and refill the fuel. They had to have at least once or twice. Um, yeah, it looks awesome, though. Tons of people are on this beach. How many of them know the Rider Wrestling Show? I don't know. Who cares? Uh... <laughs> Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan, yeah. no third wheels at this point in time. That will come in the near future, though. If Wikipedia is wrong on that, by the way, it has has uh, Bischoff listed as one of the commentators on this show for some reason. Nope, just doing Nitro. Actually, I don't think he was doing Nitro yet because it didn't exist. Um, but yeah, Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan are here. I'll tell you, that's another thing that's wild. I'm watching these Saturday nights, Jesse Ventura and Schiavone. Jesse v- and literally... One week, it's like the entire world changes, and like <laughs> you never see Jesse Ventura again. And Bobby Heenan's here, and I'm not complaining, oh. but it's just w- kind of weird how it happened. Yeah, Tony's got his you know wraparound sunglasses, his orange shorts for some reason with his red yeah. shirt. Uh, everyone else well, is the nineties. You know, the nineties, man. The orange threw me off on the shorts. Orange was big in the nineties. Nickelodeon, Taz, you know, like it was a whole thing. The Browns came back at the end of the nineties. Yeah, sure. Uh, See, they hype up the title matches, and at this point, I was just busy watching the dude that's right between their two heads, who is just mean mugging the security guard that's six inches in front of him between the two of them. There's like, it's the announcers, the security guard, and the fans, and that fan is just like, apparently that guy said something. I don't know what it was. I thought they probably could have, like, maybe stepped aside and let the fans, like, wave at the camera, Yeah, you know, from behind him, but... Man, I don't know. You also, 
this is a wild card of a crowd. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you got to be careful with the leeway because it could certainly bite you in the butt. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. Sure they, they, talk, probably... they talk about Sting and Ming, and uh, we go to a video. Dude, I was so hyped when we got a Ming hype video here. Oh yeah. This music. At the time of his existence, he was taught to intimidate, to eliminate, to conquer and destroy. A one-man shield of steel is Ming. Brought up to protect the emperors of the Far East, his soul disperses fear to all persons willing to step into his protected domain. Trained in nine forms of martial arts, Ming is a master of disaster. I just it, when they started talking about his soul dispersing fear, I immediately got flashbacks to Suicide Squad of her, her sword steals the souls of the people she kills. <laughs> uh, no, you're not wrong. No, I mean, wow, yeah, what a hype video. Here's my only problem with this hype video. Like I said, I've been watching, you know. The months leading up to this didn't quite make it, but mm. Ming's been around. <laughs> Ming's been like a debut match or something. The way they right. hyped this guy, right? Well, because yeah, because Ming was introduced as Colonel Parker's bodyguard. Okay, and then at some point he disappointed Colonel Parker, and so he turned him into a competitor. But he wasn't—he was still going to manage him. Gotcha. Um, but I th- and he's obviously this is his first match. He's you know because this is the uh, rematch from the finals of the U.S. title tournament. That they had to have, and I did see that build up because I saw them Nick Bockwinkle strip Vader of the U.S. title because he was uh, out of control and all that kind of stuff. And um, so yeah, I don't know if this is the first time they showed this video either. I guess maybe they had maybe be, uh, used it on Saturday night or something. The video is fucking awesome. I love it to death. Obviously, <laughs> um, it's it just also feels like this is the moment where it's like it's Sting. You know, if Ming beat him, I don't think that that's going to kill Sting. And it man, no. it would have been. The difference between maybe what he ended up doing after this and what he could have done, you know? I didn't think about it as like that. As far as a push, go- a push goes, you know? Yeah. Now, the video kind of goes a little over the top, but it is fun. Like, the, it starts, like, the narrator at one point switches over from speaking in third person about Ming and, like, the person right. that this person, and then starts talking Begins in first speaking person. For? Yes. Where he's like, I have few friends. I spread widespread fear. I must protect the master. The fight continues until the breathing stops. I was like, what? Oh. No, I was. That was also an odd turn for me, too. I was like, right, guys, wait. He's, he is Ming? Okay. Uh, but then, but yeah. And go ahead. Anyways, that would uh, take us to Mean Gene, who's with Sting. Sting is another person who isn't. He's an all-time great. If there's any, like, weird, like, niche, like, uh, toy makers out there, vacation mode bash at the beach Mean Gene would be such a cool Mm. figure to have here. Because, like, this look of Mean (laughs) Gene just, I loved it. Now, Gene's on top of it tonight. Sting, on the other hand, well, he's Sting. Like... (laughs) Another thing I've realized in watching like four years of WCW in the last few yeah. months is that Sting's a lot of personality, a lot of fire, and no substance. Yeah, I can. I, that's a, that's probably a legitimate like, criticism. He is the king. He is the king of ignoring the question, getting the crowd to woo or cheer, mm-hmm. repeating the question, 
And then actually somehow not answering that question before, like, we just go back to, like, the interviewer well, asking another question. So, yeah, he, he calls right off the bat. He, like you said, repeating things. He calls the opponent a bad, bad dude and then literally just repeats the lines that we learned at the beginning of the video about, like, his Ming has eight, you know, fucking martial arts experience or whatever. <laughs> Um, right. Sting then tells us this is his home turf. His mom and dad are at yep. ringside. I won't be embarrassed here. And Mean Gene asked him to repeat himself about the home turf thing. And Sting has to be like, I said that, didn't I? Yeah. I got good buddies like Mark Johnson and Jamie Pugh by my side. And you know something? I got my mom and dad sitting ringside. And the Stinger is not going to be embarrassed. Not in front of mom and dad, not on my home turf, not in California, Huntington Beach, with the U.S. title up for grabs. Well, I'll tell you what, I've never seen you quite so pumped up, Sting, and it's yeah! that's that hometown environment. That's right, I said it, didn't I? Hometown, right here, Huntington <laughs> Beach. I got the beach, I got the sun, I got my muscles going just right. <laughs> I said it, didn't I? Just cracked me the fuck up because I know I'm watching so many of these doing this show. I've realized how much mm-hmm. Gene is usually just saying like, "Don't forget this keyword," and then yep. handing the mic back. <laughs> yeah, this entire show feels like they're trying to stretch everything out longer than they should. Yeah, and that includes all of these interviews from Gene. Like he doesn't. I feel like he's either not willing to change or he's like not reading the situations. Yeah. Cause I almost feel like every one of these interviews, the guy or the girl gives Gene everything they've got after his first question. And <laughs> yes. they go on and they say everything. And, they just, and then you feel like, ah, oh, man, like, yeah, that's, that's, let's get out. And then Gene, and one more thing. What do you have to say about the situation <laughs> in the Middle East right now? Like, it's just yeah. always like, Gene, no, like, they don't have like Sting literally right there is thinking that was fucking it, Gene. Like I, <laughs> I got nothing else to say, man. I'll, like, I'll mispronounce muscles. Maybe that'll get me over. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's real weird. Um, oh. So yeah, it's his hometown. We then get tons of crowd shots. Which, this being your hometown is very important in some matches throughout the night. Like that, <laughs> and saying you're from here can get you in some trouble. Everybody and nobody is from Huntington Beach in this company. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we've got our announcer crew, Tony and Bobby. We go to match number one, the WCW U.S. Championship match between challenger Ming with Colonel Robert Parker taking on your champion, Sting. Ha, 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 now. Uh, yeah, Colonel Parker. Uh, Ming in a very lovely robe this evening. Yeah. Uh, dude. Very colorful. I felt bad for every single heel that came out because it's like, the the fucking sun is beating down. It's like 88, 90 degrees, whatever, which mm-hmm. again, when I heard that and I'm thinking about like the modern day right now, we're like 120 in Arizona, like Jesus. Um, so yeah, there, there's all this heat and all these heels keep coming out just covered in outfits. Like the True. blue bloods are going to come out in their regular <laughs> outfits. <laughs> oh. This is all true. Um, we get buffer for match one. Yeah. Mm. I was okay. curious. I think that we get buffer for every match that has a Baywatch involvement. As far as like the Baywatch crew has uh, to get shots during the match. I feel that like that's sense. when we get buffer announcing. You're right. Cause it's this and the Savage match and the Hogan match. Yep. So yeah. yeah. And we're told that the hat that Colonel is wearing was given to him by Richard Petty, says Bobby <laughs> Heenan. And Tony Schiavone then makes a Pocono reference. Cause I guess that was the most recent fucking race that happened. Because we're WCW, yeah. so we got to talk NASCAR. Uh, yeah. 
Sting, you know, has the belt, holds it up high. The fans seem really into him. But I just have here, but man, this crowd is, no one's allowed to have umbrellas apparently because, you know, you can't let the people behind you not see. So it's just like just these direct sunlight, like nobody's got shirts on. There's, I just can't imagine the sunburn yeah. came off of all this. No, I liked Buffer with his profile of the wrestlers during his introductions, uh, mentioning that Ming was found while he was a bodyguard. I'm just like, don't insult people's intelligence. <laughs> Taku, like we know who this guy, you know. Oh. Uh, I also loved him describing Sting as a star of Thunder in Paradise. Yep. Uh, Hulk Hogan probably disagree with that. Sting appeared in three episodes of Thunder in Paradise, so the I think 26 that exist. Nice. Where he portrayed, wait for this name, Adam Hammerhead McCall. <laughs> I like the I like the nickname in the middle there. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. I didn't know that he was even on that show, so that's that's impressive, right. I guess. But again, <laughs> for some reason, I guess I got sunburnt when I was doing track coverage like two weeks ago. So like that's that's apparently on my mind because in my notes here I have. Do you think that these guys are still out here in baby oil because they would be fucking frying? If they're not just like sweaty, <laughs> that's true. Oh, uh, anyways, match begins. Yeah. Lots of feeling each other out off the top. Sting wants a test of strength. And I just have here. Tony sounds very convinced when he delivers this line that I feel like is Eric Bischoff doing the Vince McMahon talking into your ear moment. Slim Jim's back to the beach and we are opening up with a dandy. This is where the big boys play. And we're right on the coast in Southern California. World Championship Wrestling, we are, no doubt about it, number one. In what measurement, uh, Tony? Yeah, you don't sound real confident about that either. Um, no. Yeah, like you said, feeling each other out. Ming's attacking the trapeze muscle, which is tells you kind of the state of things here. Uh, Ming just kind of menacing Sting. Hits a leg drop at one point, which I'm sure Hogan was in love with. Uh, and only got a two count. Sting decides, how am I going to fight this monster of a man? I know. Wrist lock and twisting. Um, <laughs> this is also when we see what would become a thing of this night. Reminded me of like some of those shows you, you see every now and then when that's like, oh, you guys let too many camera people in. Like WrestleMania 11, I think, was the one where it's like yeah. so many camera people. Because Baywatch is out here with their big money cameras. Like... Like They've got giant cameras. I, I only think they have one, but it is. Is it only one? I thought it was two on either people side to, to to work it. <laughs> and so, yeah, like having them within like the length, like anytime that they get involved with the entryway, it's a giant mess. Like no one yes. can get around each other. It's going to be a big problem when Vader comes out. But yes, yeah, it's, it is because it's it's cool. It kind of reminds me of the back of the times whenever like uh, wrestling with shadows was following mm-hmm. Bret Hart around, and you just be like. Who the fuck are those guys? You know, like there's this like <laughs> this camera crew that's like, I'm not seeing those shots. So oh. yes, Baywatch is here. And what's funny is I watched this episode not that long ago because it got in rotation on the Samsung Plus channel. Nice. I actually saw it a, a couple times, pieces of it. It's funny seeing this action. Like they shoot it very, it's all very close up. Like mm-hmm. in the episode when they're showing anything, it's always very tight shots of things. Oh yeah. Oh, because so. it's it also like the way that they shoot it, it feels like it's edited into, I don't know if you've watched a lot of Baywatch folks. Um, if you have, you know that like Good. the way they transition between scenes is like montage of like close up people on on beaches, like yes. random torso. Then it'll be like somebody's shoulder, <laughs> and then it's like you know a, a ponytail flipping by, and then they go to the next scene. And so right. like it's kind of like the wrestling is shot like that. If you've not watched Bay Watching on YouTube, 
uh, check yes. that out. They've got a great episode specifically about this where they get OSW involved. Uh, Absolutely, yes. Um, she's recently been doing a Xena Warrior Princess watch through, oh, nice. which has also been wildly entertaining. Allison Fagler. Allison Fagler, I believe it's her name. Pregler. I think. Uh, Pregler, yes. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ming is still in control. Hits a slam, goes to the second rope, misses a headbutt. Heenan calls the fans that camped out. No, those were the bums. They were just sleeping on the beach, Tony. Those aren't fans. You're not going to tell me there aren't at least a couple of homeless people that have probably wandered over this direction at this point. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Sting then locks the Scorpion Deathlock on. I was like, oh, that was quick. Um, But not quite. Ming actually manages to kind of fight out of it. And uh, Sting sat down on it eventually just for Kanapaka to get up on the apron and cause a distraction. Oh yeah, so he gets on the apron. He the but Sting turns his back to Ming to chase after him, which then tosses Sting to the ground. Ming then bounces Sting's head into the top turnbuckle pad, brainbusters him back into the ring. It was a tempted suplex. Not on purpose. A, yeah, it it was like a legitimate brainbuster. <laughs> Jesus, man, like that was not good. Uh, and, the Ming then hit three backbreakers in a row. Yeah, no, he got a kicking ass here. Uh, you know, we get the kick out there, and I just have here. I love while Sting or while Meng has Sting down. We have Colonel Parker just shouting at him. It's about, <laughs> come on, you worthless yellow dog. He's just <sighs> yelling at him the entire time. Man, I, I, I know that the stereotypes of his character can obviously have very negative. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> but man, there are few managers in the history of professional wrestling that just <laughs> make me smile and laugh with about everything they say and do <laughs> yeah he's so over the top and ridiculous man i can't get enough I, he's a guy that i didn't have any like real like appreciation for until I, we started seeing him doing this show like when i would just watch wrestling before i was like all oh, that weird racist character from the, the well, back of the day but it's like he's actually really entertaining um yeah um so, yeah, so, the crowd at this point is kind of when i realized like Ugh, like they're kind of well, here for the big moments, but they're not fucking, doing much as Ming was kind of dominating and had an abdominal stretch on the yes, singer. I was going to say, because he went from a like wrist lock to a headlock to an abdominal mm-hmm. stretch, and we've been standing around for the last four minutes, so the crowd falls out of it. Mm-hmm. Shivani starts talking about he's open to becoming a local tour guide if it means not having to work with Bobby Heenan. Because they were taking a wide shot, and he goes, and there you see the Pacific. And Heenan goes, you should do the tour guide stuff. <laughs> I like that. And then Meng hits a sunset flip. Sting yeah. drops his butthole directly on the nose of Meng, and we get these announcers yeah, trying to talk about it. His own version of the sunset flip. Sting got the balance. Oh. Did he land right in his mush? Yes, he did. <laughs> That'll puff up your lips and knock your teeth out real quick. <laughs> it looked yeah, painful. Dude. He sat on that face like Mac in the pool drain in that episode where the gang goes to the water park. <laughs> and he's so happy about it. Um, so, yeah, Ming's now. And then, so that happens. Both men are kind of down. Ming does the all in all fours ramming headlock deal. What did uh, you think of the uh, the Boston crab that the announcers were like, what is this? <laughs> uh, listen, Ming, he went through, I believe he, I don't know if he had any training in Japan or whatever, but I would imagine that the Boston Crab is something that he probably mastered very early in his training. So, I, yeah, I was, uh, I, I was disappointed at his, um, his lack of skills here. Yeah, he just holds Sting's legs together and, like, turns <laughs> it over into, like, a half crab, but with both right. legs. And, like, Bobby Heenan is like, I don't know 
what this is and tony's like yeah that's it's it's like a crab and then they just both they settle on it's a crab it's not a boston crab but it's a crab right. yeah ming uh thinks he won or i guess maybe he was just being cocky i can't tell but sting gets a rope break and ming like raises his arms yeah and takes his eyes off the prize sting almost kills ming maybe payback for the uh Brainbuster earlier with a back uh, body suplex folds him up pretty good. Yep. Then Both men are down, and then yeah, go ahead. Three th- uh, clotheslines, and then a Thez press gets a two count. Sting goes for a Hurricane Rana, and Ooh. flexes at the crowd. Hits a crossbody out of the corner that somehow Ming got way too close for, and like it just looked really not great. The crowd doesn't buy it at all as the finish. It felt like it was supposed to be like a you know a near fall. But mm-hmm. the crowd doesn't really make any noise. Uh, Ming gets a boot up on the Stinger Splash, however, which does get a lot of noise because holy shit, that was an awesome spot. Mm-hmm. No, it looked great. Um, yeah, Ming with a slam goes to the second rope, hits a splash, only gets a two count. But again, Ming celebrates, thinking he's won. I, does he think you win at two? Has he not been explaining the rules? I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, Anderson says he kicked out. Sting randomly rolls him up seconds later after Heenan had just said, man, Ming got jobbed on this one. I mean, man, Ming, got... <laughs> he like quickly changed his wording after he said job, but it made me laugh. Yeah. And Sting gets the victory with this roll up out of nowhere. One, two, three. Yeah. So, but something that would be a reoccurring theme in many matches tonight, Babyface wins, but the bad guy gets their heat back right away. Oh, Ming's mad. Out comes Road Warrior Hawk to protect Sting, and so he doesn't at least get too much on him. But yeah, and then Mean Gene, we throw back to him. Yeah, we go to to replays, and then Mean Gene is with, oh God, Jimmy Hart and the Renegade. (laughs) Renegade is like maybe an inch taller than Jimmy Hart is. Oh, what's so funny is I just literally got done watching the buildup to, I guess that would have been Super Brawl, I think, where Hogan's going to fight Vader after their confrontation mm-hmm. at the end of, like, Starcade or something. Okay. So here they're going to have this match, and Hogan for weeks on Saturday night. Because he ends up getting banished from the building by Bachwinkle because they can't yeah. be in the same building. And he's cutting these promos talking about his ultimate surprise. I remember his that. His ultimate oh. secret weapon. <laughs> my ultimate... And, dude, the that that is one of the biggest crooked jobs in pro wrestling oh. man the commentators say ultimate surprise and Goodness. You know, the ultimate arrival and, and yeah then, and then they bring this guy out that's dressed like the ultimate like not even like it's a swerve to go some other oh. direction no we're gonna get, right. deliver a fake version of him and hope you're too stupid to realize man and a bad one at that but yeah anyways and he's the tv champion because wcw Literally had that just lost all interest in that belt. Blew me away when I saw that the Renegade was a champion of any sort in this company. He, he beat Arn Anderson for that belt. Oh, my goodness. Jimmy Hart yeah. is showing us a WCW magazine and talking about how all the W, all the wrestling magazines are talking about the Renegade and me. And uh, yeah, daddy. then we get this promo from the Renegade. Renegade World Television champ, big task ahead of you. Jimmy Hart has programmed me to T-O-S terminate on Zod! You got this guy tuned up, I'll tell you. Mean Gene, he is ready, baby. Bash at the beach. (laughs) If he wasn't dressed like the Ultimate Warrior, he'd be just like another... 
kind of you know silly heel that yeah. Jimmy Hart manages, you know. Yep. But yeah. instead, it's the combination of everything that just makes it so bad. <laughs> and then Mean Gene randomly insults Bobby Heenan as he throws back to the beach. Mm-hmm. I didn't write down the insult, so I don't remember There's- exactly what he said, but. There's a lot of that between these two, and that's on the TV stuff all the time too. Like just <laughs> any chance Heenan gets to make fun of Bobby or make fun of Oakland. Match two for the World Television Championship. It's Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff taking on the Renegade with Jimmy Hart. Yeah. So this, this one, this match features one of the greatest unintentional double turns in the history of professional <laughs> wrestling. Because good. Paul Orndorff comes out and nobody is happy to see Paul Orndorff. No. Like to the point that I made note of it, like how unpopular he was as he came out. And folks, I'll tell you now, by the end of this match, this entire crowd <laughs> loves Paul Orndorff and they <laughs> hate the renegade. And it's awesome. It's good stuff. That that's the best part about it. That is absolutely <laughs> the, the number one part about it there. Um, and also I'll just say quickly, Paul Orndorff is an MVP. Like that, I've discovered in my later years of watching, like his okay. du- this WCW run in like ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. His arms like already starting to like go. Oh uh, yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah, the atrophy is getting pretty bad at this point. But he is just an unsung hero of that three or four year span with the you know just his work and his promos and everything. Oh, absolutely. Um, See, so yeah, Orndorff makes his way out. I didn't have a lot of notes about his actual entry here, but then. Man, when the Renegade comes running out, of course, it's like very much Ultimate Warrior style, run to the ring. Sure, um, run. I want to know, who has Jimmy Hart's Renegade coat? Does he mm. have that in his collection somewhere? Is that in Conrad's closet? I just yeah. want to see somebody's Renegade coat at this time. Hey, Daddy, come on down to Jimmy Hart's canteen and bar. <laughs> uh, see the jackets. Yeah, I don't know. Probably him. Jimmy Hart strikes me as the kind of guy that has a room with all of his memorabilia and like be. historical posters and yeah, things with, of that. I mean, shit. How how many times have we talked about him talking about the the number one hit that he or number five hit that they had or whatever? <laughs> That's a million seller. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he probably has a whole room dedicated to that song alone. So yeah, so yeah, but no, I, I'd love to have it. W, pitch that to WWE Hidden Treasures. Tell Stephanie and Triple H that we need to get that to the <laughs> WWE Warehouse stat. Absolutely. Oh. I've I've managed to avoid that show enough that I I've only heard someone describe the beginning of it. And I, what I've I'll heard just, is like yeah. if you just if you cut the beginning off and you don't watch till the very end, it's a great show. Like if you just show up five minutes in and then stop before they ever get to the end, you'll just love it. <laughs> cut all the Stephanie and Triple H contributions <laughs> to the show. Otherwise, you're just watching Top Dollar from uh, Hit okay. Row, kind of as the guy doing a lot of it. And I didn't like the way they did Sonny Ono. One of the most recent episodes, they were looking for Andre uh, okay. the Giants, like mask that he wore in japan or something yeah. and sonny ono and sonny ono wanted like money for it like more than they wanted to spend <laughs> and they like cut to like an interview where top dollar is just like talking about him being greedy and all. it's like he what? owns it oh. you guys literally want these things yeah. so you can put them in the warehouse where no one will ever <laughs> see them again that's what your show is trying to accomplish although I was listening to, I think it's the We Watch Wrestling guys that explained the beginning and end thing to me, but mm-hmm. they also said that uh, the episode about Jake the Snake was just, like, ridiculous. They're like, you're, yeah. you're looking for a bag, really? Yeah, a bag. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, it's, that show is, ugh, anyways, let's so, not get too far. So, like we that. said, the Renegade just headbanging, acting like the Ultimate Warrior, the match begins, he charges uh, and gets bounced off the ropes. 
Orndorff uses the hair to pull him down and begins stomping on the face of Renegade. He spits yeah. at the crowd. Paul Orndorff does. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're still not, you know, they're antagonistic still. Orndorff climbs mm-hmm. the corner, dives into a boot from the Renegade, like literally one of those I'm jumping to nothing spots. Um, then Renegade hits shoulder blocks, clothesline, sends Orndorff falling off the ring onto the platform and out into the sand. And it's this point that there's a few fans that begin chanting wonderful. Other fans, though, are doing the Paula thing. So I think that it's like mm-hmm. we're just starting this turn. Yeah, yeah, the Paula thing is like kind of on the downturn at this point. Like it mm-hmm. had its peak a couple of years earlier when Dustin Rhodes was still there and stuff. So yeah, there's like some nostalgic fans there that want to do the Paula thing. But man, they're coming around on him because Renegade <laughs> just doesn't look like he does anything well. I didn't cut the audio. I should have. But mm-hmm. have you ever heard two men seriously describe sand as more dangerous than these two men? <laughs> Dude, these guys kept talking about like how detrimental it was going to oh. be to these performers when they got sand on them. It's like they're covered in baby oil and sweat. <laughs> like it'll probably come off, you know, easily. And yeah. or the first time they hit the mat, you know, that'll probably be it's, about the end of it. It's so abrasive. It's going to cut yeah. and tear at the body. And oh, that was just it sounded yeah. like th- these men are about to die if they get into the sand. Yeah. So the crowd, you know, he's losing them. So Rick, so Renegade's solution is to put a side headlock on Paul Orndorff because that's what the crowd's going to get behind. They don't. No. Now they're pretty much just cheering for Paul. Uh, Renegade also, who taught this man how to do a drop kick? Did anyone oh, teach the Renegade how quick. to do a drop Yeah. We mentioned the sand, but there's a moment there. It's like he went out of the ring. He comes back in. Renegade immediately knocks him back out of the ring very shortly after. Paul... <laughs> grabs sand and pulls the Dale Gribble and throws it in his face. And that's uh-huh. a big part of where the f- fans kind of change. Cause they well, like that happens that just after this. this oh, actually, okay. Okay. I apologize. I missed. Yeah. The, no, the he, first hit, yeah, he hits the, he hits these awful drop kicks. Paul falls back out of the ring after that. Oh, and then throws okay. a handful of sand in his face. That, that, that drop kick is notably <sighs> terrible. Though. And he, he tries it more later. Yes. He keeps yeah. trying and they're terrible every time. Man. Yeah. Cause Paul takes advantage after the sand in the eyes. He's all over renegade. Paul with not a great drop kick, but he's like 50 years old. So yeah, I'd excuse him and the crowd. He, he antagonizes them and that's like it. Now they they're completely <laughs> behind him. This last time he like yells at him. Yep. The full on wonderful chance. Now mm-hmm. uh, renegade avoids a pile driver with a back body drop. Two of those awful drop kicks from renegade oh. by a power slam. Uh, but then, and and the power slam is has fans booing. How mm-hmm. dare you power slam, fucking <laughs> Paul Orndorff? Yeah, Orndorff gets advantage though, pulling Renegade by the front of the trunks and through the ropes to the outside. Yes, but it's not that big of a deal. Renegade no. gets back in, hits a belly to back suplex, and pins him one, two, three, and <sighs> the fans are booing as the Renegade wins. Orndorff obviously also had his shoulder up. Not the yeah. one that the announcers are going to tell us he had up. They're going to tell us no. it was the right shoulder, but clearly when they showed the replay, the left one was just never down. The right one was Paul, like, right at three, just put his arm up. Yep. Dude, because <laughs> yeah, I feel like someone in the back called this one, like, end it. Like, that count the be. three. Because this didn't feel like the end. Like, that's nothing why the yeah. fans were like, it was very, like, anticlimactic. And, I mean, obviously, I'd imagine the Renegade and- forgot, lost his place. Because he just gets in the ring and just hits the move and wins the match. Yeah. Yep. After it's after weird. getting totally violently to the ground. Yeah. Right. And, and the fans, after the match, they're upset about it. Orndorff 
you know, like we said, had the shoulder up. The fans get up or when Orndorf then hits a revenge pile driver after the match and yep. gets his heat back. And the fans are cheering as he hits the pile driver. He shoves Nick Patrick and the renegade stands right back up out of the pile driver. I was like, what is happening right now? And it's a diving crossbody to Orndorf and the fans begin booing again as he lifts the belt high. <laughs> Dude, they hated it so much as soon as he even started getting up after that pile driver. Like, oh, they were booing him. So bad. Uh, so it was awesome because of how the fans reacted. But this is also the second match in a row where the heel lost and then got their heat back right away. Very true. So yeah, not a great <laughs> but, show. Um, yeah, but, man, it's about to get great. <laughs> the Dungeon of Doom vignette. Sullivan! Oh, well, first, it's Taskmaster just talking to Father. With uh, his Boston accent. <laughs> I can't wait for my next gift, Father. And I love Satan and Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> the master shouts that the next warrior that crossed the burning sand of the Sahara Desert is on his way. And it's <sighs> so drawn out. Okay. Walk across the Sarah Desert. Fine. Yeah, right. From the deepest part of African continent. Fine. What right. the fuck is the beast on the stones of Mount Kilimanjaro? Is Mount Kilimanjaro known for having a, a traumatic beast that needs to be slain? Well, I mean, yeah, it did until Kamala took care of it. <laughs> That's why I haven't heard of it. I was just born too right. late. Kamala took care of the, the yeah. problem. I mean, the thing is, like, this is all silly and cartoonish and whatever, but... Okay, whatever. You sold pretty well that this is a pretty scary individual. You know, like, I'll give you some yes. credit there. Like, And then out walks, slapping his belly. belly and mumbling in that way that he does, Kamala. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you could even, because Kamala in, you know, especially the early incarnations and in Memphis and you know, all the people will tell you about him as a monster heel and like, mm-hmm. you know, really striking fear into the fans and all this stuff. You could have done that here. Why did you go the WWF, like, Managed by slick, yeah. trying to be like accustomed to the American ways, Kamala, with him. Then you know, not only does it all do that crap, then he does the whole like, and like puts he's, his head on the shoulder of like the father character. Say, he is nuzzling that. the master by the end of this video. Like, it's like what? <laughs> you know, because Kamala can be scary. This would have been a great opportunity to like have him act I mean, different than than anyone's seen in a few years. You let you know? the Zodiac paint his face and change the way he acted. Why isn't he coming out just as the barber then? If if we're going to have Kamala come out like this, like yeah, more on that later. Jesus. Um yeah, it's Kamala. Oh boy. Oh. And then you're thinking, okay, well it can't get any worse, right? Ah oh, shit, he's fighting Jim Duggan. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. Oh, nihilistic Jim Duggan here. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't believe in the rules. Hacksaw Duggan comes out here, and I try to play by the rules. I got Nick Bockwinkle breathing down my neck saying, Duggan, watch the rules, or you're going to get fined. 
Well, fine. I've been trying to play it up on top, but things are getting out of hand. So, Mean Gene, I'm making a statement. <clears throat> no more, Mr. Nice Guy. If you guys want to move furniture, understand this. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm not shy about using this two-by-four. So, Kamala, and you know who his manager is, Mean Gene? The taskmaster. You don't know who his manager is, Mean Gene. You know who his manager is, Mean Gene. Yeah. Yeah, Gene fucked you, fucked it up by saying it a little bit too early, I think. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, Gene can't help himself. Um, yeah, it's Duggan. I mean, I'll give him credit here. Like, this is at least kind of a rare, fiery Duggan. You know, at this yeah. stage in his career, like it's, but, but it's, it's also, still not great. It's just like it feels so manufactured because he's like, you know, Bachwinkle's yelling at me about following the rules. I tried following the rules, but I've already given up on following the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's yeah here yeah I don't. No but more yeah, Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah, it is what it is, though, and that takes us to match number three. Match three is Kamala with the Taskmaster battling Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and but <laughs> the ring announcer is awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, the next match from Jim Slim Jim Slam Bash at the Beach is set for one fall. For, from what? What was that from? <laughs> uh, if you just say it really fast you know people maybe won't question it the jim slim slam mash that's where I was. um so yeah they come out uh brain cracks me up at one point when he's just because i love when he annoys tony by asking questions that he doesn't have answers to and brain what do you think the dungeon of doom eats like just, <laughs> just little things like that they get shivani all like flustered up and he has no like response oh. for it well tony's trying to describe kamala as one of the most feared individuals <laughs> in the company um, right. But the other thing is that's going to happen throughout the show, and I don't have any audio of it because it was just like I don't really care. But it's just it, right. it happens constantly, so I need feel the need to at least note it. Anytime that the announcers are talking about anything, regardless of what it is, and we take a shot of a woman in a bathing suit, which is going to happen a lot on a beach, they're just going to yeah. stop talking and wait till the next cut happens before they continue their thought. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely probably something that like maybe wears itself out. Yes, at a, at a point in the show, but it is kind of it is t- kind of funny. But you're right; it's a little annoying at some point. I, like the first um, few times, I was okay with it, and then I was like, "Oh, we're right. two matches in, and it's happened three times already." Like, let's, right. let's chill. Uh, so this match that you can't wait for it to be over won't begin because Jim Duggan refuses to put his stupid board down. What? So we can start the match. What music is he coming at? Is this his usual entry music? It just seems like generic patriotic music. Like I don't remember it's, what his usual that, music was, but that that's it. I mean, that, okay. this is what he always came out like at least here. Okay. WWE, I think, had something different. But yeah, no, WCW. This is start to finish what he comes out to every time. Well, Unless we get, Team Canada. We're told by the announcers that last night the Zodiac appeared, so he has just been introduced to the Dungeon of Doom, and there's it's said it's said another warrior is yet to come. Mm. Notice we use yeah. the word warrior spe- very specifically. God, yeah, probably not an accident. <laughs> uh, yeah, this match is, you know, a clobbering. Uh, this- Doug- Duggan drops him with a series of shoulder tackles. Like Kamala said, wants a hug. They wasted so much time at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. And then they finally get going and we get the Kamala hug spot. Yep. I was like, what is happening? But no, it was a ruse. Kamala rakes <sighs> the eyes and then chokes him. <laughs> And the announcers say Taskmaster is programming this man to go after Hulkamaniac. Says if you paid attention, you could hear the Taskmaster shouting Hulkamaniac and pointing at Jim Duggan there. Yes, because the battle that will not end until 
God, what is it? Uncensored 96. <laughs> when we finally get the triple cage in yeah. the dark that no one can see with Z gangsta. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Good God. I can't wait how long this drags out, but yeah, we get Duggan is free. He breaks free, but he can't capitalize after a bear hug. Uh, Kamala is now literally his submission. Hold is a armpit squeeze. I mean, I'm not saying that wouldn't hurt, but yeah. he's just literally squeezing Jim Duggan underneath his armpit. <laughs> oh, it's no, it, this is a terrible match. These guys like mm-hmm. bump into each other. We get these long fucking headlocks and armpit squeezes. And the announcers explain there was a giant man outside the ring that was staring at Kamala who approached Hogan recently during a Harley Davidson sponsorship spot earlier today. And then Heenan says something about, well, you know, the only man that ever had a shirt that big. And I was like, oh, this is that shitty introducing the giant I'm Andre's son moment. With the with the shirt. Yeah, that's he threw what the shirt at him. Because that's the shirt, Andre's shirt. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear just some amazing fun with that, the OSW review of all of those shows are amazing. But Jay really giggles about <laughs> talking about that white shirt gimmick. Uh, so yeah, Duggan with the football tackles, but he's distracted by Kevin Sullivan. In comes the Zodiac. Uh and that allows Kamala to get the victory. He hit Hacksaw with the uh, Kamala mask, the big wooden mask. Yes. Uh, Zodiac in a much more revealing outfit here in the early stages of the character. I don't know why Beefcake was always trying to like cut as much of his pants off as possible with any time he changed his gear. Yeah, if there's if there's like uh, of the various wrestlers that have then gone on to appear in various adult programs, I'm very surprised that Beefcake never ended up showing up. He just seems like he's an ex- exhibitionist with how much he just, like yeah. you said, just cuts all these holes in all of his clothes constantly. Right. And here he's got, like, an outfit that I would see on, like, Cardi B's latest music video. <laughs> yeah. Only not on Bruce Beefcake. Yes, uh, on her, yeah. <laughs> Shivani gets on Brain to do the replay, because every now and then... This happens and it's always contentious, but I love it because their brain's greater because they just take some random like shot from the helicopter of a sailboat. And she finds like, Brain, you can talk at any time now. And Brain just goes, Well, I'm not going to call a shot of a sailboat. And then they yeah. finally start playing the replays. So, oh, and, then, and then Brain, in his great like wit and sly ways, does the replay. And then before there's even like half a breath, goes, Tony, that's your cue. Getting Tony <laughs> back after he got him. So, Oh, so yeah, we get the review, the replay, like you said. We then see the announcers, and we're told, still to come, the lifeguard match. And Heenan ends up pointing to a woman saying, oh, look at her, off screen. Uh, in comes Macho Man, who's all Slim Jimmed out. Jesus, man. And like, Macho, like you like said. Macho Man is an all-time legend. But this is another example of somebody that, in a lot of further review... I don't know that he ever made any more sense than the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, there's every once in a while that it's like, that was a great one, but (laughs) few and far between. Most of the time, it's a lot of like, oh, man, once he got to the, oh, yeah, I was was really liking it. But everything before was a lot. What was he talking about? Here's here's Slim Jim's Bash at the Beach. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody getting excited. Yeah. There's a chill in the air and we're on the beach. What's up with that? Opposites do a track. The Nature Boy Ric Flair and the Macho Man Randy Savage have the chemistry to disagree. I agree to disagree with him. You know why? He's the styler and profiler, and he's been making a statement, but that statement is coming to an end here in a little while, and I guarantee you that. Yeah. 
Like what? Like <laughs> if you had not seen any buildup to this, there is no explanation there as to why he has any problem with Ric Flair and why they would be fighting tonight. <laughs> no. What he what he fails to bring up there is, oh, I don't know, things like Ric Flair insulting and bringing up his ex-wife Elizabeth ahead of this. Yes. Uh, Ric Flair attacking his father, Angelo Poffo, yeah. ahead of this match. Yep. Uh, he lets Rick do all that in his promo. Rick. No, yeah, yeah. Rick does all the heavy lifting to explain <laughs> the thing. Macho just said nonsense for 30 seconds. People are excited. So. Yeah. <laughs> he almost seems like he likes the guy. <laughs> like during the like, he doesn't seem yeah. all that. No, that with Flair. That's why when they treat this like it's this huge emotional victory later on, spoilers, it it comes off so false because Macho does not feel like the aggrieved, you know, baby face that's fighting back from under underneath here. He's also this is something that Macho, if you go back and you watch, has a a history of doing, uh, just shitting all over the special like ingredients to like his match or the feud. Like, hey, what do you think about that? I don't care about the lifeguards. I don't care about Baywatch. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, that's, you know, you just said you don't give a shit about everything that is kind of special about tonight's show. I was so excited to see who they got to be lifeguards that are going to act as lumberjacks in this match. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. No. There's going to be real lumberjacks, and then there's going to be lifeguards. And the lifeguards and the worst part, worst part about it is they had two legitimate Baywatchers here tonight. You must not have caught them <laughs> didn't show at them the front of the then. line because they come out with Hogan ahead of his match. Oh, uh, okay. I'm almost positive it was Gina Lee Nolan and then Cody, the blonde hair. Oh, uh, okay. I definitely knew it was Cody. I apologize about the blondes, but a lot of them look kind of similar. Yeah. But I think it was Gina Lee Nolan. I'm almost For positive. me, it felt like they just got like every Baywatch lifeguard that ne- that appears in like the quick little intro, like yeah. the in-between segments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it might have been Nicole Eggert also. But but it, I was just like, oh, so you had two legitimate stars of Baywatch and you didn't have them a part of the lifeguard match, but they come out with Hogan and Rodman and they don't even mention them. Like, there's not even like, no. oh, hh- hey, there's those actual stars of the show that were on multiple seasons. No, no, I don't care who these lifeguards are, even if they're animals. <laughs> and he Damn. says it's all about emotion, family and survival. That was my favorite. All right. All right, Dom. Uh, and so, yeah. Pro Wrestling Tees needs to get on that Macho Man shirt. I just wanted to say it's all about emotion, family, and survival. I love, though, like Mean Gene, who's been stretching everybody out. You can see him reach up and tap Macho on the back when he's like, all right, man, finish up here. And like Macho goes, huh. I'll immediately say the name of the show, followed by an oh, yeah. And he ends the thing. <laughs> Dude, he pro- Gene's probably doing that a little timidly because he probably legitimately got like a approached by Macho Man because in the early <laughs> days of Gene starting here and then Macho first starting here, mm-hmm. there's more than a once or twice on when I watch the Saturday nights where Gene cuts Macho off. Where Gene's <laughs> like, all right, Macho Man, and that's all. I-. And Macho isn't happy. Is, it doesn't stop. He, he <laughs> finishes. And it's like, I wonder if that was oh. like legit at some point because Macho seems a little bi- and always went on and finished what he was saying. So who knows? Hmm. So yeah, so that but takes Macho- us to the next match. Match four. Oh, Jesus. It's Diamond Dallas Page with the Diamond Doll, who's dressed like she's going to the Kentucky Derby and not at the beach, which I thought was strange, especially considering who it is. And Max Muscle taking on Dave Sullivan. And he doesn't have his rabbit with him. It doesn't seem like. <laughs> Heenan will reference the rabbit constantly. We'll never see him yeah. on this program, though. Yeah. And thus, this is the constant cycle of DDP 
for like two years in this company where he was always feuding with someone who wanted to treat his wife nicer than he does. <laughs> is he now is Diamond Dallas Page officially is he being announced as from the Diamond Mine still at this point or is that long gone? I think that's long gone. At this point, he's won the $13 million. Okay, that's right. Which ends up getting revealed to be like half of that. And Kim really wanted playing bingo and gotcha. th- that whole d- thing that falls apart. about that. But yeah, no, at this point, he's just become the millionaire and uh, getting really kind of his first push as a single in the company. Gotcha. So here we go. Um, there's a little Hulkamaniac standing on the stairs, and he does roses for the Diamond Doll. And DDP takes offense to this. How dare you show this woman any any positive feelings? He destroys mm-hmm. the flowers, mm-hmm. abuses the doll a bit, like smacking her around with the flowers. Mm-hmm. But here comes Dave Sullivan. He attacks right away, knocking the flowers out of the hands of DDP, and then shoves them into the face of DDP and slams his head on the corner turnbuckle. Yeah, uh, Dave is in full control here. Um, even after a whip into the corner from Page, Sullivan came right back with an atomic drop and a clothesline. Sullivan with a shoulder tackle and then a suplex after waving to, well, the Diamond Doll at this point, Kimberly Page outside the ring. Uh, but then he's like stupid, which I shouldn't say that because his character, anyways. Um, he's talking with Kimberly. Yeah. And DDP attacks him from behind, you know, because he's like in a match. So. <laughs> Yeah, and Heenan, then she gets yelled at for Dave Sullivan talking to her. Yeah, yeah. Heenan was calling Dave dumb earlier. He's got the EVAT on the back of his trunks here. Um, DDP, like you said, yells at the doll. The fans are booing him after the you know the whole interaction with Dave there. Dave catches a charging DDP in the corner, and Dave gets run into the corner, and something goes tumbling And at first. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Because you can hear it, and it's the Slim Jim ring post cover just shatters when dave bounces into the i don't know what why but whatever the way that the spring hits it it just like falls apart (laughs) and then like later on you see him kind of put it back up and it falls back off again and then they finally give up on that corner but i was curious if that was one of those things where it's like no they paid us we have to get it back on there (laughs) i mean that's probably why they're at least trying to fix it uh to no avail but ddp gets crotched in the corner and I just have, are there people throwing shit at the the ring here from the crowd? It feels like there's like sand every once in a while being thrown in. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Sullivan seems to be in control. Hits a clothesline. Uh, but Max Muscle distracts Sullivan. And uh, Paige would hit a diamond cutter for the one, two, three. Your winner, Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. Five minute match when I've just come off of Duggan and, and Kamala, it's a plus in my book, but man, True. not a great match it, in general. No, it was a bad match. <laughs> you bad match. Um, yeah. And at this point, the bad guys have either won or gotten their heat back after losing in all four matches. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh, after the match, uh, DDP like grabs the arm of the doll and drags her off to the back as the fans boo. Yeah. Ain't none of that stuff ages very well at all. I mean, it's <laughs> always with the intention of someone coming along and like, you know, being nice to her and beating him up. But yeah. Yeah. This and like I said, this literally, he does this with Dave Sullivan. He does with does this with Johnny B. Bad. He does this with the booty the mm-hmm. bad the booty man. Like this is pretty much Diamond Dallas Page's role for two years. Oh yeah. So But now, oh boy. 
I don't know. This one rivals Macho Man. I wish now that you say that, I wish I would have gotten the audio of this one. Um, go, go to I'm sorry. Mean Gene with Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. And I just have Sherry says this match is a little unusual, but we're used to threesomes. And so she says they're the ones that are going to come out on top and have the belts. Yeah, except you were more eloquent. She's yeah. like, the uh, this unusual match won't be unusual for her champions and because they're used to unusual <laughs> circumstances or something like that. It's Yeah. Uh, no, I she's not awful. You know, then she like runs down their accomplishments, and it's, it's okay at this point. <laughs> Gene tries then, to then, like, you know, ask the question to the next person that's in line, Booker T, but Booker T's like, fuck you, man. I don't want to hear a question. Tells him to shut up. He's got, he's got shit to say. Yeah. Uh, these are the baby faces as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm not positive. I don't know, man. I feel like they, they come off very heel like in. Oh yeah. You're right. It's the nasty boy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Booker does the steaming pile of neck bone stuff. Yeah. (laughs) At this point, it's like, Oh boy. Gene is like having to like motion to Stevie, like stop standing on my feet. He's standing on his foot. <laughs> oh, and that throws Stevie all the way off. Because Gene really, probably shouldn't that, have said that. You know what? I really like. I was one of those. I was expecting it to throw Stevie completely for a loop, but I thought that he yeah. did handled it fairly well. I was kind of impressed with his ability to stay on target. You're right. Yeah. No, maybe it wasn't awful, but the thing overall was just very yelly. Yeah, <laughs> and very loud, and not a lot of substance. And then, no well, if you want to go ahead and introduce match five, I'll yeah. So match number five up. is our world tag team triangle championship match. It is the Blue Bloods, Earl Robert Eaton, and Lord Stephen Regal battling the Nasty Boys, Brian Knobs, and Jerry Sags, taking on Harlem Heat, Booker T, Stevie Ray, with their manager sister Sherry. <laughs> so we just cut that promo with Gene, and what do? All three members of Harlem Heat do as they enter. They all individually cut entire promos (laughs) into the camera as they're walking to the ring. Yes. Basically saying what they had just said. (laughs) I would have loved it if Stevie Ray came out and was like, I'm not standing on your toes, Gene. And like, (laughs) keep going. And so, okay, whatever. So this match... A little bit rare at this time, a little unusual. Rules might not be real clear to the fans. Man, let's add a coin toss to this thing. Not only... And... Yeah, go ahead. Not only the add a coin toss, but we're going to add a legitimate coin toss. Oh, my God. <laughs> everything in this show has worked. We've determined everything else ahead of time, but we can't determine who's going to fake win this goddamn coin toss because they flip it the first time, everyone gets heads, and we all have to stand around and flip it again. And mind you, let me tell you, like, so there's all these entrances, and then there is a good amount of time where we're just standing around, and I'm like, did they flip the coin? Did I miss the coin flip? Are they... <laughs> How is this working? And then, okay, here we go. So we're going to flip the coin. Everybody gets a coin. This is such a dumb way to do it. But anyway, they do it. They all flip heads. Yep. And so, and like you said, this is pro wrestling. First, why would you acknowledge that they all flipped the same thing? Just have the referee you, say, all right, you two. You can say fucking anything. And, and you knew when you put this match together that you were going to start with the Nasty Boys and the Harlem Heat. So you could have just done that unexplained for one thing, or certainly at this point you could have determined that the Nasty Boys and the Harlem Heat were the ones that flipped the same thing and that they'll start. Yeah. 
Because this also doesn't make a ton of sense because Bobby Heenan doesn't understand the rules of this match for the first 10 minutes, and it makes all of his commentary hilarious. (laughs) Because there's... Why would you want to start this match if you're like if you're the Blue Bloods? Why would you be disappointed to not have to start this match? And then Heenan's going to go on for the majority of this match under the impression that you only win the championships if you pin the, the current champions. Yeah. So he is going to have no understanding of any of the tags <laughs> in the first half of this match. And for some reason, I don't know if Shivani just wasn't catching on yeah. to what Heenan wasn't getting. Because Shivani just leaves him out to dry. Yeah. Until like he figures it out himself basically. Oh. It just also in the in the face of having just watched the NXT takeover and seeing it's- how planned out everything is, like right. like even the stare downs after the match with the women, like the Tian Shaw thing, like that felt like all right, now you take two steps forward, all right, now I take two steps forward. Sure. Like, we we sure. practice this ahead of time. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It, they do a good job with it. But right. here, you're gonna do a coin flip. Two guys know to catch the coin. The nasties just let it, it just goes rolling and they have to like find it for a second. And then like the referee points at it. And like you said, and then we all get heads. It's just, this is such a poor way to start this. And it's not going to get any better once the actual brawl gets going. We're going to start with Booker T versus Brian knobs. But then after having this coin toss to determine that, no, we're not. Everybody's in. We're all just going to wrestle for a second, just for a second. And then we'll go to Booker T and Brian knobs. Yeah. Cause we need the nasty boys to get their pit stop move in. On Regal. Right at the beginning. beginning. Yes. Uh, I did love... They're chanting for the nasties. Yeah, dude. The line from Heenan... (laughs) This was a good one. It even got Shivani to laugh. But he's talking about the nasty boys. You know, the nasty boys are good to have at a picnic. You know why? No brain. Why? Well, you know, because they keep all the flies off the food. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Um, We also get this moment here from Booker T. Every time that the camera was anywhere near him on the outside, you just hear him jawing at the crowd. Like, and even mm-hmm. later on when they're out there lumberjacks, like there's a point when someone throws something <laughs> at the lumberjacks, the one guy turns around and just gives him a thumbs up. And then when something else hits Booker T, he turns around and mean mugs the motherfucker for five <laughs> minutes straight. And it's just like, you see him like mumbling, like you just step up here, motherfucker. <laughs> it's oh, just such boy. a different dynamic here in these heel yeah. and face characters here. Yeah. Uh, so the coin toss to determine who would start, mattered for like three minutes. Regal tags himself in and attacks Booker T. Uh, Booker comes back with a kick to the face and a tag to Stevie Ray. Stevie drops Regal and in comes Eaton. That's the thing about this match. Like, ah, There's so many tags. And they yeah. just tag whoever they want and nobody stays in for more than 10 seconds before they tag somebody else. Mm-hmm. And like I said, all the wild brain is literally smoke is coming out of his ears because... He doesn't understand why anybody keeps making the tags they keep making. Like, why would you want to? Like, why would you want them to be in the ring? They're going to pin the champions. Like, it's just all the the whole like first half of this match, man. So, so yeah, and like you said, there's a one point where Eaton gets thrown to the ground. Sherry punched him, and he gets right back into the ring. And then Sags tags in. Like you said, there's lots of tags in and out here. We get, um, they take a shot. They may be very confused as to how Booker got thrown to the floor as the Nasties double-team him, and then they start double-teaming Stevie. We get a two-count. Regal comes in, backhand slaps Stevie in the face, and Heenan says, this match doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And then 
goes on like I think at that point is when he was trying to like get Tony to explain something to him without saying right. it. He's like yeah. he's like this match doesn't make any sense blah blah you know who's tagging in here and then like there's another couple moves and then he comes right back to it saying I still don't understand why this person tagged in it doesn't make any sense. And then I just have here, he, then he finally starts talking about the Blue Bloods. He's like, all right, here's my thing. Can you imagine the celebration at Buckingham Palace? Should the Blue Bloods win this one? Right. Yeah, no, he's, at that point, I don't know if he's got it and he's just not wanting to like talk about it anymore or if he still just doesn't get it and he's just moving on. And it's at this point that I thought I saw like actual sand being thrown at the wrestlers. Like Eaton gets onto the ropes to do a dive and it looks like a handful of sand just smashes off of his ass. And I was like, is that? sherry outside causing trouble or is that a fan because there is suddenly sand all over the the canvas like i'd kind of been paying attention to that because they're sweeping it in between matches right and after the whole abrasive talk at the beginning and then this match i don't know if it's just because all the tags and guys getting in and out but it, there's just sand fucking everywhere yeah i think that was probably sherry okay I could be wrong though it might be booker wants a scissors kick <laughs> He backs up against the ropes to do it, and Regal tags himself in. And Booker's like, that was awesome. damn it! And he just walks off angry. Because, yeah, I mean, that was at least maybe one of the best uses of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, someone kind of like using the rules to their advantage, not just randomly tagging somebody. Well, it's funny. They... I have that in my notes, and then I have... And then the match breaks down again, and... <laughs> yes. Great. Yeah, because Regal's not in long for Eaton's in. You know, a snapmare and a tag. Eaton's now, you know, eats a punch. Regal comes back in. Eaton goes up top, hits the knee drop. Um, but the heat break up the count. Brain, like you mentioned, has been confused this whole match. I don't think it ever gets better. Uh, Stevie Ray attacks Brian Nobbs in the corner. Booker tags in. And like you said, Regal tagging for get the axe kick. Now Regal and Nobbs brawl. Nobbs blocked a sunset flip by sitting on Regal. Boy, we haven't seen one of those tonight. Um, in comes Sags who takes out the Blue Bloods with punches. And now all six men are fighting. Back body drop from Nobbs on Regal. And then Sags did a back body drop on Stevie Ray, who then pinned Stevie Ray. Well, he he Stevie Ray lands on top of Regal after yeah. the backdrop. And then knobs goes to cover and then like sags has to they have to switch the nasty boy that's going to cover but mm-hmm. eventually he ends up sitting on top of both men and the yep. referee's counting i'm like so it should be the harlem heat that went right and the fans are very confused of course but the referee gets it right right away he's just he points to the the, the harlem heat the nasty yeah. thought they won but they lose and the harlem heat are still your champions it's an ending yeah like I- it was one of those endings where i was like I could see where people would be upset about it. I also right. feel like they do a good enough job with the referee recognizing it right away that it makes sense. And, mm-hmm. and the nasties being complete idiots makes sense character wise. So true. Like I was, I was more okay with it, but the match itself is bad. That leads up to it. It's not a, Oh yeah. A good, ma- I like the ending was an upturn for me, even though it wasn't that great of an ending. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, the Harlem Heat are your winners. They're still the champions. And Jesus Christ, we're gonna talk to them again. Like, come <laughs> on. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because we go to the announcers, and then they throw back to Mean Gene, who's with the tag champs, and he says, "Oh, it was fortunate you guys were able to get the win that way." And Sherry says, "We weren't fortunate. We were dominant." But again, much more drawn out. I. You know, clarified that there. She goes on for it. She says they proved they're the best. 
In comes Stevie Ray, who says we saw what he said they were gonna, or we saw what they said they were gonna do, and it's just they are the who lot we thought of the they same. Were. And then again, where it's like, okay, like that's it's good, right, Gene? No, <laughs> are you kidding? We gotta talk about Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater because we're not on pay per view or anything, wasting time at this uh, point. Uh, gentlemen, so I don't know if you're point. aware, but uh, <laughs> Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater won a match on the main event. And they want to challenge you. And of course they do. They're the champions. Everybody should want to challenge them. Booker says they're not closet champions, which I don't really know what to make of that. <laughs> <laughs> and that they'll fight anybody. Like, I guess hiding in the closet. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going there. Um, they'll fight anybody. And you're like, okay. And then it's Sherry's turn again. And she comes back in Good and grief. has to talk about Slater and Buck. Like I, 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 like I said, I must have zoned out. I have Sherry says we were dominant. We throw back to more action. Uh, no, no, we have to talk about the important feud uh, of Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck. She tells Gene, you know, literally just kind of repeat yourself. And then Stevie Ray, holy, has Christ. more to say about Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. Yeah, it finally, uh, finally, we end and we go to the helicopter shot. Yeah. So ground shot of the helicopter crew or, you know, looking at the helicopter and then we take the helicopter shot looking back. Right. Heenan wonders how worried Hulk and Macho Man are today. Uh, Tony, I mean, hey, the, you know, what's that? It's the main event, guys. I, yeah. you know, I get it. Talking. Tony spoils that it's just going to be wrestlers around the ring, not actual lifeguards. He says, we'll have real lumb- lumberjacks, but we're just calling them lifeguards because we're on a beach. Well, the um, lifeguards will be there, but they'll be like standing just out of fingertip reach of the grimy fans. Yes. And you're like the corners of the ring. We go backstage where Mean Gene has none other than the nature boy, Ric Flair with him. And Rick says, yeah, the Baywatch girls, they all went to Space Mountain. Last night, national television, I bring out the Space Mountain. It's reminiscence of the lifestyle of the nature boy to point out to you, macho that right here, bash at the beach, you got three things to remember. Number one, I swept the Elizabeth off her feet in her finest hour. Number two, I jack slapped your father because he got in my way. And number three, there is only one limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing wheeling dealing son of a gun that's kissed all the girls and made them cry and that's the nature boy nature boy you got to get yourself a 900 number <laughs> doctor nobody tells it's better than the nature boy like gene is totally pushing for his 900 number he doesn't have it yet because he doesn't pimp it out on the show <laughs> oh he has it by now it's been does he Oh, he shows up day one, dude, and he takes that thing over. Damn. Because you also get you also get the Hulkamaniac line. In, unless maybe it got cut from the show, but it, it is not referenced once on this show. Yeah, it is weird. You're right. I feel like he mentions at some point about like the hotline, I'll have it, but yeah, no, you're right. Not the usual commercial. Gene is also corpsing as Flair discusses disrespecting yeah. women, because that's apparently hilarious to Gene. Um I, I hate this era of Ric Flair. Like this post Hogan coming in retirement mm-hmm. reinstatement and he loses every match he ever has with Macho Man and Hulk Hogan pretty much. Yeah. And he keeps doing this act 
but there's no like substance to the act anymore because he's not. I mean, I'm sorry, based on wins and losses, you're not, you know, the nature boy thing seems kind of yeah. silly. Um, he's also like too old to do the thing like him being like a sex icon mm-hmm. and he's not old enough for it to be kind of charming because you're so old. <laughs> he's in like that yeah. in between where he just kind of seems like a creepy middle aged man. Yeah. I will say though, I, I missed the term jack slapped. Mm. Mm. Cause I was, when I was watching, uh, what was it? Let me see. I've got like two notes here from earlier when I was watching, uh, NXT, I think, no, it was, it was, it was AEW and Jake Roberts was given a promo about like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> This monster, am I supposed I to bitch that. slap him? And I was like, why would you? Why would you use the word bitch slap? Just, I was like, can we not just use the word slap anymore? Does bitch have to be attached to it? And then all of a sudden, yeah. I hear Ric Flair here with Jack slapped. I was like, yeah. I like that version. That's interesting. Right? Yeah, I didn't talk about that Roberts promo because I literally just sat there when he was done. I was like, I, I have nothing to write down about that. Like he <laughs> almost seemed like a man who needed help, and oh. there was no resolution. Um. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah, we're stalling because so, I'm guessing they're probably trying to gather up these extra Baywatchers backstage because we got to go to Tony and Brain now who seem to kind of be wasting time. Tony asked Brain how much time he spends in the sun. Yeah, and I just love when Brain's like, "Why? Why would you ask me? Like, I don't. Why would you ask me that? Like, he's just <laughs> kind of throwing it back at Shivani. Oh, yeah, and then we eventually waste enough time that we go to match number six. Yes, the lifeguards walk to the ring. Brain stands on his chair to stare at them. And it's time for match six, the lifeguard match. It's the Nature Boy Ric Flair versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, Heenan standing on his chair in order to see the the Baywatch models as they make their way out here. Uh, He says, imagine mouth to mouth restitution. And (laughs) I just have your, oh, okay. Because in my notes, I was very confused. I was like, wait, now there actually are lifeguards coming out. I thought Tony had said it was just going to be wrestlers. And then we see, nope, there's wrestlers out here. It's everybody that's wrestled so far on the show now wearing a red T-shirt and standing at ringside. Dude, I don't know why they all made them put on those, like, beach walk-made tie-dye shirts. Yes. The beach logo. Heels and good guys alike, all just the same shirt. Now, we also have a few people out here we haven't seen tonight, including Johnny B. Bad, who's Mm -hmm. amongst the Lumberjacks. Yeah, Dick Slater's in there with uh, his teammate. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they're demanding their spots. Right. But anyways, you know, they come out. You've seen these guys come out. There's nothing too interesting here. You literally see like when they take the shot of like the uh, the men walking out here, I think it's like Macho Man or whoever's the first one to come out. They come out. The camera wheels behind them to then follow them to the ring. And when they wheel behind them, you see these lumberjacks look like they couldn't be bothered to give a shit. One of them is sitting on the apron like he's fucking got his like knee up like he's sitting there posing or something just like sitting very relaxed i was like what is yeah. going on here yeah i don't know if this wasn't this was like a last second thing or yeah what because yeah these guys either aren't the, happy about it or they just don't care the models they hired to come wear baywatch outfits were like we're not actually going to take part in this and they're like oh well <laughs> shit um yeah so yeah michael Damn buffer's it. back though for this one so I, this, that's oh, why i was boy. like oh the baywatch crew must be filming this um, Heenan says Macho Man's dad has been here for hours because his cane got stuck in the sand, so he's been walking in circles. Ha 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 ha. Oh man, so it's a Ric Flair match. Randy's in control early on, dropping <laughs> well, Flair the shoulder tackle, back body drop. Just because you'd mentioned Buffer's like backgrounds on the men earlier when he was talking, that it was the former two-time national champion and spokesman for Slim Jim. <laughs> What what a, what a resume. 
Uh huh. It's an impressive one. But yeah, and Macho Man's in control. Macho yes. even threw Slim Jims to the crowd. We didn't even oh, boy. reference the fact that he's like he's eating one. He's throwing them to the crowd. Like he is fully. That's why I thought maybe this might be the first time that we had him here with Slim Jim. Yeah, like I said. Yeah, like I said. I think it might be, and then it goes to the Halloween Havocs after this. But I could be wrong. And and really um, quickly again before we jump, the, yes. the 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 men around the ring was Canyon part of that. Um, he because it feels like he's the man standing next to DDP here. Um, I mean, he it could be. I can't remember. Like, he may have been around doing jobs at this point. I don't know if the Minute Work tag team existed at this point. Okay. Ninety five. I mean, it's not impossible though. Like that he that he could have been out there. I don't know because he's Cause Max guy, Muscle would also probably have been out there with DDP because he's the guy that gets hit in the back with because he's got a backwards hat on long hair and he gets hit in the back with a bottle hmm. and he picks the bottle up and turns around to the crowd and just like looks at the bottle and then does like a thumbs up and then just turns back to going back to the match. <laughs> yeah, that might have been him. I don't know. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's if not, it's a guy that looks kind of like him. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so go ahead and jump into this match now that I've stopped you five times. All right, so the Macho Man's in control. We get the back body drop and then a clothesline. Macho sends Rick to the floor, which it's like, why would you throw someone out during a lumberjack match? Like the guards just throw him back in. There's actually yeah. very little shenanigans from anyone after they get tossed out. You know, like it's no pre- pretty much just throw him back in. Yeah, throw, you know. Uh, but yeah, Macho now is choking Flair with his boot. Uh, we get a tin punch interrupted by Flair, who stopped it with an atomic drop followed by chops in the corner and then dumped macho to the outside who the biggest fight that starts after that is Harlem heat and the nasty boys shoving each other Which, on the outside of the ring. I just wanted to point out because of the way that it works out with these guys, the nasties just feel like they're, they just come off as they're just like super racist. I know that they've got a personal issue with these guys, but like they won't let, They'll let other heels come up and help throw the face back in, but any time that either Booker or Stevie tries to touch them, they start throwing yeah. punches at them. <laughs> now, I mean, they are feuding with them for the tag belts. So that is yeah. funny. Now, I, and listen, you're not going to offend me because, again, add to the, the list of stars and acts that I've only grown to hate in reviewing things. Man, the nasty boys are the worst. <laughs> Not a fan. Nope, not a fan at all. Macho dumps Rick to the floor. Heenan points out that was over the top rope. Like, he just suplexes him over onto the crowd. And, like, Tony goes, it wasn't deliberate. I was like, that was a suplex. Right. The other problem I have, though, with them even discussing that is it's like the over-the-top rule went away when Watts went away, I thought. I, it's like, one of those I things also that I don't, Did they ever make it very clear that it was gone? Or did they keep wanting to pretend yeah. like it was there, but we're going to just get away with not you not actually ever enforcing it? maybe yeah maybe you're right i just you know it's one of the things that they stop talking about basically when jr and watts disappear so gotcha we get a sleeper hold by flair and the announcer's like oh he doesn't use that very often what match are you guys watching of rick flair's uh <laughs> macho gets free he sends flair into the turnbuckle we get the flare flop macho then thrown to the floor again shortly after and the lumberjacks are fighting each over again fighting each other again over who gets to throw him back in flair climbs the corner he dives down onto Macho and sells his jaw. It was weird. Well, he sold this. Like, I don't know if Macho was supposed to block it and didn't. And I don't know, because Rick, yeah, like he said, he jumps down and kind of seems like neither guy did anything. And so Flair sells that he hit his jaw on the top of Macho Man's head when he was jumping. <laughs> well, this allows Macho to lock on a sleeper hold. Flair counters that with an atomic drop. Flair's working on the leg against Macho, obviously setting up for the figure four. He does lock one on right in the middle of the ring. The fans are chanting Macho, Macho. 
We see Angelo Poffo watching closely, but Macho turns the figure four over, forcing Flair to let go. And it was this point in my notes that I have, and this is when I could not watch any more of this show, and I had to stop for now. Oh, really? <laughs> this, was, this was my break point. I came back later on. Um, I wanted to finish this match, but it was just I couldn't keep going. Uh, ah. Flair runs down the entry. I was falling asleep. It was late at night. Ah, Flair right. runs down the entryway trying to get away, but the Jacks bring him back, Lumberjacks. Savage mm-hmm. is in control, hits the back body drop, then a double axe handle from the top rope. Arn jumps on the apron. This causes Brian Knobs to do the traditionally stupid babyface thing and get on the apron as well to shout about it. This distracts the ref, allowing Arn to come in, but Savage is able to punch him in the face and escape with very little damage. Only allows Ric Flair to poke him in the eye. Yeah, Flair pokes Savage in the eye, um, but Macho Man's, I don't know, basically unfazed, and he backdrops Rick out of the ring. Yeah. Again, and guess what? They caught him, and they put him back in the well, ring. And again, it's a match that's been predicated on guys being thrown out and then back in. Why does this specific time that a guy goes out distract the referee so completely? Because like, the ref turns, and this allows Arn Anderson to run in and hit a DDT on Savage before Flair can even be put back into the ring. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's because that's just what the match called for is the only of explanation course, yeah. there. Um, Macho, though, kicks out, and kind of surprisingly. He then applies a backslide on the Nature Boy, but only gets a two count. Um, Flair is up top, and Macho tosses him to the mat. Oh, man, I thought we were going to hit him that time. Uh, Savage then goes up and hits the axe handle. We get a slam from Savage. He goes up, hits the elbow drop. One, two, three. Your winner, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Oh, fans love it crowds into it the baby faces nasties and johnny be bad get into the ring to help celebrate and then in a weird moment like the baby faces again in this weird 1995 if you watch any of these matches like all the good guys are terrible people they're all bad guys hogan's the worst of them scratching mm-hmm. eyes and back rakes and shit all the time and right here after the match the nasties try to hold flair down and set him up set him up so that <sighs> A macho can come off the top with another goddamn elbow drop to completely, you know, exposed midsection of Ric Flair. And Flair's only pulled out of there by Arn and gets him to safety. Right. It's like, what is it that's bad about Ric Flair at this point? Like, yeah, it seems like they were getting kind of teamed up on. Um, but he's the bad guy in the Baywatch episode. So I guess that was. Well, yeah. Savage goes and awkwardly grabs one of the Baywatch lifeguards to celebrate. She seems caught off guard. We see her fellow model walking up afterwards and kind of mouthing something to her as Savage continues on. But then, like, the camera, like, sticks with the lifeguards. When we find Macho a second later, he is doing Green Bay plunges into the crowd and, like, being completely enveloped by people with hugs and, and back slaps, and he's, he's loving it. Well, you know, he's the actual people's champion, not the one they try to shove down your throat. Um, yeah, so Macho celebrates. We get replays. And then... Oh, God. This is all a little confusing. So, I guess Vader was sent on the roadkill tour by the Dungeon of Doom. Which Uh, is a tour of wrestling events where I just beat up on jobbers? Pretty much. I also loved how Tony talks about the video. And then, again, you can tell something's been spoken to him in his ear. Because he stops talking about the roadkill tour video. And goes to plugging them being on the beach and 
how awesome it is. And we go to the helicopter shot. And then he again plugs the video. We go to it. Uh, Yeah, so Vader was attacked by Hogan just before he could attack Nick Bockwinkle. Vader kind of plays that as him being attacked from behind by Hogan. Mm -hmm. Uh, We hear the future entrance theme of Rey Mysterio Jr. in WCW playing as this uh, video highlights Vader beating people up in random cities. Yeah, and one of the last ones was Evansville, Indiana that Mm -hmm. he stopped in. Um, Yep. It's like I said, just basically Vader just like hitting mean looking clotheslines on jobbers in all these little towns. Uh, and then I just have here, please tell me that these are going to be the men that have to hold the cage up. Cause when we take the wide shot next, all the guy like there's people around the cage all holding up the sides. They haven't got them all tied up yet. And I was like, I just hope that that's just the way the match is. There's just guys holding the cage up. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I, at this point was saying minus how much I miss Harley race yes. as a mouthpiece for Vader. Yeah, because, like, that video that they put together, like, when I tried to, like, cut all the clips of Vader together to one piece, you realize how repetitive it was. Like, they just had him say the same thing three times about Roadkill Tour, and then they actually come back, and we go to Gene, who's now going to be joined by Vader, and it's time for (laughs) Vader to give another promo. Uh, And Vader is obsessed with time. What time is it? Please, Vader. What time is it? It's Vader time. What time is it? Somebody must show this jump what time it is. The whole world knows what time it is. The WCW knows what time it is. And in a few moments, brother, Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania is going to find out what time it is. So this is the third guy, I think, so far that we've recapped of asking Gene a question. Gene answers. Ignore Gene answering. Ask it angrily more. It's like, Gene, were you not supposed to be saying these answers out loud? Because it seems like everyone's expecting you not to. So, but he does. Uh, um, yeah, Vader. I mean, it's a Vader promo here. Oh, we um, all I, know Vader fears no man, and I feel no pain. I actually kind of thought like his better part of the promo here was like when he kind of gets a little more serious and he talks about being the most powerful wrestler in the world today. And talks about being from this area yes. and growing up in the inner city. Like I thought, it was doing a good job. No, and when he when he turns to talk about hometowns, I like this. Mm-hmm. Hogan, you say this is your stomping ground. You say there are fifty thousand Hulkamaniacs out there on the sand waiting for you. But let me tell you something, brother. Vader himself grew up right here in inner city LA, brother, in the sweat and the blood and the tears. And when your butt was down there tanning with your brand new car, brother. I was fighting for survival. So, yeah. no, that's good stuff. But also it makes me laugh because we've gone from 9.5 thousand fans to 50,000 fans on the beach. Yeah, there's like a million people out there by the end of the night. <laughs> um, no, and what's so awesome about this is it's like you see how pretty bad Hogan is at doing promos outside of like his usual stick that he wants to do. Because, mm-hmm. well, I guess... It's coming up here. We'll or something, get to isn't Hogan it? Like, here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So that. So Tony oh. is still stalling. Yes. Gene asks another question about mm-hmm. how many. Of and and Vader has to talk about how he's chased Hogan from the East Coast to the West Coast. He's only got the ocean. If he wants to swim, he can jump in the ocean now. Um, and then I just have here. Gene is cracking me up because at the end of this, Vader's really getting into it. He's like swinging mm-hmm. his arms around. He keeps hitting the mic like he's very mm-hmm. much a hand talker. And and then he steps in front of Gene at the very end and does, you know, it's Vader time. And Gene, you can see him look down and see that Vader's feet are wrapped up in this cable and he's going to trip as soon as he goes to walk off. 
And so he double hands the mic. And as soon as Vader steps off screen, you see the the thing just jerk. And you just hear him tripping on this mic cable as Gene pulls it back and closes out the segment. And I was like, good job, Gene. That's awesome. I didn't catch that. Uh, that's good stuff, though. So they're building the damn cage. We've yeah. never figured out how to fill this time in the history of professional wrestling. Um, Tony stalls. Brain ponders if they have chalk, just in case they need to make an outline. I love that this upsets Tony because Tony comes oh, off yeah. so mean here. Mm-hmm. The most dangerous match Hogan has ever stepped inside of against the most dangerous man in WCW. Brand. No, you're right about that, Shivani. Do you have any chalk with you? Why do I need chalk? Well, when Vader gets done with Hogan, you know they always take the chalk mark around where he was laying so we can get a good shot of how Hulkamania really ended. Flat on that mat. You ever listen to yourself sometime? You're a babbling idiot sometime. You ever realize that? And you're a moron. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What? Why'd you have to go get personal here, Tony? Babbling idiot. Jesus. I know. Yeah, it's always hard to tell, like, you know, kind of the line here (laughs) with Shivani and Heenan. Um, Tony then promotes one of the most recent, uh, you know, product, you know, yeah, topics on Dark Side of the Ring. It's Collision in Korea. What could go wrong? I just love this because I didn't notice it till after I was cutting audio, but like, we opened this show with Tony talking about the largest North American audience to ever watch WCW live is this Bash of the Beach yeah. show. 9,500. 9, so he's only saying that North American audience because he knows that next week or in a month, whenever they have this next show, they are going to be able to say the largest in the world, 250,000, whatever the fuck it was. Because the show had already taken place at this time. Yes. I so believe. he had it taped. Yeah. So they're like, I feel like that's why he's just like, oh, I'm just, I can't mm-hmm. wait till my taped voice says that, you know, that crazy number. Yeah. But it it uh, is one of those things that's very interesting, though, watching them promote this collision in Korea. Like, it looks exciting. Like, this would have made me real excited to watch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the action's fine. It's, you know, the fear for your life the rest of the time that these guys experience this problem. Oh. Um, mean Gene is now with the WCW world champion, Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. And they are joined by the worm. Dennis Rod, the worm rod, the bod is right. Is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is what I was kind of hinting at earlier about how Hogan is like, he had a promo and he was going to cut that promo and yeah. Vader kind of threw him this curveball Cause he just like, <laughs> He just kind of repeats it yeah. and doesn't really have anything to say about it and then just kind of moves on. Like, oh, Vader says he's from my hometown? Well, it also, that's pretty much it. It gets awkwardly cut off by Rodman reaching over and grabbing the mouth of Hulk Hogan. And you'll hear him at the very end <laughs> yeah, say, like, watch right. it, brother. You know, we heard Vader's big mouth, how he's lived around the area, how he lived in the inner city, brother. That's a bunch of <laughs> brother. Vader ain't nowhere no, around the place, man. Take it easy, big man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he reaches over just like like he's wiping spit off his mouth or yeah. something. It's so weird. Um, but also, I, I just, wanted to point out. Yeah. So, like, yeah, no, it's it's it cracks me up how much he's, like, thrown off by just that mm-hmm. one little detail that was thrown earlier at him. Because his comeback is, no, he's not. Yeah. That's that's Hawk. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, he is actually. But also, is this the third time that we've heard Hulk Hogan start his promo when there's a celebrity endorsement with him about we were riding our Harley Davidsons? Oh, it's I always mean, the Harley. You know what the deal is, big dude? Me and Rod the Bod, we were riding Harley Davidsons, brother, up and down Pacific Coast Highway, brother, all through the straddle of the night, brother, looking for somebody to bust up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
again, who are the good guys? The guys that have been riding yeah. motorcycles all night looking for someone to beat up? Mm-hmm. That's what he's always doing. That's always what they're always riding around looking for people to beat up and fight. It's like, what? Why? <laughs> um, he's going to feed Vader to the sharks. Yeah. Hogan, the sharks is just the end of him explaining how stacked the deck is against this young Vader. Right now, we got Vader set up for the kill. We got the lambs led to slaughter, brother, with hundreds of thousands of Hulkamaniacs out there, dude. We're going to make Woodstock look like a backyard barbecue, brother. We got all the beautiful babes of Baywatch to distract Vader, man. We got the steel cage plowed in the sand, brother. I've got the killer whites out in the Pacific Ocean waiting, brother, when I press his filthy, stinky, warden-fested body over my head, brother. As I launch him over the top of the cage, the sharks are going to be there to rip and tear his body limb from limb. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's uh, so dumb. We're feeding him to sharks. Also, not, so the attendance jumped from 9,500, then Invader's promo is 50,000. Now, 100,000, hundreds of thousands yeah. of Hulkamaniacs are on the beach with me. Yeah. They're all there. They heard what was coming up, man. They've all, and they're rushing to the beach. This was a segment that like in my notes, I just keep going And somehow we're still talking to Hulk Hogan and now it's time <sighs> for Rod Rod's part. Rodney here has the nastiest <laughs> attitude in the NBA. And <laughs> again, this also just points out how out of place Hulk Hogan is in 1995 because he has to point out that not only is he nasty and has a bad attitude, but he prays Rod the yeah. bod. Rodney, man, is the man that's got the nastiest attitude, brother, in the NBA. And after he trains, after he says his prayers, and after he eats his vitamins, brother, he does whatever he wants to do. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is why this time is so bad for WCW, too, because they were. They were dealing with, like, a crisis where Hogan wasn't being received by, like, the traditional WCW fans. Mm -hmm. Like, they weren't into this, like, you know, WWF act basically just being slapped in front of them. Yeah. And the culture has just moved on. He's trying to describe the cool NBA player as a bad attitude, but he's a good guy that eats vegetables and and prays and and takes his vitamins. So it doesn't, it just doesn't fit. Um, and then Rod finally gets to speak. And if anybody, wait, and if anybody tries to come down and get in my face or interfere in that cage, Rod the bot, tell him what's gonna go down, brother. Vader! Anyone just know that cage? The head is bass, big man! Bass! You know what I'm saying, brother? Rod the bot will take their face and he will give them a flory dory on the side of that cage. What is a flory dory? <laughs> I don't know. I've never, never heard that phrase before. Good God. Oh, so, yeah, I guess that's what Dennis Rodman's going to do to you. He's going to give you a flurry dory. Your head gets bashed. Bashed. Yep. Oh, <laughs> but that takes our main event. Match seven. Goodness. Yeah. Match seven here. Um, we've got world heavyweight title steel cage match. Hulk Hogan with Dennis Rodman and Jimmy Hart battling Vader all alone. No, no bad heel manager. Just completely outnumbered. Hundreds of thousands of Hulkamaniacs want him thrown to sharks. This poor man. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he 
he's hated and he's about to become a babyface in this company. Like, so we'll see how that goes. You've got Dennis Rodman involved in this match and he is not part of the graphic. Like, did he just show up today and ask to be here with Hulk? Like, like pre NWO, it always just felt like Rodman just showed up and Hogan put him on tape, like on TV with him. <laughs> Cause also these pre NWO Rodman appearances always kind of blow my mind. Cause it just it's feels weird. weird. Yes. It doesn't. Cause he's fit. also. He's a San Antonio Spur at this point. He hasn't even joined the Bulls yet, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the announcers even mentioned that later on. Like we 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 did, we, we skipped over it in the intro. There, Mean yeah. Gene was like, "Last time I saw you was at an airport in Detroit," and his response was, "You'll never see me at an airport in Detroit ever again." I was like, "Are you not going to play away games, bro?" <laughs> no, he refused refuse to go to those. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing that I did love is that we get the return of the helmet for Vader. He's got to look with- badass for the TV man. And to lose. I'm sure Hogan was like excited about him wearing that thing one more time and then getting to mock it and beat him because that's <laughs> Hogan for you. Uh, yeah. He's getting out the awesome helmet. Hulk gets the two legit Baywatch stars, as I mentioned earlier. It's, I believe, Gina Lee Nolan could be Nicole Egger and then Cody. Yeah. And then, but they like literally, they're at the front of the line. They just kind of. They don't get mentioned. They, just, they walk out like any of the other like extras that are a part of this thing. I have Hogan comes out with faceless generic Baywatch lifeguards and then Rodman and Jimmy Hart. So yeah, I didn't recognize them. <laughs> you didn't um, even recognize them. Why did Bobby Heenan say this might be the last time we ever hear this music from Hulk Hogan? I mean, it, Heenan's just always like predicting or hoping <laughs> for like the death of Hulk Hogan in pretty much every match he's in. I guess I hadn't thought about just the most basic element. Like he's just going <laughs> right. to lose and die from Vader. So that's why, but that makes sense. Um, oh. And yeah, then the super baby face Hulk Hogan. How does he start this match, DP? <laughs> he tears off his T-shirt. He wraps mm-hmm. it around the neck of his opponent and drags mm-hmm. him from corner to corner, mm-hmm. beating the yeah. life out of this man. <laughs> yeah, man, what a what a great guy. <laughs> and throwing him into this gigantic seven-foot-tall steel cage that's made out of fence posts and, and fucking what's chain link. Yeah, and that they're all terrified to, like, actually go into with any real force like the cage shots are so bad in this match mm-hmm. yep uh and then after, yeah, Hulk, after yeah. a few you know choking with the t-shirt he pulls off his do-rag and shoves it in vader's mouth because that's a baby face move <laughs> this poor guy has done nothing to hulk hogan um well he has hulk now comes off the second rope with an axe handle hogan then with an elbow to the head followed by chops on vader uh vader though blocks a chair shot yes that's right folks like 30 seconds into this match and Hogan's trying to use a chair to get an advantage. Yep. Oh, some eye gouges here early on. Mm. Vader blocks mm. one. They begin trading punches and then Vader's blocking the flory dory, which I don't, if since we didn't describe <laughs> it is when you rub the man's face into the cage, according to Hulk Hogan, maybe that's yeah, real. Uh, maybe it isn't. That makes the most sense though. Um, we get a shot over the shoulder of Dennis Rodman. Problem is it's like, you can't see the actual action taking place at that point because they're too far on that side of the ring. So you're just mm-hmm. looking over Rodman's shoulder and you don't actually see anything. Vader tries to use his mask in the corner like it's set up on the ring post and he tries to slam Hogan's head into it. Hogan blocks it, slams Vader's face into the mask. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and of course. then he picks up the headpiece, puts it on, mm-hmm. acts like he can't see anything, and then runs at Vader and headbutts him with it a few times. And uh, and just, you know, he's he's beating him up with his own mask. Oh, man, this man's goal is to come into the company and just take the piss out of anybody. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, he was apparently disappointed that they fired Dustin Rhodes because he couldn't wait to, like, have a program with Dustin Rhodes just so he could beat him. 
That's what Hogan wants to do. He just went, heat him up and beat him. Brian Pillman. We talked about that one, like with oh, the yeah. uncensored cage match. He was so mad Pillman was hurt and couldn't be in that thing because he wanted to pin Brian Pillman because he was getting hot, you know, God forbid. Um, anyways, Vader with a running splash in the corner. He's back in control, looking for the Vader bomb and hits it. And then he hits it again. But it, Hogan kicks out, kicks out at two. Like, um, kicks out in a way that he slides out from under him. And, like, it, it, is, it made it look like his pin was nothing. I, was, I don't know. I thought... I thought that was pretty bad. Oh, yeah, no, that's Hogan for you. Um, Vader then sends Hogan face first into the cage wall. He, uh, I didn't like when he hit that release suplex. Like, he suplex Hogan. We didn't go down with him. He just, like, let mm-hmm. go. I was like, I've never seen anybody do that, and I can't imagine Hogan was thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah, he just drops him. Vader then, like, actually he's calling for a door, but there's not a door on this cage that I can recognize. <laughs> like, Hogan climbed into the beginning. I, they never showed yeah. it on camera if Vader climbed in or if they just built the wall around him. But <laughs> I don't know a door is on any of these panels yeah. that they have. I thought, he was just, I thought he was just yelling at Rodman. Was kind of like That might be. But he like he starts ripping at some of the, the mm-hmm. binding to the, the corner here. But yep. Hogan grabs him, rips off his Vader mask. Not the big mask, but the Vader Vader mask. And then slams mm-hmm. Vader into the cage. And it's, it's weird. It's like you take that red strap off his head, and immediately my brain goes, that's Leon White. I don't know why doesn't do right. that for any other wrestler in the world. I can immediately write, but for some reason I keep my notes. I keep wanting to write Leon after that point. But Leon <laughs> Vader gets countered or he counters Hogan's attempt for a scoop slam because he's too heavy. And that's where we're going to let's do the whole fucking WrestleMania three yeah. thing again. Yeah. Well, hang on. Cause you skipped it and I mentioned it earlier. Apologies. I wanted to call back to it. So Vader hits a snap mare. He then climbs to the top rope. And I swear to God, he tried to do a shooting star press. Like no, he's standing. This is right, the exact moment right here. Yep. It was like he was standing facing the ring mm-hmm. and he kind of jumps. He, he does. And looks like maybe he was thinking about it. It's like he decided to do it halfway through because he just jumps like it's a senton. And then right. right as he's about to hit the ground, it looks like he starts tilting his, his head yeah. to try to put it into the mat. It's like, what are yeah. you doing? It was it's awkward scary. as shit. Yeah. yeah. But like you said, he's too heavy for the slam. And he falls and, on Hogan. And that is responded it, by Hogan stands up and says, you ain't nothing, Vader, and just punches and chops his throat. And I was like, again, mm-hmm. good guy moves. Chops to the mm-hmm. Adam's apple. Yeah, the, crowd, the crowd's getting excited for Hogan as he gets the slam on Vader. Um, it took it out of him, though, a little bit, allowing Vader to get back in control, dropping Hulk with a clothesline. Vader goes to the second rope and hits a splash. It only gets a two count. And then it was time for Hulk to start hulking up. Honestly, when that happened, I was like, didn't he? I, th- I thought that he hulked up after the last big move that Vader <laughs> It's hard to say. Oh, uh, Hogan yeah. feels no pain, blocks all the cage shots, uh, punches Vader, throws him into the cage, back and forth. Tony calls the big boot the big foot, but I think he calls it the big butt because he says mm-hmm. B for it. It was weird. Um, here comes the Zodiac and the Taskmaster, and this is my favorite. They come out, Rodman threatens them with a chair, and they go, yeah, we, yeah we're not going to deal with that. And they just go back to the <laughs> stage again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's your, that's your uh, dominant super heel faction that will be terrorizing <laughs> Hulk Hogan for the next six months, running away. Oh. Um, yeah, Rodman keeps them back. Hogan hits two leg drops. But Vader stopped him from climbing and out. 
Also, in between these leg drops and everything, he is playing mm-hmm. to the crowd, uh, taking his sweet oh. time. This is Triple H and Booker T mm-hmm. ending sort of a thing. Totally. Oh, he wanted to completely discredit this guy. But, he, yeah, I don't know why he tried to climb out either, why he wouldn't pin him, but that doesn't happen. They fight on the top rope a little bit until Vader just, like, falls awkwardly. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what happened. Like, it looked like he just slipped and, like... I think they were going for a crotch on the top ropes, but somehow he, like, slipped further in between the cage and the rope <laughs> or something. Just, yeah, he just fell between, he fell between, like, the cage and the, the ropes. Oh. So, yeah, that's that. Hogan, Hogan, Hogan wins. <laughs> yeah. What a surprise. So, Hogan climbed out. Still your world champion, Hulk Hogan. Tony says he survived and won the encounter in the cage. And we get a wide shot of everyone leaving. We throw to the announcers. Bobby and Tony are chatting. Tony, th- and at this point, that you you can tell the announcers aren't on air. They're not right because like yeah, they're playing like they're not on air. Tony says, "Oh, it's a good telecast, Brain." And Brain's like, "I'm leaving." And then all of a sudden, here runs Flair. And at this point, that I'm like, "Are we watching stuff they shot for the Baywatch show afterwards, or is this on the pay per view?" I was so confused. Turns out it's on the pay-per-view because we're going to go back to the announcers for replays in a minute. Because this is their bright idea to make a baby face out of Vader. Is that Flair's going to yell at him and be mean. <laughs> You're right. And then, and then Tony and Brain realize like they're uh, on. Uh, Vader's choking Rick and then Arn Anderson gets into the fold. Vader runs them both off and then challenges both men to a fight. Yeah. And that would happen, I think, on pay-per-view or Clash of Champions. And he beat both of them in a handicap match, by the way. So, like, Ric Flair's reinstated purely to lay down for guys. Just to lose. Just to lose. And he's even talked about this. Like, he just lost to Hogan and Savage for, like, two years. Goodness. Every every match, pretty much. Heenan, of course, is trying to sell this, I guess. And... The match is over. Hogan escapes. Now Flair gets into the Vader's face. I don't understand. I do not understand. <laughs> All right, fans, fans, I apologize. I apologize. We thought we were off the air. Flair gets to the ring. Flair was very upset, as we know. And, and like, then we go to replays from the match before, like, the stuff that we would have seen before they went off the mm-hmm. air, if they were really going off the air. This is like where they, the this Zodiac. Is, this, this is where they blew it. Yes. Like, this is where they blew it. Why didn't you guys think about this? You're going to now gonna go to the replays? You were selling this like the show was over. And they're like, yeah. ah, now let's actually wrap it up. So, yeah, they <laughs> should have the replays before they acted like they were off the air. Did you see the fan in the crowd that's trying to stand as close to the announcers as he can to get a Heenan autograph after this is all over? He's got a <laughs> magazine that. that's got Heenan's face on it. It's got Gene's face. Yeah. It's like an advertisement. And he's got yeah. a marker in his hand, and I was just—he's just waiting for them to close this show out so he can ask. <laughs> yeah, Tony's just like, "All right, is it for real this time?" Okay, good night, everybody, right. and that's the end of Bash of the Beach from 1995. I—not a very good show, in my opinion. No. I was like, it's an interesting, interesting location, but man, <laughs> no. like even the the matches that stand out are only good. None of them mm-hmm. are great. Oh yeah, no, yeah, mm-hmm. only good, nothing great. You know, you can also kind of see the state of things pre cruiserweights. Yeah. As far as like the early part of the, you know, the early card and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, instead you're getting Dave Sullivan and, you know, Renegade and Fuck things of that nature. Order, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not great. How dare you? Uh, but yeah, so 
this show well, overall was fine back in the 80s and early 90s well, i know 95 yeah, I know, I know. as a right. singles match so yeah, yeah not a great show but as far as star ratings tony mm-hmm. we're finally back to a show that dave Meltzer released his opinions on and it was Oof. noted in chris harrington's youtube page or fucking web page so let's take uh-huh. a look at your star ratings and compare them here for Dave Meltzer. Match one, sure. Sting versus Ming. What'd you give it? Um, You know, this is a match that I just wish there was a little bit more. You know, it was like close to being kind of maybe mm-hmm. even exceptional, but uh, didn't end up really quite reaching that. I gave this two stars. Being off the top of the show, I thought for sure, like they were set up with the crowd being excited for this. Like, mm-hmm. this could have been huge. And it was just like they just couldn't quite work well together for some reason. Right. I think both these yeah. guys are great wrestlers, but something was just off here this day. Like, yeah. two stars is fair. And that's exactly what Dave Meltzer gave it two stars ah. for the yeah, opener. Good. Yeah, good, not great. Match two, the Renegade and Paul Orndorff. <sighs> Man, I hated this. Like, it's not. <laughs> isn't good um i'm gonna give paul orndorff a quarter star fair that's fair for for getting anything out of this dave Meltzer apparently never got any calls from mr wonderful so dud for this show this match i've got more of those ahead so i just was saving my zeros kamala versus jim duggan zero zero stars that's fair i want to wash my eyeballs Dave Meltzer says minus a quarter star. Oh, man, he's going hard on this one. All right. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page versus Dave Sullivan. Zero stars. I'm right with you. Point five stars for Dave Meltzer. I mean, this one, you know, There's I could be talking to half a star. Dave, so you got to at least give it half a star. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably his criteria. Yeah, the middle of this show was difficult. Yes. Yep. And then we get one of the one matches that I felt was the most difficult. The tag match, Harlem Heat, Nasty Boys, and Blue Bloods. What'd you give it? Like, it, it definitely has problems. Um, I'll give it, I gave it one star. Like, I didn't like Jim Duggan and Kamala. Right. I really didn't like this tag match. I, I feel like I'm closer to where Dave Meltzer's at. Minus a half star. Wow. First match on the card rated. Um, there you go. <laughs> Randy Savage versus Ric Flair. What'd you give it? Uh, again, there's these two guys have no excuse for the fact that they've never had a great match. And they managed to have not a great match again on this show. <laughs> uh, I gave it two and a half stars. Very close to Dave. He gave it 2.75. So, mm. and I'm, I'm right there with it. Like we said, good, not great. Um, mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan versus Vader with the worm. Listen, like it's easy to sit here in 2021 and hate on all the cliche things about this match. Yeah. But I'm just looking at it as a wrestling match, crowd interaction. I gave it two and a half stars. Oh, Dave Meltzer like, gave it 2.5 mm-hmm. stars. Wow. Yeah, because I was like, <laughs> I know nobody likes Hulk Hogan and stuff, but I actually thought Vader mm-hmm. was solid in this match and Hogan, you know. All of his shit was clicking with the crowd. Yeah. So, you know, didn't love it. It was kind of funny watching Dennis Rodman run Zodiac and Taskmaster off. So, <laughs> I just, I was amazed at how easy it was to run them off. 
Exactly. Yeah. So that's it. That's uh, that is our. Th- well, hold on. Let's look at cage match here. Cage match. They have it ranked at a three point five four out of ten. Thirty four votes have been cast. Here's two very quick reviews, but they're extremely low rated. So I thought I would add them. Ratings machine gave it a two on, in twenty eighteen. Gave it a two out of ten. And said this, as with most major WCW shows of this era, this was an abysmal effort. The unintentional highlight of the show was Renegade throwing two of the worst drop kicks this side of Eric Watts. There you go. <laughs> and Zach in 2016 gave the show a zero, which I didn't know was even possible on Cage Match. And I don't know. Said, how did the wrestling survive 94 and 95? Sweet baby Jesus. There was a lot of matches that had potential to at least be somewhat entertaining. Sting and Ming, Harlem Heat, and the Blue Bloods, Savage and Flair, Hogan and Vader in a cage. But they all sucked hard. Terrible event. Even worse, beach atmosphere. And I love the idea of cheesy gimmick settings. Don't watch, period, ever, period. Well, I mean, because you... <laughs> You know what's also really disappointing about this show is that it would be like fun bad if they had done more with the Baywatch side of things. Yeah. Yep. Like, listen, WCW, Baywatch is the most popular thing in the world Mm -hmm. in 1995. And that's the other thing. The Baywatch episode doesn't come out till like late 96 or something like that. Like it's like a year or so away. And so maybe like they couldn't. I just was shocked that we weren't like. Mm-hmm. talking to the Baywatch lifeguards, just doing anything to incorporate it. You can't get one record. I mean, obviously you've pointed out two people. Well, they now, did. But, yeah. but even have them say anything just exactly at all. Like goodness. So I don't know if it was all very like, Nope, this is what we're paid to be here for. This yeah. is what we're You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Cause that just would have helped add to like the silliness and the beach mm-hmm. atmosphere. And that could have been fun. They should have played on the fucking Baywatch angle yeah. on this show. Yeah, because like the Baywatch angle, you've got like Hogan or Vader and, and Flair like in their like group, and he's like mm-hmm. a b- evil bad all guy and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. but nope. No, instead it's just awful matches <laughs> on the beach. Yeah, total agreement there. So that's uh, that's our thoughts on WCW Bash at the Beach from 1995. But Tony, we've got another show to do next week. Where are we headed? Yeah. Well, DP, we are going to go to the early 2000s for some uh, slightly independent wrestling fun as we are going to watch some MLW Underground? Yes, right? MLW okay. Underground. <laughs> Not to be confused with their current show, Fusion. This is the early 2000s Underground. Yeah, so this show, I mean, you had mentioned that I didn't realize that they'd been uploading these old ones. I had always heard about the old run, and I'd heard Court mm-hmm. Bauer talk about it back before he was still claiming he would never, ever run a wrestling company again. Um, he would, you know, every once in a while would get questions about some of these old shows and some of the big names that appeared on these old shows. I had not realized how interesting some of these, you know, collisions that we had of, like, the next chapter versus the legends of, like, the ECW and such era. Mm-hmm. And so... Speaking of that, we're going to get a very exciting match I'm excited for. It's probably going to be a big letdown, but we'll see. MLW number 24, it's Samoa Joe versus Mike Awesome in the main event. And man, like just as soon as we started looking at the list, that was the one that popped out immediately to me. I was excited about that. Yeah, I don't like you said, it might be a big letdown, but I'm certainly excited to watch that one. That's on there. Also included, we'll get a Juventud Guerrero versus Jimmy Yang match, which is a, a J-Cup USA opener, as well as Christopher Daniels, the Fallen Angel, battling Stupid Dragon. Everyone's favorite how, Super Dragon from. How, how dare you? <laughs> Calling that to his face. 
Yep, kick it off. Apparently, that's 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 what I've heard. Um, yeah, I've never actually got a chance to actually watch a Super Dragon match, so I'm oh. excited. I've heard so much shit talk from Ke- Matt McCarthy about Super Dragon, and like so, he doesn't like him. They've 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 got like a running thing they always had, I guess. Oh, apparently, where Super okay. Dragon was always very mean to him as well in the crowd. So okay, oh okay, well yeah, that, that <laughs> sounds about right. So yeah, so that's always been a running thing. I'm excited to see what it looks like, and uh, we'll check out MLW Underground number 24. It's on YouTube. Just look for the MLW YouTube page. It's right on there in their playlist. Absolutely. Yeah, we look forward to that. All right. So in the meantime, you can keep up with us on two places, Facebook and Twitter for Facebook. Search for the name of the podcast for Twitter. It's at GrappleCast. If for some weird reason you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for MLW Underground 24. All right, so it's been, it feels like forever, even though it's only been a week, but since we spoke last, NXT TakeOver in your house took place. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a broken record at this point, play any of our TakeOver discussions, because I'm going to say it was a great show with solid matches throughout. Um, And honestly, in my opinion, I don't know if the little juice from the crowd did something to it, but everybody just seemed like they were swinging for the fences on this show. And I thought it came across and, you know, made for a show that I didn't think there was a bad match on the card, probably everything above average at minimum on this card. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I I found myself the only, the only down point, I'll just go ahead and jump to it. The women's match with Ember Moon and uh, the the champion Raquel. there. Raquel. Yeah. I, I just, as I was watching it, I found myself being like, why is this happening? But other than that, I thought, you know, as far as the match itself goes, like their actual interaction and their back and forth was good. It was just one of those, as far as the storyline stuff, I don't know what this Raquel character is, and I don't know that I care, but also I'm not watching close enough to really level that as a, a criticism, you know? Yeah, and I mean, we discussed the Joe <clears throat> portions of NXT in the dish, but we'll talk about the extras here, kind of at the fallout from this pay-per-view, because, or this takeover, because you're right, um, the Raquel Gonzalez match and Ember Moon match, it you know, there had been feuding with the tag team. Shotzi got hurt. I don't know if maybe we were looking at a tag match at one point, and then they kind uh, of put Ember in this spot. Um, and, like, you know, and I've been honest, too, about the Raquel character. It's, I think it's the storyline that she's kind of, like, one foot out of, mm-hmm. one foot into a bat, being a good person, and one foot still and being, like, a heel. And that kind of even continued on TV after this show, like, where it's not much better. I'll, yeah. We'll get to it in later. But, no, you're not right. Yeah, I mean, that match itself... Especially because I, you know, there was a better match involving women on this card, in my opinion. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That also doesn't help. Oh, but anyway, um, kicking things off, six-man tag, winner takes all. I was so glad they brought up the tag team match from, I believe, In Your House 3 that we may or may not have covered. The winner takes all tag team match when it was the uh, two dudes with attitude, Sean and Diesel, mm. uh, fighting Owen and Yoko. Diesel and Sean had the world and intercontinental and Owen and Yoko were the tag champions. So um, kind of a play on that here with Bronson Reed and MSK, the North American champion and tag team champions, respectively taking on Legado del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wild and Raul Mendoza. Yeah. So um, it's really the surprise of no one. I mean, this was great. It was a great first match to be in front of kind of a bigger crowd than we've seen on an NXT show in over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and these guys, they went for it all. I mean, and not through, and you know, it wasn't super surprising. I mean, I, I think I texted you that, you know, MSK and Legato del Fantasma feels like a dynamite match. Oh, <laughs> you know, like yeah. every time, yep. every time I watch these guys, and it's only because there aren't a bunch of teams that kind of wrestle with a similar style and not to knock AEW, yeah. but they have some of that. You know, there's a yes. lot of teams that can go out there and have some. These are really about the only four guys you probably could see this from in NXT. And so, um, you know, I'm saying that as a compliment, you know, so fast paced, high spot, you know, kind of stuff. Some of you old folks out there hate. And, uh, and then I just love Bronson Reed. And I think Santos Escobar. Now, the Andrade f- situation would lead you to believe that there's no chance of this. But if given the right opportunity and pushed in the proper way, I think Santos Escobar is like top guy mm-hmm. material. Oh, he's. He's great. Like I, he's one of those that when they first introduced this whole Elgato Del Fantasma thing, like mm-hmm. I was just like I, I didn't know. I, it just seemed like he was a star before they even introduced. It, it was like, oh, where'd this guy mm-hmm. come from? It just he felt like you know, like he like they had just pulled Naito out of uh, you know Los Ingobernables and threw him onto the show. It, it listen, I'm not trying to discredit your heritage, Lucha Libre wrestling, but boy, more and more we're starting to see that you're putting masks on beautiful men. <laughs> With a lot of charisma and personality, yeah. who are just look like stars without their masks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to get into it, but it's like you do start to all kind of. No one stands out when everyone kind of looks the same in some in some oh, yeah. circumstances. Boy, that, lately these guys have been unmasking. It's like, wait a second. I I would have figured like ugly guys from Mexico would have been the ones <laughs> to like jump on becoming the mask type. Anyways, yeah, I think he could go to the top, but so should have Andrade, and they. Fuck that up. And and I texted you while I was watching the show that like you know it's one of those things where I am loving what they're doing with Bronson Reed in NXT. I'm, oh I'm, yeah. Ever since you know like I enjoyed the little bit that I saw of him. Was it MLW where he was making noise before he came to NXT? I think. Um. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. He. Yeah. Because he had sh- gotten a little bit of a shine. I thought. Well, he was. Uh, anyways, go ahead. It's not important. I, th- I yeah. feel like I had seen him like a couple months right before he moved mm-hmm. up, and then like he mm-hmm. showed up on NXT, and you know, because he was Jonah Rock was his name. Yeah. Okay, and and it was one of those things where it was like I didn't expect the WWE to do anything real with him because he looks different. He's kind of a bigger mm-hmm. dude, and they have over the last you know back in the day when Vince loved his you know his earthquakes right. and, and typhoons sure. and such, we would have yeah. bigger guys. But unless you're, you know, seven feet tall, Vince doesn't like any th- sort of slight gut on anybody. So no. I did not expect them to treat this Bronson Reed character as well as they have. And then like getting to see him be as strong as he is here. Like they made him look great in this three way. Mm-hmm. Like he was the driving force in why this team wins. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, he did it. Obviously he did the work, but man, the Johnny Gargano feud, I think was also kind mm-hmm. of the final springboard oh yeah for him to really get a chance to show personality to face adversity to overcome odds like there was just a lot of like good steps throughout the course of you know dealing with the way and all their bullshit for sure um and he's wildly talented i mean he is a big man that moves i mean i know everybody says about every big man but i mean you know like he's (laughs) he i mean we i always bring i always think of jeff cobb when i watch bronson reed and i just think of someone like that where they have all the power in the world to do whatever they want to you and they can also, you know, probably do a shooting star press if they wanted to. So, <laughs> I mean, they they were saying the same thing about Brock Lesnar until he, you know, tombstoned himself. But <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about a yeah, or I guess we already did. Vader tombstoning himself was a moment that I'm surprised the world doesn't talk about more. But you know, anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. The and listen, I was a, I just it's one of my pet peeves. I get annoyed by crowds. 
they were a little bit too interested in cheering for the cool heels mm-hmm. in this. It's like, guys, there's nobody more babyface than Bronson Reed and MSK. Yeah. Like, can you can you please just play along with this? Like, mm-hmm. and and Legato del Fantasma is really angling hard to be bad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I, I I know you can't tell fans how to react, but it's like, damn it, sometimes like just play your role. It's in mm-hmm. fact better for everyone. Oh yeah, uh, but I but, will say, awesome. just having yeah. that the the increased amount of fans made the world of difference. Like oh, going yeah. back to watch it again, and then seeing that and going straight back to Raw and SmackDown again was just killer for oh. me this week, man. I cannot wait until the WWE gets back on the road. <laughs> oh my god, when does that tour start? You're right, it is, man. Like going from WrestleMania, even yes. like, yep. It's just you're like, oh yeah, shit. I guess this is still what we're doing. Like, yeah, no, you're right. It doesn't help. <laughs> um, but yeah, MSK. Um, have so much unique offense too. Like, man, they just went wild in this match with some really cool double team stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, and I was actually pleasantly surprised to see this. I was glad, you know, the good guys get the win. Um, like I said, Santos Escobar, I just have in my notes here is money, just absolute star in this matchup. And, mm. uh, yeah, I gave it three and a half stars. Nice. Nice. I didn't, I did not do star ratings for this show. Apologies. Apologies. I mean, whatever. I was just, I just <laughs> did it because I was like, well, I'm paying this much attention to a show. I'll, I'll, Might as well. I'll rate it. So, um, and then we would go on and, uh, you know, kind of get into this May Ying, Tian Shan. I'm still trying to figure out. I don't know what names apply like, to I what think people in this group. Tian Shan is like the group. Okay. Or it's like the what they worship. I don't know. And then this May Ying. I'm saying it wrong, probably. No, I think you're I right because Mei Ying is the 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 lady that I thought was named Tian Shaw or whatever Tian yes. Shan. Yes. Who I also spoiler alert just finally looked up because for a while nobody knew who the hell but that's Karen uh, Karen Q, the former Karen Q from uh, Ring of Honor NXT. Okay. She got hurt, so good to see and then her. Boa is also part of this Tian Shaw group. Yes, I think yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. I think that is what I finally I'm glad that you said group out. because I had not figured that part. I just kept thinking like, okay, is it like that Tian Shaw means like my leader or something? And like that's just like what she's referring to. It's so confusing. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, I think I've kind of figured that part out. Anyways, Zia Lee, Zia Lee, I think I can't remember. Yeah, Zia Lee. She's another she's another one. Like Jesus Christ. She has just come so far in mm-hmm. such a quick time. Her and Mercedes Martinez are in match two here. Uh First of all, just two badass entrances. Yep. I know some people don't care about that kind of shit, but they both have great atmosphere setting themes that match their personalities. I oh. love the sword shit. I know. I think you were the one that was kind of like, <laughs> did you say the whole, like, if you ain't going to use it, don't show yes. it? Yes. Well, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it, it just also feels like WWE again doing it all at the same time where one guy's got a sword now. She's got a I sword. Know. Like, suddenly everyone has swords. And it's like, well... If everyone got, carries knives and blades with them, it doesn't make sense for them not to eventually get so upset that they would pull it out. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Because she's always done the sword thing. That was just the first time it was like a Final Fantasy VII sword. Like it gotcha, was, okay. Because the but, little like routine has always yeah. been going on. But yeah, so those first she always kind of had, had that yeah. like, you know, warm-up routine sort of a thing mm-hmm. going. But then the other thing that I, you know, as far as I'd sent you a text, is like, I'm being completely nitpicky here. Because right. I love the look of, of Zia Lee and everything they've done with her mm-hmm. in this sense point. But they, they, you know, she comes down and she's got the like almost Raiden with a curtain hat on. And uh-huh. they pull it off and sh- they reveal her hair, which has been infused with all kinds of extensions because it's WWE. But right. 
in in part of the extensions they went and they went like rainbow colored with it and like right. so it like, looks like she's yeah, got like this like rainbow just, bright hair going on right it looks like she just went back to school after going on spring break you know in like cancun or a something bit like that a little bit rave girl to it i was right. just like this just feels out of place with yeah. the everything no. else that you're putting towards this the style and like the yeah. the the presence that you're putting off doesn't match with rainbow bubblegum hair no, <laughs> like, yeah. if you, no. even if you just did everything that they did with their hair and just make it one mm-hmm. color i think it right. fixes that issue no you're not wrong it was a little bit strange and that also might have just been a takeover thing like i don't know if that's yeah, permanent or whatever because I, I don't think i'd seen that before um, again, the crowd, and I know we all love Xia Li, and she's been like an NXT mainstay for a long time, and people are happy that, but again, the crowd's just wildly behind her. Well, it, again, <laughs> and, this one, though, I didn't I didn't know who I was supposed to root for. That's, cause that's fair. comes off yeah. as a heel in the way that she's presented. She comes off as a badass heel, don't let me, let right. me wrong, but... No, you're right. No, you're right. This, this was kind of a bit of a confusing match to some degree where like almost the official fool maybe turn for Mercedes is after the match because that might be, you know, things don't go well for her. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's a little bit up in the air. But yeah, these ladies do had a great match. It wasn't uh, very long, Zaya, but it was good. No, it wasn't super long. Zaya sold a leg injury after kicking the ring post outside the outside. Um, I didn't end up being to her detriment like I thought it would be when I wrote it down. Um, but yeah, great match. Zaya Lee gets the win. Her first takeover singles match. How about that? Oh wow. Okay. So I would have assumed um, even just I guess I guess it might have been in like the pre-show in the past if if she would have mm-hmm. done any of them. So and also just a, a great story too. You know, I, heard, I was reading about Triple H on the conference call this week talking about you know when Zaya Lee first met them, she didn't speak English. She didn't know what professional wrestling was, and they <laughs> described it to her as kung fu theater, and oh, she liked okay. the sound of that because she came to one of the tryouts when they went and did like a China, like went to China. I yeah, because I remember like with her signing was like mm-hmm. part of like they had, they had re- you know released this big thing that yep. we did on this big tour and all this other such whatever. Because I think Boa was a part of that as well, or maybe oh, he was okay. part of something later. Um, but anyway, that was just cool to hear and how far she's come and pretty impressive. Um, after the match, Boa gave Zaya a chair. Martinez, Martinez, Martinez managed to fight it off. You know, she didn't get to use it. Um, Mercedes then took Boa and Zaya out with the chair pretty viciously. Um, she then mocked Mei Ying, which was a big mistake. She's never seen big trouble in Little China, apparently. Like, <laughs> might look unassuming, but you don't want to mess with the person sitting in the chair like that. Um, she mocked Mei Ying and stood up and just zombie like kind of walked towards her. And uh, Mercedes was. Not necessarily intimidated, but then she was rather intimidated when her throat was grabbed, kind of Tongan death grip Ming style from Mei Ying. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just took Martinez out. So, yeah, I'm interested to see where they go with this. I, don't, I hope we don't have a ton more like long amounts of time of her just standing and holding someone's chin. That's I pretty much just let it lie this week, if I'm remembering right. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it. No, yeah, they just let it lie for a week on this one. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, the match itself was really, you know, pretty great in my opinion. Like I said, it wasn't super long, but I, mm-hmm. I liked the action. Absolutely. Totally agreed. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher tell the Grizzled Young Vets they are looking at two grown-ass men, and in 48 hours they will show them just how dangerous they are. More on that in a moment. They had their tornado tag team match on NXT. Um, but first... Match of the night, in my opinion, million dollar title ladder match, L.A. Knight, P. 
picking up the victory over Cameron Grimes, who we got to talk about it, I think, a little bit on the last show, the segment kind of leading into this with DiBiase and mm-hmm. you know, the, the double turn of sorts they've managed to do with Cameron Grimes here, who, who was like, you know, people liked the character, but he was still a bad guy. Yeah, he know? was still being shitty with his money and everything. Right. And yeah. And it, and it really kind of came all the way out on TV, you know, after the show. But yeah, this match, amazing. Just watch the opening lockup in this match. And you know you're in store for something great. I've seen few <laughs> lockups more intense than the one these two guys started the match off with. Nice. Um, another aspect of this match that I loved was the early attempts to go get the ladder and the fight over the ladder kind of for, you know, for quite a while, the climbing constantly, mm-hmm. you know, early on. And then the match really kind of slowed way down as it was almost like they both realized that that wasn't going to be the way to win this match. And they just had a physical kick-ass match without any ladders for a long time in this one. Yeah. Um, uh, I had put that... Oh, I hadn't made that, like, made the connection there with those two elements of the match, but you're mm-hmm. right. Like, they, they kind of allowed them to... By by going with the logical sense of like, well, we need to try to get up there, and then makes the wrestlers learn, well, we can't because of each other keeping it. So then it makes sense to then go to the match portion. Whereas mm-hmm. like, it just seems like something that you know you don't need to have that in every ladder match, but having it every once in a while is a good idea. Just to again remind people why you don't just immediately start climbing ladders in a ladder match. <laughs> and they were really clever about setting up their future spots. You know, they set up a lot of things in the. Mm slower portion of the match that didn't yeah. pay off at that moment, but it didn't leave them having to set up a bridge with ladders yeah. while the guy is selling a punch to the face <laughs> type of a thing. You know, like it was already there. You'd kind of forgotten about it, even in some cases. Mm-hmm. And it was even that much more of kind of a shock and an awe when it happened. He's like, oh, Jesus, I forgot that was out there. Because um, that for a while, I was like, wow, these guys are, you know, I like this match, but they're really taking it easy on the spots. And then they just started doing a bunch of spots kind of made up for it towards the end of the match with some really good stuff. The back, the flip over the top onto the ladder kind of bridged out on the outside from Grimes was Mm -hmm. looked great. Um, So yeah. And I wasn't upset because I saw some people like kind of people that aren't usually even dumb, like being upset like, Oh, all that for LA Knight to win. Well, Yeah. I would have been probably upset if Cameron Grimes won this match. Yeah. And I love Cameron Grimes. Like, <laughs> no, but it, it makes, wouldn't have made any sense. You know, it wouldn't. The, the only, the only thing that I have of, of worry or caution coming out of this is I don't necessarily want to see baby face Ted DiBiase hanging around any longer. Like, I think right. that beat down at the end was a perfect time to just say, all right, goodbye. And just well, say that character off. I don't know if he shows up on TV or not. Well, since, but. yeah, since you already kind of, I'll just talk about what happened on TV. So then after, so, the follow-up from this match on TV, L.A. Knight is awarded the million-dollar title. It's bright out in its case. Ted DiBiase's there. You know, the whole presentation. And then L.A. Knight cut a really good promo and talked about getting rid of all the things he doesn't need anymore. And that included Ted DiBiase, who he laid out and then stomped on repeatedly mm-hmm. until Cameron Grimes made the save to a hero's you know, response and yeah, you know, it was a really, you know, great segment. Good moment. He made the save on DiBiase and, you know, we'll see where things go from here. 
But yeah, and that's that's where that's what I was mainly referring to is I don't necessarily oh. want to see Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase as a team going forward. Yeah. Like Grimes doesn't I, necessarily yeah. need a manager, especially a babyface no. manager. No, I mean I think DiBiase will be around in some capacity until For like his next matches or whatever the Yeah, until he like does away with LA Knight or however that ends up getting resolved. But no, you're right. No, I don't think DB because that's also why I don't because I was like thinking maybe he would manage Grant or Knight because mm-hmm. you know heel isn't so bad. Well, yeah, and that's what once he won it, it was like oh okay, well that makes a cool little combo there. Right. But obviously right. they're but, not going that way. Yeah, they were. <laughs> well, that's probably smart too. Like don't give Knight any baggage either. Like he yeah he he doesn't need it. You know what I'm I mean? Very like curious. To know, I mean, obviously, like the fans and us, and, and seemingly everybody that I've seen co- talk about this match was very impressed with you know that match, the way that it was put together, L.A. Knight's performance mm-hmm. as well. I'm mm-hmm. curious to know what the response is from like the Triple H's and the office people of L.A. Knight because you know he's coming in. This is his first like big takeover match. The, I my guess would be that they are doing everything in their power to keep Vince. <laughs> from noticing LA night because I, that man will be on Monday night raw as soon as Vince sets his eyes on it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm probably giving him a little too much credit. I know he's not everybody's favorite cup of tea, Yeah, but that man is, he's a Vince guy. Like the fact that he got away once is kind of surprising to me. Yeah. You know, now I know he had maybe developed the Eli Drake character to the, you know, to that extent when he was in the original NXT, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, you just watch that guy cut a promo. And it's like, listen, doesn't have to be your favorite style. You don't have to like the guy, but man, that guy <laughs> just feels like yeah. Vince would love him, and he will be like immediately inserted into like the Intercontinental Title picture or something <laughs> you know, upon arrival. Oh, it's. I mean, it's you're you, you're you're probably exactly right. That's probably exactly what will happen because you know it, there's so many guys that every every once in a while like now like it's like oh man it's so great to see you know cesaro getting his chance at you know the main event and it's like oh yeah he's been intercontinental champion like five times or <laughs> right right yeah it's like just you forget, forget about there are those. some okay times um <laughs> now the thing i'll say about you know mr knight is and then you'll be bobby Roode, and you'll yeah. probably end up in a tag team with dolph ziggler at some point down the road because vince like a child and a dog it. a dog is another good example of this they love the toy for a little while yeah. and then it quickly they lose interest and they move on to the next thing so depending on what dog there's there's some dogs where it's like this dog <laughs> will play fetch until it dies if you let it um. <laughs> right uh, but anyway, yeah so we'll see there but yeah cameron grimes also i think is maybe the biggest winner coming away from all this and uh the sky's the limit in my opinion i don't even know if they should keep him in nxt to be honest with you like kind of maybe hit, strike this while it's hot and yeah Instead of calling him up six months from now, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's still kind of fun. <laughs> Remember that you story know? we all liked back in the spring that we forgot about right. now? And, and right. all, uh, now we're going to bring Cameron Grimes up. Yeah, they, yeah, I, I kind of hope that doesn't happen to him. So, yeah, anyways, on to the NXT Women's Championship match. You know, just a solid uh, opportunity here for Raquel Gonzalez to get a defense, you know, to look strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ember Moon's great. I know there's a lot of people out there that still would love to see her as NXT Women's Champion. And, you know, it's, it's a possibility. I'm not sure it's in the cards anytime soon. She's- this is her second NXT run, right? Like mm-hmm. she went to the main roster and then has come back. That's what I thought for a minute. Yeah. Like when I when this match was getting started, it like all of a sudden just dawned on me again. I was well, like, oh yeah, we spent like a year of her being on the main roster, even though she got injured for I know a good portion of that. I was gonna but, say, yeah, it's 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 understandable why you would maybe question that because it wasn't 
a real lengthy run yeah. or like much. I mean, she had some okay. You know, they were pushing her, but yeah, she had injuries. It wasn't um, a Finn Balor run and then come back. It was right. <laughs> I loved the like the little sidebars, their name key and like their attributes. And Ember's intangible is fiery. I don't know why that made me laugh, but it, I was just like, that's her intangible. Oh, I mean, okay. that's right. what I feel like every like uncreative person that has to, you know, create a female character. She's yeah. fiery. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gonzalez, I, you know, did, I think, look pretty good here. Uh, in ring wise, I feel like mm-hmm. she has come a long way. Character is another story. Yeah, I still don't, uh, right. exactly. Like we, we've, you know, we've talked about it a ton with her character thing. It's like, you know, I don't necessarily understand her motivation, but when she's, you know, no. hitting the pile driver and, and, and the right. suplex and stuff, it all looks good. Right. Uh, Ember hit the eclipse, but Dakota Kai put the boot of Raquel on the bottom rope. Out came Shotzi Blackheart. And I, Dakota Kai, I just loved how she doesn't turn around. She doesn't even see Shotzi. It's like as soon as she's like aware of her presence, she just takes off running in the opposite direction. Like it could have been a cameraman, a referee. Like, oh. she's, nope. She just took off running. Um, I mean, she got beat. It up. was one of those things though, too, where it was like the the announcers were treating it like Shotzi was coming back from six months off with a broken neck, and it was like, guys, she, we only had to reschedule one match. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So Shotzi came out, ran Kai backstage. Raquel Gonzalez still picked up the victory, defending her title. Uh, I gave that match two and a half stars. That's fair. So um, I forgot to give the latter match. I gave four and a half stars between Ooh, LA Knight damn. and Cameron Grimes. Nice. So, I it. liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, yeah. and now that you mention it, like I hadn't mm-hmm. really thought about like match of the night or whatever, but like, no, I'm in agreement. Like the main event right. is fun. It's not better oh, yeah. than that ladder match though. Yeah. The main event has its moments, but it just didn't quite. Anyways, anyways, uh, Todd Pettengale. I love, you know, love the in your house, you know, play on the show here. He was a lot Stephanie of fun Wyan. off the top as well. Yeah, yeah, he was good off the top. I forgot to mention that. Stephanie Wyan got referenced at one point. I was hoping she'd appear. Didn't happen. Um, but he's playing karate fighters, which is also just amazing. <laughs> uh, with Dexter Loomis, which, ugh, you know, maybe not. Uh, Todd kind of conducts an interview, asked how the women were treating him. <laughs> Dexter, you know, stops playing and just broke the karate fighter of Todd Pettengale and walked <laughs> away. So it was a sensitive question for one Dexter Loomis there. Oh, yeah. uh, we're here that the Great American Bash will take place on July 6th, which will just be an episode of NXT on a Tuesday. Uh, so not a takeover. Uh, well, you no, know, it's that, that close to 4th of July. It makes sense. Yeah, that close to 4th of July. It makes sense. And also they've seen, I'm sure, that ML or the AEW is doing like four straight themed weeks. So they're like, well, we got to get our True. themes up again. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we'll wait to talk about. Yeah, I mean, well, no, we'll just talk about that. Yeah, the, the Saturdays and Friday nights, man, are not going great. No, I hope it. I hope it doesn't scare them off of like the Friday night show because I think they're planning on it'll be at ten. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, granted, ten o'clock for a one-hour show. I'm much more excited about than ten o'clock for a two-hour show. <laughs> True. So I'm sure they'll be fine. But yeah, you're right, boy. They're coming out swinging the next few weeks. Um, this and then this upcoming Tuesday, like I mentioned, we get the tornado tag with Champa and Thatcher against Grizzly Young Vets, as well as a Kushida Open Challenge, which we'll have in just a moment here. But first, main event time. NXT Championship Final Five way. Karrion Cross said, give me all of them in the lead up to this match. Karrion Cross defended the NXT Championship against Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, Cool Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is another match that I, you know, you can tell smart people are working on this. It doesn't surprise me at all that HBK and people like, you know, are because 
it was smart. It was well played. They treated Cross like the monster. Mm-hmm. They ganged up on Cross. They got rid of Cross. The four of them had Battle of Los Angeles level four way action. <laughs> <laughs> like the moments in this match when the four of them just go nuts for like five minutes before yeah. Cross gets back in. It is a lot were of fun. Amazing moments through. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say because Cross sucks. I'm just trying to say like. They made it was a smart play on like yeah. getting around his overwhelming size and strength advantage against all of these guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, Gargaila also, man, did you ever see the picture of all the way members doing the click thing? Because uh-huh. I didn't realize it when I just saw Gargano here and his awesome like heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels get up. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the group photo where they had uh, Austin <laughs> Theory was diesel, had like a leather vest on and sunglasses and the glove with his yeah. hand up. Uh, Candice had a one, two, three kid inspired oh my like gear and uh, Indy had a razor Ramon thing going on. I was, it was like, honestly, they didn't make enough of a deal of it. Like online, the pictures were funny because yeah. they had their dog dressed like Hunter Hearst Helmsley and he like commented <laughs> on it and it was you know, kind of funny. That's awesome. Yeah. The way the click and I'd imagine the picture would probably pop up for you if you're looking for it there. But anyways, love the HBK gear from Gargano. Um, who also walked by a pull-apart between Shotzi and Kai. I only mentioned that because it kind of is part of what happens at the end of the show here, as there was chaos even during the next match. Uh, no, that's, this is another that one. That picture this, is awesome. That is, that is good stuff. <laughs> right. Then on NXT TV, I'll just go to the Gargano and Theory bust into the office. I probably talked about this in the dish, actually, but I love when they busted into the office with Regal and joe and like theory still has the sunglasses and the vest and the glove on and he like starts to do the diesel and johnny's like we're not doing the click thing anymore you know like uh but yeah this is another one that i think the crowd but the entrances the just big fight feel i was excited mm-hmm. for this one you know as the guys were coming out everyone just had an intensity on their face i don't know what to make of that maybe i was giving it too much credit maybe i was high adam cole's new music it's always tough to top a, a great I was yeah. kind of hoping he would just Roman Reigns it and steal the Undisputed Era music. Mm-hmm. Instead, they ripped off Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. That's what I couldn't stop hearing. Oh, uh, okay. I hadn't put that together, but yeah. I swear to God, that was like the base of the song. So you're probably Anyways, right. it was it was fine. They've built in the booms and the Adam Cole. So like, so it's <laughs> there was thought put to it. It's not just like random music number seven or something. Um, no, because it was like as he was coming out, I was like, "Wait!" I was like, "Didn't he already have a theme song before?" I was like, "No, he came in with the undisputed." <laughs> yeah, that was like, the that first. Was it. They may have had an original song that I'm not remembering, like a generic like song the first number seven week or kind something. Of. But yeah, um, yeah, they everybody so everybody's in the ring. Adam Cole is the only person. There's no reason to cheer, but fans gonna fan. I was just like, all these other guys. Anyway, it was fine though. They were excited. They were just happy. Um, Pete Dune and Johnny Gargano sent Cross through the door of the In Your House set, which was awesome. One of the couple ways that Cross was taken out of the match for periods of time throughout things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he would return and hurt everyone. And uh, yeah, choke slammed Gargano into the apron, which looked brutal. Like, good God. Maybe he just sold it, sold it well, but it was yeah. looked dangerous. Um, the double team super moves were amazing whenever everybody, like they were ganging up on each on cross and stuff. And, uh, you know, so solid stuff there. Yeah. Carrying though picks up the victory by submission after just literally beating everyone up and laying them all out. Uh, 
Carrion gets the win, looks strong, and is also, you know, they've smartly in the recent weeks like accepted the heel role, and it only got stronger on NXT TV mm-hmm. following up on this, you know? No, so that's, that's, that's like... Even with when they first introduced him, and it was like... And then you right. know, the entrance is a heel entrance. Like, this is a... Yeah. You're supposed to be scared yeah. of this, like, shock and awe, like... Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's intense. Right. It's, That's true. It just yeah. feels so much more as like a heel position. And so like him being antagonistic to Regal and like giving him mm-hmm. shit about crying and stuff like that mm-hmm. is the most that I've gotten from this cross character. And mm-hmm. since his like his wrestling's always been fine. But as far as the right. character's gone, I've you know, I've mentioned in the past that there's some elements of it that I wasn't a fan of. And as yeah. of late, I've been trying to like piece together in my mind what it was about him that wasn't really doing it for me. And I feel like mm-hmm. this most recent couple episodes is like I'm kind of liking this a little bit more now they've pivoted a little bit towards well, more of a heel directly heel element because he was kind of just being presented like they were just kind of going like the badass route without yeah. really any you know like he's not he's scared of anything he'll take everyone on and like and that's okay for a while but yeah. it's a very heelish thing like way to be and like i feel like they didn't realize <laughs> that maybe right away yeah and now they're like oh yeah he's a heel like just totally lean into that like i don't you know what were we thinking so yeah, so I thought that was the only, all effective. The only issue with that is then, like, who are not heels on the top of the card in the next, you know, Finn Balor is a heel, Adam Cole is a heel. Cool Kyle isn't, but other than that, I don't know. Else yeah, but he's also he's also fighting Kushida now. So, Dunn's uh, a heel, and 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 maybe even you know you said fighting Kushida, yeah, some, but also brawling with Adam Cole on NXT. Well, next that's week, true. So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about that in just momentarily. But yeah, okay. cross wins. I gave it four stars. Loved the match. Loved the way it was put together. You know, great, it, great workers. It overcame my expectations. I because it was five men in a match. I expected mm-hmm. this to be a giant mess. But they, like it you was, said, they was smartly pieced together, and I thought mm-hmm. they did a good job with it. Absolutely. But we must say, Regal is confronted as he was leaving the building, and after seven years, he's never seen so much bedlam as only Regal can say. And it might be time for a change. Bum, bum, bum. Internet this, ruined everything. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> is that like this was one of those things where it was immediately like everyone was like, oh, well, Joe's coming. I was like, what? <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that. But OK, thanks for putting it in my mind because it's yeah, what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, thanks, people. Like, you know, I was like, I was only mildly excited when it actually happened. No, but um, it was an interesting end to the show. Like, I didn't expect them to mm-hmm. take that turn to like sad regal walking yeah. away in a dark parking lot to be the <laughs> No, we'll show. just go ahead and talk about NXT, I guess. We'll skip over the other things for now. Because right. there's only a few things to mention anyway, other than what we talked about with Joe. Um, yeah, the Regal ending was great. Um, I liked the cliffhanger. I just I mentioned that because I wanted to mention with NXT, they've got a couple of these things cooking. They've got the diamond uh, diamond mine thing, the vignettes that have been airing kind of mysteriously. Oh, I've not I think heard of that. I think that's finally going to be revealed next week, whatever, or whoever that is. And then this week on NXT, they've just had... Coming out of a few breaks, I think maybe four times throughout the show, a cell phone energy, yeah. you know, battery charging. look, charging, uh-huh. and it was charging a little bit more, and it was charged a little bit, more. and then the yeah. show ended, and it wasn't done charging. Yeah. So just another, I don't know, you know, just it's that, intriguing. That felt like to me though, like because when at first I saw, I just saw like the gift that they posted on Twitter mm-hmm. of the charging thing, and when at first because I didn't watch the full NXT, I saw segments mm-hmm. of it. Um. But 
when I saw that posted on online, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I was like, okay, so this would make sense to be your new Jericho countdown. Like, here's just a countdown that's going to be happening for mm-hmm. two months. But then, like, I because I, I saw the 1%, and then I was like, oh, 11%. And, like, you're, I don't know how – what percentage was it at by the end of the show? <laughs> I don't know if they were halfway, but yeah, no, they're it seems not like they're gonna kind of, wait that long. They're speeding it up a little bit than than what I was expecting yeah. initially. But I'm excited to see what that that leads to. I don't know, like off the top of my head, anybody that I'm immediately like, oh, electricity or you know, a battery. Like unless right. you're introducing a group called the Battery or something, I don't know what <laughs> what else you could do. Yeah, hard to say. I have I don't haven't really gone digging much about it. I don't know that anybody you know if there is much known about it. So we shall see. But on NXT after Takeover, there's a pull apart backstage. You know, I just mentioned that, but that was you know Joe involved. We talked about it earlier, but you know there's still like you mentioned Cole and O'Reilly are at each other's throats. Uh, NXT Cruiserweight Championship is that open off the top ta- of the show. Yes. No, okay, no. okay. Top of the show like, was everything else that we already. I was talked like, because like Joe's involved in that. I was like, how did it like? Okay, I'm skipping over things. Yeah, That's I also fine. didn't. Yeah, Imperium beat Brazongo. I was I didn't okay. know that either. But because like just, if you but, uh, watch. If you watch, like, on YouTube, the stuff that they upload on YouTube, like, by the way, just out of the blue, Impact Wrestling does a fantastic job oh, of letting dude. you know what's going on in the company. And How I keep up. Like, I, because I haven't watched the show, but I watched before right. the Impact, and I was like, this is a great little program that they put together that explains a whole lot about what's happening. Because I, I was like, I was curious if Kenny had lost the title or not. And so I was trying right. to figure that out. And I ended up watching the entire before the Impact or whatever. But, um, absolutely. So yeah, they do that. WWE does it somewhat, but they're also like getting to the point now where they're putting out so much content that it seems like there's not a, a, a they need someone to organize it a little better. Like if you go to YouTube and like click on some of it, half their videos are posted in like fucking Snapchat uh, mm-hmm. vertical video format, yep. and it's like you shot this in widescreen HD. Why am I watching it in this weird last format? Because um, it looks like it's on your phone. <laughs> and now I completely forgot where I started this uh, going on um, about the uh, NXT. And Oh, yeah. If you watch the NXT video about Joe and his arrival mm-hmm. that they put together, you would not mm-hmm. know that he was at all involved in the Adam Cole situation. Like, that is not part of that video. They just only have the Karrion Cross stuff with the Joe video. And, like, it's a good video, but it was just one yeah. of those things where afterwards I was like, oh, Joe interacted with like three other guys during this. Sh- I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cause I should also mention, I don't remember Regal screamed something about Cole and O'Reilly being able to pick their opponents for next week. Yeah. I think, he wants them to in tell the melee. their opponents. Yeah. And that's so, when they started just brawling instead of, you know, talking to him. So that takes us to the NXT Cruiserweight Championship Open Challenge. Kushida uh, challenge. The challenge was accepted by Trey Baxter, the former Blake Christian of independent wrestling fame. Okay. Uh, a great talent and um, someone I had the opportunity to see last year. Kushida got the victory. Kyle O'Reilly watched at on the entrance ramp for most of it. Um, an outstanding match. Again, uh, Kushida just, you know, on top of his game, making some of these guys who are really good, but he's really making them look great. Yeah. Uh, and after the match, Kyle O'Reilly challenges Kushida to a match next week. And uh, these two have quite a history. This is not by any means their first matchup. So, should be a hell of a good match. Oh yeah, that'll be that'll be exciting. Yeah, um, as we mentioned earlier, Raquel and Dakota Kai. Again, this is all very confusing. Like they're going for the tag gold. Like I feel like at some point the story is going to be because Raquel kind of keeps doing these things like 
to help Dakota or at Dakota's request. Like she's oh, okay. kind of being held back by Dakota, you might say, or see from the outside. But she seems perfectly happy about it. Is the like she's not <laughs> like yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, let's win the tag belts. I mean, it doesn't matter yeah. to me. It doesn't help me at all, really. So um, that's what's going on there. And then they beat Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro in actually a really good tag team match. Unfortunately, Caden and Catanzaro didn't win because they never win. Uh, Io Shirai is looks like she's getting the crosshairs of Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell as there was a segment where she was interrupted by Candice and attacked by Indy. Uh, Zoe Stark, though, would make the save. So oh, I don't know man. that we're going to get our Poppy and Io Shirai tag match that we were hoping for. <laughs> I think Poppy's going to always be on the outside of the ring in any involvement that she has. <laughs> I'm almost positive she was also, I think, promoted for maybe being on TV next week or something. Oh, okay. So. We'll see. I mean, she just put out like an entire album that's all about NXT. I guess it's like all NXT soundtrack songs. Like the out, it, like everything online says like song title, album title, and then in parentheses you, NXT soundtrack. And so I was just like, did she just like put out an entire NXT album? I don't know. I just keep seeing random videos of that pop up that are like new Poppy songs. I was like, hmm. oh, okay, right on. Um, now, main event. Not yes. to drag this out any longer, but I am curious mm-hmm. just about your thoughts. So I saw, I'm looking at the results here and just happened to see mm-hmm. that you had skipped over, but Brazongo beat Imperium. Are Imperium Imp- beat Brazongo. They did. Yeah, I think. This says your results- that Brazongo defeated them by pinfall here. Oh, well, then maybe it was just, yeah, maybe the, I just remember them posing, but maybe that was after they just beat him up. Imperium did not appreciate the cheap loss. So it was a schoolboy uh, okay. for the three counts. Gotcha. So it was a cheap, I didn't read the cheap loss because I was just curious. Like when I saw that, I was like, I would not think they would be putting the Brazongo team over the Imperium team. But I didn't know if, if you're holding off on Walter, is the Imperium tag team just like, uh, eh, we don't really care about making sure that they're, you know, <laughs> strong at the top of the card sort of a thing. No, I would probably imagine more so like Walter maybe coming sooner rather than later because like, They've already been doing these like backstage segments where he like appears on a oh. television screen as if okay. they're speaking to him somehow and is like disappointed in them and is like yelling <laughs> at them. So he's probably not gonna be too happy about this one either. Okay. So yeah, so he's gonna have to, you know, if I want something done, I gotta do it myself, sort of a thing. Right, exactly. because um, I'm sure they want to do him in cross, maybe. Oh yeah, there. that'd be good. So uh Tornado Tag, Champa and Thatcher actually got the win at, over the Grizzled Young Vets, much to my surprise. Um, and I would imagine they'll be challenging for the tag titles. That wasn't necessarily like a guarantee. I don't believe as a stipulation oh, okay. for this match, uh, but it seems like they would be in line. So it would make sense. Yeah, that they uh, put up I, a whole video, like a seven-minute like recap video of this match, and it was like the stuff that I saw was great. Like this looked like oh yeah, fantastic I, stuff. I like. I love this, this team. team. Like some people, of course, have been like, oh, Champa needs a new gimmick, and oh, they shouldn't be doing. It's like I like them. I like how they've actually molded together more over the weeks, like with their promos mm-hmm. and how they play off one another. And like, I, I think it's great. And I like the way they came together, you know, like this was, this yeah. came after weeks of feuding and, you know, a, you know, blood feud fighting in <laughs> oh, a yeah. octagon and shit. I mean, yep. it was, so I don't know, folks, sometimes everybody can't be on top. No, you're right. You know what I mean? Like it's, if there's just one bit of advice, if I could give the internet community in wrestling, like that will just help you all maybe not be angry all the time is they can't all be on top. Yep. They can't all be in the main event and everybody can't be the world champion. Yeah. No, you're not wrong <laughs> so, there. So, you know, anyway, speaking of they can't be world champion, Drew McIntyre. No, I'm just joking. Um, so we had talked about, you know, the wild doll 
segment with Shayna mm-hmm. and all that. And don't worry, they know how much you love this. We open the show with a fucking full recap. I mean, they pretty much just played the entire segment at the beginning of Raw. <laughs> and uh, and then, I don't even know what this means, but it almost made my head explode with just rage. Alexa Bliss appears and says, due to WWE going back on the road, she's going to put Lily away. I'm like, what? excuse me? <laughs> what? What does that... Do you mean you're just going to stop? talking about this doll that you've spent three months introducing oh my i don't know maybe it's like a she's being coy and like it's gonna kill people backstage and she's gonna act like she doesn't know what's happening i don't know so but she says that like it was literally like a disclaimer on this show like (laughs) we're sorry about the doll and it's going away because that's Uh, literally that's how they open the show she just said that to the camera wow um and and naya walked up and was just kind of like what the fuck's wrong with you In, in in gist you know uh, Alexa, you may have seen the get the gif because she had a great line where she says, "What's a gimmick?" From her sitting in oh, her okay. swing with her face painted up, because <laughs> Naya was like trying to talk to Alexa, yeah, you know, and like wasn't kind of having it. Um, Alexa says they were never friends, and she wants to fight Naya tonight. It's like what, what, what? No, like she should not be challenging Naya Jax to a match. Like, <laughs> God. Anyways. I mean, it makes sense as far as like the history of those two as characters, but yes, and that was good on Naya. I liked that being like a part of her plea to mm-hmm. Alexa, you know. But yeah, it is what? one of those things where, man, it's just like we don't, we just need to stop with this Alexa. It's a doll thing that she's putting her away. I'm like, wait, what? And yeah. You shot a Chucky movie last week with Shayna Baszler, and now you're telling me that the, the doll is just going to go away? Yep. Sorry, oh, we didn't mean to do that. We, we went too we'll far. We'll see. Um, Nikki Cross, who it upsets me at this point that she's not in the title match at Hell in a Cell because she beat Charlotte Flair. I think she's like 4-0 or 5-0 and beating Charlotte and Rhea in the recent weeks. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't without some shenanigans, but Nikki got the win. Charlotte beat her up afterwards. Rhea made the save. Rinse and repeat. It's raw, folks. Um, that's what they do. Jeff Hardy is backstage doing the eyes closed thing with the painted eyeballs. So, you know, he's talking to Riddle. So you probably know what's coming here. Um, he tells Riddle that he should listen to Randy Orton. He's been here for a long time. Just kind of thought it was nice of Jeff. Um, and then Jeff did like the opening his eyes thing as he walked away to get ready for his match. And Riddle, of course, did stoner guy reaction to it. And was amazed that he had four eyes. And, you know, oh, talked gosh. about that for a second. Up walks Randy. Dad interrupts everything and tells him to just be himself. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I, I, I keep talking yeah. about how I've watched this in clips on YouTube. The, yeah. the way that they uploaded this stuff on YouTube. Like I saw the Randy Orton and the, the, I saw none of Jeff Hardy. They just like, ah. it's so that Randy just walks in behind him and he's just like, Oh, Hey Randy. <laughs> I mean, it's unnecessary, but it kind of is, you know, there's some development of character there. Anyways, uh, Riddle asked if that means that he likes him. <laughs> with a big stupid smile on his face and Randy just coldly looked at him and said no <laughs> and walked away so uh, oh, great yeah. comedy gold there from Randy Orton uh, I, what a singles match here John Morrison beat Jeff Hardy just for the did, fun of it you know just they had a singles match I could have sworn did we talk about last week where it was like Jeff Hardy was having like a retirement match or something well funny you should ask so Cedric Alexander watched the match from ringside just stood there on the ramp and afterwards, he apologized to Jeff Hardy for not showing the respect he deserved last week. Um, he watched their match from last week and saw how disrespectful Jeff was to him. 
So he's sorry that he, I don't know. So now he's sorry that he didn't kick his disrespectful ass into a retirement home. Uh, Listen, it was Cedric Alexander. It was not good. <laughs> Whatever. I, I'm, maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask about Cedric. Gotcha. Uh, Jeff then challenges him to a match right now and says he'll leave if he loses. And then Jeff Hardy beat Cedric Alexander again. <laughs> so that's two weeks in a row that Jeff's beat him. And this is also just after Jeff had like a 10-minute TV match with John Morrison who beat him. Yeah. So they're really making Alexander look great. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard to make him look good. Anyways, on to our next segment as it's going to be the re-debut of All Red All Over, Ava Marie. Yeah. Oh, boy. You've probably seen people screaming about this one. If oh, you yeah. heard him saying anything about Raw. Um, anyways, unannounced, unexplained, un-anything. This woman that's cut promos every week had nothing to say this week now that she's on TV. Yeah. <laughs> but she came out with um, NXT UK star Piper Nevin. Um, mm-hmm. It was very talented in, in a way that was so oddly like it, that's the other thing about this was so weird is just the way that yeah. like they pro, pro, you know produced it like the announcers are acting like they have no idea who piper niven is they've never seen yep. this woman apparently they're not yeah. nxt uk watchers but they right no <laughs> like they have no right, idea literally she was also on. involved i don't know how long ago it was but i remember her name being involved in like a Fatal four way number one contenders match or mm-hmm. something. And it might have even been the one that like Maiko Saitorama won. But like she comes down to the ring, gets in, and it's clear that she's going to be wrestling. And the announcers are going, What's happening here? Is Eva yeah. Marie wrestling? What's going on? And then the match just happens and then yep. it ends and they go, I thought Eva Marie was wrestling. What's going on? Yeah. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I know, you, oh, the intrigue. Oh, next week it'll be explained type. But it's like, this is the debut. Yeah. Why would this other woman be wrestling? Why wouldn't the announcers be aware of it? Mm-hmm. It can just anyone to be like, I don't want to wrestle, but I have this person with me to yeah, replace. Why, why would the referee not ask for an explanation on why this other woman is so, getting into the ring? So all those silly logical questions aside, um, what people were most upset about was probably Naomi taking the L here. Which listen, folks, listen, I, and I know you crazy Naomi fans with her as your avatar and emojis and your. I, I like Naomi a lot. I yes. every time that she's come back, even on times when you've been the 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 sour person on our our yeah. group, like I've been the one that's been more pro Naomi. I right. feel like this is a totally fine loss for her to get, especially against P- Piper Niven's debuting here. Like mm-hmm. she should yeah. win the match. <laughs> yeah. No, Naomi's a perfect example of somebody that like every time she loses, it's for other reasons other than it's just wrestling. Which is another thing that annoys me. Like, well, and then the other thing is, is that she's also because those fans that are so crazy about her are there. Mm-hmm. The WWE knows all they have to do is just have her win like a six woman match, right. and they can put her right mm-hmm. back in the title picture if they want yeah. to. Because the thing about all this is, that's probably the last time you'll see Naomi for a little while, because she was in a tag team with Lana, yeah, and they fired Lana, <laughs> and so <laughs> they don't have any ideas what they're doing with this, her right now. This is a perfect time to reset mm-hmm. maybe pop up on smackdown after the draft maybe come back with a new push on raw after you take a look and maybe not maybe she'll pop right back up but it just it felt like maybe that kind of a thing too where yeah. she'll be fine they like her a lot everyone loves to forget how good of like a two and a half year run naomi had when she mm-hmm. just won everything <laughs> you know like for oh, yeah. a while so yep she'll be back i would imagine and she'll be just fine and piper nevin i don't know We'll see how this goes. They're going to have to be real careful with how they play this. Mm-hmm. 
Because why, Piper? Well, what? Just why? Why because any of this? I, well, because it's you know, if she's muscle, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm afraid there's going to be something else here amongst the storyline. Oh, okay. This. Some I don't know. I just uh, if there's some fucking like aspiring to be Ava type of an oh, angle yeah. or a I we'll see that's not gonna that's not gonna go well <laughs> um yeah Jesus Christ Dana and Mandy Brook were having a photo shoot and they couldn't focus DP because there was too much noise being made by Natalia and Tamina who were training in the ring at I'm guessing like the PC or something so many questions like they're in the ring training while you're taking pictures. Like who got your, yeah. who got there first? What, and you also what do you have to focus on. Why are we here? Why are we in this location? Like why is we're, we're at raw? Why <laughs> is this it, happening? All of it was, it was earlier today. One of those stupid kind of things. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Natty and Tamina are like, you know, whatever. Natty says she's sure opening doors didn't happen due to their hard work in the ring. She's Natty. I guess it's okay if a woman says it. Um, and then they all brawl. So this is your women's tag team division, folks. That's it. Pretty much right there. Uh, RK Bro beat the New Day. I think this is like three or four weeks in a row, but any combination of these four men has been the only match worth watching on Raw. Yeah. For like the better part of a month. Um, still quite not on the team celebration route. Kind of a weird match, too, to some degree, like with what's going on with Kofi. But I guess that's actually coming up. Never mind. I'm an idiot. Um, we'll just get right to it because who cares? MVP is backstage with Kofi because this is actually about the only meaty thing on this show. And it's interesting. We know where we're going with this. MVP asked Kofi in front of Xavier, like they're both standing there, if he thought about the conversation they had last week. MVP says Kofi Mania is dead, and it's thanks to the man to your left, referring to Xavier Woods. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, MVP tells Kofi that he's wasted his time in tag matches. I was just like, has MVP been listening to me? Um, (laughs) At least when you lose a singles match, you only have yourself to blame. Because Xavier did take the pin in the match with RK Bro. And Kofi, ah, I was just like, I don't know what you guys are trying to do here, but he just went about as like generic baby face response as you could do here. And I was just wanting uh-huh. some fire. Like he's kind of just the nah, man. You know, my success has been thanks to the new day. And, you know, like, that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And MVP wants to wish him well in his match at Hell in a Cell. Oh, that's right. You don't have a match at Hell in a Cell. <laughs> And tells Kofi to have fun playing with his friends and walked away. Uh, I mean, it was A plus from MVP. Yeah. Like, I love the fucking the dig here. Because I've been waiting for this. Like, you guys want Kofi? Mm-hmm. Like, Manny, this is what has to happen. He has to break the New Day thing. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe this is nothing and they'll just, you know, yeah. kick it and they'll win, whatever. But I like the feeling of this if it's the beginning of something we'll see so. anyways who cares what else happened on raw um <laughs> smackdown uh i'm sorry weather report i fucking saw about 20 percent of this show because oh, yeah, we were storms. having severe weather and smackdown airs on network tv now so here are my smackdown notes apollo came out weather update commercial weather update <laughs> I come into like mid-match Nakamura and Baron Corbin. I'd see Nakamura pin Baron Corbin. One of the two segments that they didn't mess up, Bianca Belair cut a long-winded promo about bullies. Good God, they're going to ruin her. Um, Because that's like their only explanation 
for good guys. They have no other explanation for what makes you a good guy. Like you had to be bullied is like their new yeah. thing. Yep. And they have to talk about how they overcame it. I'd be more okay with this if they still acted like be a star existed. But this just feels <laughs> weird out of no place. And Bianca Belair is a fucking star. She's a badass. Mm-hmm. She's a dominant athlete. She doesn't need to be out there talking about getting picked on in fucking high school. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're, we're, we're past that. Mm-hmm. She's the face of the fucking women's division on SmackDown. Because yeah. Bailey gets to look like she's going to get cheered. Because Bailey's a fun, funny, cool heel who ends up looking like a cool heel after all these segments when she beats Bianca up. And we're, you know, I don't know. It's just, I just don't like it. <laughs> so, so um, yes. Because you had mentioned the, some of the stuff that you had skipped over earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned like Apollo coming out and then you had the weather update. Right. Um, I was disappointed because I thought that like the cruise or not the cruise, the Owens and Biggie like uh, talking segment they did just before that portion of the match, before their matches mm-hmm. was becoming up was really good. Like I like oh. the way mm-hmm. Owens interacted with Biggie and like mm-hmm. them going back and forth, kind of being uneasy about stuff, but then Biggie like giving in and just doing his own thing. And like, I just thought it was really well done. I really enjoyed the Biggie presentation there, but nice. then they lose the fucking match. And then it's revealed that we're going into a Hell in a Cell match with Kevin Owens again, I think, is at least a match against Sami Zayn at Hell in a Cell. I don't know if it's going to be in a Hell in a Cell. I'd missed that part. But Good God. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you got a little bit more than I got. Here, I also got, I got this one. I got to watch Otis and an Uso. I'm sorry to be offensive, but I didn't get to see any of the build up to this match, and I didn't get to see all of the entrance of one of the Usos. And then I got a weather update. So I don't know what happened in the <laughs> Otis and Uso match. I didn't see the Otis and Uso Otis has had his face shaved too. Have you seen face shaved Otis? I have not. No. Oof. I don't know why they did it to him. Uh, but I did get to see the main event, the Hell in a Cell match with the Universal Championship, Which, Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio. You mentioned it's on a you know broadcast network. If people were having weather issues, they did post like the entirety of this match on YouTube. Like it's available ah. right now in its entirety, and they did a good job with that. Like I thought the opening segment with like Ray's. Uh, promo was really good, except for mm-hmm. that it didn't make any sense to have that segment because we already knew this match was happening. It was like right. they had like taped this a week ago and then decided, well, we'd better go ahead and announce that ahead of time and spoil the first half of the goddamn show. Yeah, I still haven't seen anything really like explained why they went the SmackDown route with this instead of... I think this is directly um, Vince McMahon continuing to not be able to get over the idea of not not challenging and battling against AEW. AEW's starting with a Wardlow cage match. Mm-hmm. We're going to put our Hell in a Cell match right before that and gives people mm-hmm. a re- great match so that way when they go watch this bullshit MMA match, that's nothing. Your logic is probably correct. Because um, <laughs> I feel like they thought, yeah. you know, I, from, from the WWE standpoint, they probably thought, oh, we're having Hell in a Cell on Sunday. AEW just announced they're doing a cage thing the you know two nights before and so they're like well fuck them and then they decided to pull this off right. that show and on that that's in my mind how yeah. it happened i'd probably am you know making Makes up stories sense. but it, that's what i was thinking yeah, well and they were also competing with playoff basketball nba yeah. playoff basketball so that might have had something to do with it um yeah ray roman gets the win he powerbombed ray out of the ring at one point into the cage wall it was brutal they um, keep doing this though we're like I are, are, is there a box that these men are falling onto that like because like when Ray's son was thrown out, out of the ring they didn't yeah, show him land when Ray was thrown out of the ring here they didn't show him land and they keep showing this low angle shot from outside of Reigns mm-hmm. like he just threw someone off a roof in a movie and we're not showing the bottom side you know I think you might be right about that yeah you're right because the angle was definitely 
at an angle or you know, it was at a point where you couldn't see the landing necessarily. Yeah. So. Yep. Because it was kind of brutal. But yeah, um, Roman wins. Uh, solid match. Jimmy Uso would come out and acknowledge his cousin Roman finally. So mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm like, if the three of them are going to be all like hunky dory with each other, then they need to find, <laughs> you know, well, a real force for them to battle. Yeah, because when you say like. You know, Reigns hasn't been a good guy here. Like even after the match, he goes wants to go after Ray Moore, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, so what does Jim like? How did Jimmy decide that this is an okay thing now at this point? Like it seemed like that would be even more of an like, well, I'm definitely not going to be a part of that sort of. I thing. I mean, they they really just play hard on the manipulation yeah. of Roman. It you know, like That's it's true. literally just the manipulation of him for the most part. So you brought up that cage fight. Um, listen, here's the thing. I don't know. Like, I saw the range on this from god awful to eh, it was what it was, you know. It's one of those things, too, where it's like, I get that they see something in Jake Hager. To me, he's Jericho's heater, and you don't need to do anything else with him. Why is Wardlow losing this match? Like, I get that exactly. they're the good guys now, but Wardlow should be the person that won this match. <laughs> Wardlow is potentially a top guy in this company. Yes, for years Jake Hager will not be, at least in no. my opinion. I don't <laughs> no, like, I mean, you, and you can say, okay, well, he beat him in his match and yada, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the Wardlow pinnacle partnership has also not been great for him. Yeah. Because we had talked about it. It felt like he was working on splitting with MJF. Yeah, like, and then they decided to was- do that storyline for Cage instead, and, and now Wardlow right. has to be a nice guy. <laughs> Sorry, Wardlow. We forgot Cage was also here and that we brought all you guys in at the same time and didn't know how to push four big men at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, because it was what it was. I, you know, um, post match kind of looks like maybe we're going to get a fist match from these men. So again, maybe we are still leaning towards a Wardlow face turn or something. But uh, that was interrupted by Sean Spears, who attacked from behind. And then that caused, you know, an MJF inner, I'm sorry, inner circle pinnacle brawl. What's that? I said everybody comes in. Everybody comes in. Dean Malenko got taken out at some point by MJF, for God's sakes. I mean, it, yeah. it was not you. Yeah, I forgot. Like It was one of those things, too, when they attacked Dean Malenko, then all of a sudden Tony Schiavone's going, how could you oh. attack a man with Parkinson's? I was like, oh, I didn't I didn't know he had Parkinson's. Okay. And, dude, late, I mean, he still is on that. Like He's bringing that up. He's like, that son of a bitch, MJF. And like, he's <laughs> not happy about it. Um, I didn't get this one much either. I don't know what we're getting at. What's that? Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky uh, beat Darby Allen in a handicap I, match. I do like where this storyline's going. Like, I don't know what you're well, going like, to do but, with the main yeah. men or whatever they're fucking called now. Men of the year. The men of the year. I don't know what you're going to do with yeah. that as a duo once they don't have Darby Allen to be their target. But right. I liked the element of... Darby, you know, being egged on by these guys for weeks of, yeah, your dad's here, your face yeah. paint daddy's here, but, you know, and then him getting into something that's too deep for him and asking Sting not to show up and Sting didn't show up. I liked that element of it. I liked that that all played yeah. out. But again, I don't know exactly where this leads to in the future, but we'll see. Yeah, because I mean, at this point, what else is, you know, what else do you do here? Because they couldn't beat him and Sting. He couldn't beat them, obviously. Yeah. It's it's good heat on them. You're right. Like this is makes them look legit. It's you know Darby. You could argue is one of the top two or three people in the whole company mm-hmm. as far as how they've been booked and stuff. And 
so yeah, it's good for these guys. I just kind of, I mean, I, I guess I don't really know what the future is of this. Like we get another match with Sting also involved and we see what happens. Yeah, or, that's a good one. <laughs> I hadn't thought know, about I don't that. Know. Yeah, because it's like, it just feels like this sets up the match that they've already had where they right? <laughs> two yeah. versus two. You got, y'all booked this backwards. Um, but no, these guys are great though. I mean, I do lo- like, man, nothing's been better for Scorpio than the arrival of Ethan Page. And I am a little annoyed because I don't think Ethan needs Scorpio, but it's, <laughs> You know, it'll all work itself out. I'm I, sure. I usually don't like interject the the writers of these various recaps that I'm just following along with, just to remind myself what matches happen. I don't yeah. like to take their opinions, but immediately after I just said that and we just had this conversation about, I scrolled down and I see if there's one negative, why did this exist? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my that's, kind of my thought oof. too. <laughs> Listen, I'm not trying to say it wasn't entertaining, but that is yeah. not far off from my thoughts as well. Anyways, um, on a situation that. Has, is growing on me fast. The wingmen, uh, represented on this evening by Cesar Bonini, uh, took on Orange Cassidy. These guys feel like the group that QT Marshall's group should be. These are the guys that are on dark all the time. <laughs> right. They've made a name yeah. for themselves, but they're not right. getting any respect, uh, and so they start causing trouble, you know? And the other difference is that I want more and more of these guys, Yep. and I don't ever want to see the Nightmare family <laughs> ever again. Factor. Anyways, um... I also think these guys in a in a feud with like the best friends, this could mm-hmm. be some really good stuff. So. Oh yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, yeah, best friends helped even the odds because I should mention Cesar Bonini, the wingmen include Ryan Nemeth, Pretty Peter Avalon, and JD Drake, who I am so proud of. Like, <laughs> just a guy that like this isn't ever who he's been. You know, he's the yeah. no nonsense big man with he was agile. And I don't know the if guy they asked expected- him or how this worked out, but he's found himself a job because he was willing to do what was necessary. You yeah, know? he's a guy that I expected to show up on NWA and just like mm-hmm. have a few big matches there and then oh, you dude, know, go so to Impact they. or something. <laughs> but instead, yeah, he's here having this like great character run here with these other guys. Yep. It's interesting. So, yeah, the match was fun. Orange got the win, uh, took a big flip to the outside on all the wingmen. Uh, Bryce Rimsberg had a funny tweet showing the gif of the dive as Statlander was in, uh, distracting him and that just said, and she was complimenting me on how like thin the stripes made me look or something. Was that all a lie? You know, so nice. yeah, Orange got the win. I think there's a lot of meat on the bone here with these guys. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Marvez is with Jungle Boy, who is great. But man, I don't know if they're doing him any favors in some of this kind of stuff. Like he just kind of gets made to look like... I don't know. It's not, it's not his strong I like, suit. I are you talking? Is this the segment with Kenny that you're talking about? Yeah, I just thought like I don't know him kind of getting cut off from being able to. Talk. I don't know. It, it's I like that they're continuing yeah. to have him be less words. Like less is more with the way that he speaks. Like yeah, okay. Kenny's the guy that is going to you know snort a line of coke before he walks in the room and give you fifty <laughs> lines of of dialogue. Yeah. And, you know, he's the, just the complete opposite. He's no nonsense kind of a when it comes to this, his, you know, relationship with Kenny in this direction towards this match. Mm-hmm. He's very no nonsense. He's just like, look, I'm going to beat you. And that's what's going to going to happen. But I like that Kenny's still overlooking a little bit, but mm-hmm. obviously seeing some sort of a threat because he did attack him physically here. Right. The only thing else, and I'm, it doesn't have to end now. I think you're right. You know, you make a good point there. I definitely like a more serious jungle boy. I don't need the fucking troll or the dinosaur to be around. Um, and I like them coming out for the celebration. They don't need to be there at the beginning. Yes. Of the okay. I'll take the celebration, but yeah, I do like the way the jungle boy is taking a more serious approach here. The only thing I'll say about the Omega, and this has kind of been the run of his title defenses here lately. 
is that he's he is overlooking all these people and then he beats them also you know yeah. like is, is there going to be like it hasn't bit his is, in the ass yet is he gonna stub his toe at some point are we gonna get a fun maybe couple week rain from somebody before he gets his shit together mm-hmm. you know i don't know that would be interesting that so. would be good to see i i agree that would be they almost need to to have but some man sort of come up and for at least some of his you know cockiness mm-hmm. every once in right. a while so I did love, man, I loved him like honking the horn of the little golf cart as they're driving into oh, his interview. Well, th- so <laughs> b- speaking of that, just because like they then drive off with the golf cart as well. Oh, the end and is great, too. Yeah. When they drive off, though, that was the moment where I was just like, both of these companies need to get on the road because we are too into this. Like, we're just a weird little conglomeration of buildings that we all because like with NXT, sometimes it feels like these guys live there with AEW that moment there, especially I was like, oh, they're running away to to the other side of the compound that they're in. Like, <laughs> there's, there's yeah, no right way to go. It's also borderline too silly. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I loved it. But again, like, I don't know. I, <laughs> It's fun. Is it too fun? Yeah. Um, Omega tells Jungle Boy he's an emb- he embarrassed him last week, and uh, he got involved in his business, so this week he's going to give him a chance to prove how tough he is, and he challenges Jungle Boy to a fight in the parking garage. Uh, Jungle Boy kind of does the silent, rolling up the sleeves type of a deal, uh, but says he'd rather beat, he'd rather wait and beat him for the title next week. Um, Kenny offers him the first shot even. I'm sorry, that's kind of when he's finally looking like he might yeah. actually take Kenny up on the offer. Uh, but that damn Michael Nakazawa attacked Jungle Boy from behind. Luckily, he didn't have to sell it much because that also is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jungle Boy runs him off. It's just great, like them running away in the golf cart thing. I don't, I don't know what it Kenny was. doing the like super villain cackle. Oh yeah, no, I loved, I loved them driving away and all that. And I saw somewhere, I don't, I don't know where I saw someone talking about it. I don't know where it was actually at, but apparently, uh, Michael Nakazawa was interviewed. In one of these programs, or maybe it was being the elite or something, they'd asked him, you know, mm-hmm. like what, where, where do you think that you stack up in, in like Don and Kenny's mind? Like, are you just a, are you a best friend, or are you just like, you know, a, a minion or whatever? And he right. was like, no, I'm, me and Kenny are best friends. He's like, every time that I hit someone with my laptop, he buys me a brand new laptop. He's like, we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there you go. That's a sounds like the kind of thing a best friend would do if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, looking forward to that title match next week. Um. You know they've always they've done a really good job and have since the beginning with Jungle Boy and uh, oh yeah you know, should be good uh, a fun interaction here even if it makes some of maybe the WWE haters groan Matt Hardy and Christian seem to be on a collision course yeah. they've never had a singles match folks like can't explain that this happened like it, it now it has to happen um, yeah <laughs> but yeah he's got the Matt Hardy family with him um, still minus the butcher get well soon I guess. Um, Seems like he's been hurt forever. Um, but yeah, he's going to take Christian out if he keeps coming after him. Uh, Christian comes after him like while he's cutting his interview, must have been with an earshot. Um, and the Hardy family just lock him in like an equipment cage. Yeah. And then Matt like talks to him once he's like locked away. As they were getting him into the cage, the uh, <laughs> I can't remember which two it was, but two of the people that were part of the group were just chanting, lock his ass up, lock his ass up. And just made me Might laugh. Might have been so private hard. party. I think it was the private party, guys. Yeah, because poor uh, Blade was having a hard time getting that cage lock. I was like, <laughs> oh, God. And Chris Christian was intense. But yeah, Hardy tells him to retire and even offers him a check. You know, like he'll pay for it. Here's your retirement fund. And Christian's, of course, not interested and wants to kick his ass. So now this is a, this is a storyline that when they first, you know, teased it, I thought I don't want to see this. But as they've continued to develop it, I've right. really enjoyed the interaction. 
I mean, arguably two of the best workers of the last like 20 years, you know? Mm -hmm. So even if you don't, you know, Matt doesn't move like he used to and all that kind of stuff. I, I would expect those two to pull something pretty great off. I hope so. Oh God. That's not your favorite part. I think I managed to even skip because this feels like it's coming out of nowhere. I don't know. Did I complain about Brock Anderson from last week? But yeah, Arn's son, who literally is no question he's Brock or he's Arn Anderson's son. He just yeah, looks looks like him from like the late seventies, probably <laughs> um, when Arn was thirty five. Um, him and Cody, they beat Aaron Solo and QT Marshall. Yeah, Brock Anderson, who we've never seen before. Cody, who could never win again and be fine. Beat. Two guys that need all the wins for any st- chance of legitimizing them. I mean, I guess is the storyline that like Cody's clearly better, but QT won't <laughs> let it go. Is that what we're going on? Like, I mean, why does Cody keep it, wanting revenge against these guys? They're not really doing anything super it, dastardly. Like, right. And I don't know. Maybe I should. We should appreciate him pulling up the end. But it's like Cody punching down also isn't interesting for his character no yeah like why are you fighting qt marsh like that's the thing too even if qt thinks he's better than cody he's not mm-hmm. cody's proven it nobody out there fan wise like would ever consider that possibility yeah so what's the point and then you just go out there and you keep losing and now you've like pulled these cody trainees to yeah. your side of things and you're giving and you're doing nothing good for them yeah. And Anthony Agogo has why was he on TV? Where the hell is that guy? <laughs> so, I wasn't uh, sure where Anthony Agogo was in this, but yeah, it was one of those things where I was like when it was announced last week, Cody specifically said he wanted he took the match because he wanted revenge on Anthony Agogo for the attack after he beat Anthony Agogo already. So like him not even being on TV here makes no sense unless like something uh, came up that they didn't, you know, weren't able to plan for. I don't know how that ends up happening. I don't know, but I if but Push Brock Anderson to the moon. I will take that. I'm fine with that. I, I any descendant of Aaron Anderson. I'm, I'm I want to see <laughs> given all the opportunities. My thing about Brock Anderson, and I, I maybe I should have looked up some information. Has he been wrestling? How old is is he? Like they his said, dad? this he's was like, his debut match. I don't know if it right. means like in wrestling or with AEW, but right. So, so he's just blessed with his father's hairline, and he's actually only like 22 years old instead of the 35 well, years old that I, I'm assuming. When, when you were talking about Art Anderson being 35 at whatever year you had said, I was thinking <laughs> he probably was actually 20, and you just thought he was 15 years older because he exactly. had that early hairline. Yeah. So, anyways, we'll see what happens there, or we won't. Who cares? Oh yeah, congratulations, no, Cody and Brandy. Yeah, no, it's kid. good. It's good that Brock Anderson's getting a chance. You know, that's fine. I'm sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is one of those things where it's like, but on. TV is where you've had all these guys that have debuted on dark and had all these matches and elevation and everything. And then Brock Anderson's pulled into this match a week ahead of time and bam, he's on the show. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little weird. Yeah. Maybe could have heated him up a little bit. Anyways, speaking of people that probably uh, should have gotten a little bit more time before they were put on TV in a wrestling match, Julia Hart wrestled Penelope Ford. Oh yeah. We'll get to that. I more positive on that, but for always one of my favorite segments every week, we get a hangman page and dark order. (laughs) interview backstage um hangman accepts the challenge from powerhouse hobbs next week um you know he was clever and funny about it i don't have you know um but he completely evades a question about the title match next week between jungle boy and omega instead opting to put over you know john silver's shoulders almost better i think five got a new jacket 
was one of the things what? that he mentioned. I, I, I missed, because I didn't rewind it. I should have just rewound it. But, like, because I yeah. heard, you know, he was going through the different guys. And then yeah. he says something about Evil Uno that leads to them all, like, cheering Evil Uno and putting him on their shoulders. Yeah. I was like, what yeah. happened? Um, I think he just complimented him on, like, his title match. Oh, just had a good match or something? Or something. Yeah, like, okay. yeah, I can't remember now that you Because, yeah, I did love when they put Uno <laughs> on their shoulders, though, and were, like, cheering for him. So, But I do. I love the subtle... Hangman Page has probably been handled better than any character in this company, if you ask me. Him and, and Jungle that, so, Boy and, are real hard to argue between the two mm-hmm. of them on who's been handled and, better. But. And Darby, I mean, I goddamn, yeah. I know if, we keep, if I keep sitting here and doing this, but but because but he hasn't even accomplished like his real goals though either. You know yeah. what I mean? Where like Darby's done, you know, won titles and mm-hmm. things like that, and Jungle Boy they're still heating up, but Page has been the expected star of this company the baby face of this mm-hmm. company he was in potentially people yeah. forget that he wrestled jericho for that first title like yeah he was in the the match for the first champion <laughs> and it was also the man that lost to kenny omega in a number one contenders match yep after yeah. their tag team run that he was a part of because the character i think is almost is almost happy to accept whatever's given to him it's kind of like the adam page character it's the drunk thing like he's yes. just kind of like Along for the ride, he's easy going. He doesn't want to push buttons. He's happy to be in a team with Kenny. He's happy to be with the Dark Order. He's avoiding talking about the title situation at he all. Was, like he was happy to be Brandon Cutler for the entire Elite throughout those two years before AEW existed. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't think all of that is um, an accident. Like I think this is all working towards, you know, what will be a great, I think, ultimate babyface title run at some point. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so, too. Penelope Ford beat Julia Hart, who was accompanied to the ring by the Varsity Blondes. Mm. Uh, man, love it. I, I love just, the package of those three. That's yes, a really good package. I love the Varsity Blondes and the addition of Julia Hart. And I also really loved the mean streak from Penelope Ford in this match. I thought she mm-hmm. looked really good. i curious, though. Like the match yes. is whatever. It it was fine. It, it, I was just you know mm-hmm. being a little bit rude. But as far as <laughs> like the the post match, yeah, I don't understand what this means for the Miro character because what's going to happen? Like if he starts <sighs> defending Penelope Ford and they get interaction, what's going to happen when the other guy comes back? Like, well, that I mean, listen, are they just setting gonna, up or, or what the or same storyline they did with yes. Miro and in, in WWE again, where it's going to be a, a fight over the woman? I think your better question could be what will happen when Lana shows up and he's with Penelope Ford. Ah, I hadn't thought about that <laughs> being an, I don't know. I don't know, but I, you know, just it's his wife for God's sake. Yeah. I'm sure they wouldn't mind working together again. I know? did. I loved, there was something that Miro said in the middle of this and it was just some like little thing about like God's plan or God's favorite champion or something. Like I love that element of his character being this like slightly delusional, like, no, it's not that I'm just better athletically. Like the supernatural being that created the earth <laughs> prefers me over all of you. Yeah. Like Yeah. No, he was great. It was a little bit odd of a segment though, because it was almost like the varsity blondes were put in a position where they had to look like maybe they were gonna like beat up Penelope Ford. Yeah. <laughs> And then Miro like kind of came out as the like knight in shining. I was like, what? No, why? Why do they get get away from her? Like, why are you yeah. even? It's I don't weird. know. So, but yeah, overall, whatever. Him and Brian Pillman, I'm sure, will be a fine match. And the Varsity Blondes are another group that really, in the last probably two and a half months or so, they've done a good job of kind of slowly building them and legitimizing them. 
Now, you made a joke about what's going to happen when Lana shows up. Vicky Guerrero yes. promised a match that she's going to be wrestling in. Do you think that she is going to be replacing herself with someone else? Because Andrade also referenced a potential like surprise coming up. This is well. This is also why I don't want Vicky Guerrero with Andrade. Andrade is doing sit down with Jr. Yeah, doing a much better job of presenting his character and his intentions. And then you got comedy gimmick Vicky Guerrero, <laughs> who's probably going to end up having a match with that lawyer guy that used to be with MJF. Oh, yeah. That Mark Sterling guy because he's with Jade Cargill now or whatever. Like, I don't know. That's why it's like, if she's not going to be serious about, then get her the fuck away from Andrade and Nyla for that matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd imagine she'll replace herself and we'll get something else, but I don't know. We'll see. Because I just didn't know because when I'd heard someone say something about Andrade <laughs> promising a, pr- a surprise as well, I was like, mm-hmm. could we be getting a Zelina Vega showing up? I think as, she tweeted something cryptic the other yeah. night as well, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and that's I saw some people reference her her cryptic I didn't see the cryptic tweet, but yeah. there's people referencing that so. that had happened. So yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't seen any updates on it, but the idea of her showing back up in the WWE seems At this point it seems wild. <laughs> right. It seems low to me that that would be something she's interested in. Oh. Uh, main event. I hate the Good Brothers. Good Brothers and Matt Jackson beat Eddie Kingston because he never wins a match. Uh, El Pentagon, Zero, M, Penta, whatever yeah. the hell he's called nowadays. And the Elite Hunter, Frankie Kazarian. What a trio. <laughs> it's like, like It's an interesting trio. I like Kaz and Kingston being a part of it. Pentagon, again, I don't know why we went back to the Death Triangle thing. Like, when they first brought in Alex Abramantes or whatever his name is. Yeah. I thought that is a perfect role. Like make these two yeah. Uber heels, make Alex completely mm-hmm. obnoxious and just let him go with that. And then they were like, well, it turns out we actually need him to wrestle in a tag match with Pac for one night. So we're going to just reverse all of that. And so then we got Abramantes coming out, acting like a baby face with Pentagon here. And it just felt completely off. Like I was, yeah. I just don't know what they're doing with those two guys. It was a weird main event. I mean, this show as a whole, you could look at and kind of be like, mm. you know, like, yeah, it was a little off. Like we were just kind of trying to get through to our next big show next Saturday. So anyways, <laughs> I don't know. Not great. Was what it was. There was some okay stuff on this show. Um, lastly, I'll just mention that Don Callis was fired from Impact Wrestling mm-hmm. by the Anthem representative, Tommy Dreamer. I don't know when that happened. Um, Who also <laughs> has apparently decided to to forego visits to the barber like I have because Tommy Dreamer is growing out his hair, and I am not used to long hair Tommy Dreamer. That is weird to me. Not that long, anyway. You're right. He's also been <laughs> gone for a little while. Um, yeah, it kind of was played like, oh, maybe it was going to be Scott Demore. Don Callis is even like, ah, oh, hang in there, kid. Like, it'll be okay. Like, he was kind of like consoling <laughs> Scott Demore before it even happened. And then it happened. Uh, Don Callis was fired from Impact. Sammy Callahan has been reinstated and will, in fact, challenge Kenny Omega at Slammiversary for the Impact World Championship. So, so had he uh, just been injured? Is that what's going on with the Callahan character? Had he gotten injured sometime last year or something? I don't know if he was he I think he might have been injured at some point, but he'd kind of been around and just the push like, fell the off. The company a little bit. was like him and Tessa, yeah. the top of the card. Well that's yeah. and obviously things changed and things moved and, and shifted and yeah. everything, but it just when when it was, you know, Kenny going against Moose and yeah. all these other guys, that was when I was just like, Where's Sammy, because it like, feels like Cal- Sammy's like, the perfect Sammy person did to go a, against Sammy him. did a lot of stuff with Ken Shamrock last year, even at one point like 
managing Shamrock as like a monster kind of a thing. Oh, that he okay. was like sticking on people and like I think he was dealing with some injuries. And then they've also kind of been playing this like thing between him and Callus goes back to when he was doing the podcast with Lance Storm still. And gotcha. I can remember him like kayfabe talking <laughs> about like Sammy. how dangerous Sammy Callahan was <laughs> and like all this like which is kind of silly. But I so like this is a long thing, long time going. Yeah. Uh you know Callahan's playing playing it up well on social media talking about Callus. Uh, Don, of course, promising that you know you're only making him stronger mm-hmm. in in this in these circumstances. Uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But thought that was interesting. No, it was interesting enough that it got me to watch their YouTube channel for a little while. So I'm gonna have to keep up with it some more. Off. There you go. Forward. All right. So that's current wrestling then. Yes, sir. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Shut up, you fat, bald-headed little Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.